Hey everybody, there are a ton of ways that you can follow us online. We've got our website, realnerdspodcast.com, that you can go to and you can read articles and find the podcast episodes there as well. If you like social media, you can follow us on Facebook at Real Nerds Podcast or on Twitter and Instagram at Real Nerds. You can also call us anytime and leave a voicemail at 720-6-NERDS-5 and then we'll play your voicemail on the show. Thanks for listening. I hope you like us. This is Real Nerds Podcast coming to you for the 500th actually more time. This is our 500th episode. We have been doing the show for 10 years, and it really just started with me and this guy to my right. Brad. Brad, how does it feel to be 10 years older, 10 years wiser, and still doing this podcast? Uh, a little pathetic, really. I mean, you, th- you think we would have gone somewhere <laughs> with this by now, but no, we're pretty much where we started. Thanks to the pandemic, and uh, we've regressed a little bit because we, we we don't even use the board anymore. <laughs> um, yeah, no, the pandemic fucked us. Mm-hmm. Um, speaking of which, also one of our original members is not here. His family is sick, so big shout out to James. Uh, we miss you, and uh, hopefully your family gets well soon. But what's really great about our podcast? Actually, we're not where we started from, Brad, because through the course of our ten years. We have gained three members of our podcast, and the first one to join us is sitting to my right, Zach. Yes, you were you were uh, when eight years ago. Uh, yeah, that was twenty. Well, twenty thirteen was the first time that I was on yeah, here. So eight um, years, it's twenty twenty one. Yeah, so yeah, that's. Uh, but I didn't start off as a regular right away. I was more of a guest capacity, and yep. then when you um, when you went off to have uh, Senor Kellen. Um, that's not his actual name. His name it is. Kellen. It's Senor Sen- Kellen. Senor Kellen, really? Yeah, we just the, we just go by his middle name. That's on the birth certificate, man. That's yeah. really cool. Um, yeah, but then I did a bit of a guest host for that, and then I kind of came back more in a full time capacity. Yep. Yeah. So thank you. And then yeah. we got the sexy voice one, Henry. Hello, hey, which we were really me, surprised Henry. that uh, when we saw you, what you looked like. Yeah. <laughs> I expected this really I tall, like tough looking guy i don't know what i'm trying to say but your voice doesn't... i think i'm still a little tough boy but that's just me <laughs> uh your voice is great you're a wonderful person but if you just hear your voice and then you saw you go huh that doesn't match yeah people are usually uh, people usually don't expect me to be four feet three and so it's <laughs> gotta be, gotta be, so it's the you know what you know what's been helping it lately has been the mustache Henry the mustache has been really I helping think so. the mustache really adds three three feet and so <laughs> and then you know what guys I decided we need to diversify we need to diversify and add a female voice to our show and that brings us to Corinne hello everyone thanks for having me here we are excited to have you here for our five hundredth episode and this is gonna be a little different. Um, we set forth to put a list together of our hundred favorite films of Real Nerds podcast. Mm-hmm. This went through several iterations. First, we were going to debate them, and then I didn't want to yell at you guys for ten hours for being stupid. So instead, <laughs> I had you guys send me a list of your hundred favorite films from Real Nerds podcast. However, the caveat is it had to be our feature film and not be from Nerdemic or like uh, Legacy. 
title. Yeah, so like so, when we set, when we did North by Northwest, that yeah. doesn't count. So Henry, three of your films sorry, were left I, I, off this Sorry list. about that. <laughs> um, it's okay because I asked for 100 and Corinne sent me 50. So, oh, well. And then she's like, eh, I don't care. That's a, that's a great attitude to have. Um, also, but I almost won because if Brad didn't fact check me when I sent him the initial list, uh, he's like, hey, where's this movie? And I was like, fuck. And I had to go back and redo my whole spreadsheet. Pride and Prejudice and Zombies almost made the cut because I put it somewhere like 60-something, and Corinne had it like in the 30s. I know. I think it was like 18. So it boosted it to like uh, 97 points. So how this works is I had everybody send me their list, and each film was worth had a point value assigned to it. So the 100th rated film would be one point. Number one would be 100. Um, so just follow the dominoes as they may. Mm-hmm. And I was also going to be a total dick to Corinne. And since she only sent me 50 films, I was going to count each one of hers as half the points. Um, but then I decided against it because I'm all for being nice. And, um, and that's where we landed. And so I created this huge list. We have also have some trivia, some puzzles based on each 10th film so you'll have to guess the title based on the puzzle uh so one of the questions you sent me uh was what's james's favorite or uh least what what movie character scares james Mm -hmm. and i was like oh i can't put that in there because obviously james knows the answer like that so it's a little unfair to have everyone else try to answer that question and now he's not even here so i (laughs) I regret excluding it (laughs) well it's et right okay brad made up two more it's et so Brad made up two more. That's good. So uh, we came up with trivia questions. Um, so the loser is going to get Raya and the Last Dragon in Ultra HD. Hmm. The winner gets something way better, and I don't. It's a movie, but I'm. I don't want to share it because it's a surprise. Okay. And we have um, consolation prizes. Yes, Corinne brought something else too that I don't know what it is. So she's going to have to hand those out. However, um, I will say that. A film had to get 99 points to be on this list. So the 100th film had 99 points. The number one film had 485. Wow, I wonder what so, it could be. Um, it's Mank. <laughs> so there are some films that people put on their list that aren't even on, the, on our list because there's some really fascinating things where someone put a film really high, um, like Hell Caesar. Yeah. And it did not make the cut because Zach is the only one who put it on his list, and he had it five. It's it's fine. You guys can just be wrong all you fucking want. Do <laughs> you had it number five or something, right? Uh, yeah, somewhere around there. Yeah. So even that high, Zach's didn't make the list. Oof. But I was really happy because one film I put so high, one other person put it on their list, <laughs> and it made the cut. Oh. Um, <laughs> and there is a film I was going to do it in the trivia, but I didn't know how the trivia was going to shake out. When we get to this film. There's only four films that every single nerd put on their list. Really? Uh, One of these films never reached higher than 40-something. So, Because everybody put it on their list, it's pretty high up in the rankings. It's really fascinating. It's kind of a tiered system like the Academy Awards do, except I didn't want to get into all the bullshit of other stuff the Academy Awards do. Oh, yeah. Um, so, So just know... That's that's how it shook out. Mm-hmm. Um, so 
there's I'm a lot so of anxious I, about whatever Brad has seen now. the list. And when me and Brad were going back and forth and uh, thank you, Brad, for putting this together. Um, he says, wow, some people are going to be really broken hard. I said, yep. Some of these films, I think you're, I think people are going to be shocked. I mean, the first film I think is going to shock people. Um, it's going to be quite the journey through 10 years of Real Nerds podcast. Um, and so thank you to our listeners who have stuck with us. Um, thank you to all you who have come out and been on our show. Uh, we're just getting started. I see movies every week, so I'm not going to stop doing the podcast. The only way I'd stop doing it is if Brad stopped doing it because he does everything on the technical side. So, but you need the talent. Um, I went back and I watched our pod show for some of our trivia questions and man, they're pretty entertaining still. They're pretty, pretty solid stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I remember getting mad when people were sniffing my wife's underwear and, um, that has not subsided. <laughs> that was from, um, that was from my appearance on yep. the pod show, wasn't it? You yeah. When you were a Mexican ghost, a shitty, no, it's a shitty ghost who, uh, does, uh, uh does a, uh, chupi See, So even in six years, seven years, some jokes do not age well. <laughs> yeah. That did not age well. Yeah. But you know what? It's a product of its time. <laughs> There's uh yeah, the, it's, it's really fun though. Like, uh, we're pretty clever people. So thank you for listening. I'm going to done tuning my own horn. Uh, so we're going to start the countdown of our 100 favorite films. Um, and yeah, that's you got anything to add, Brad? I feel like I do, but I just don't remember what it is. Um, I guess we should explain the trivia for the people who will be playing because it won't be us. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, every 10th movie, um, there's going to be a puzzle, a visual puzzle. Henry, good luck. Oh. <laughs> um, well, he's got screen share. He's fine. Yeah, he'll be, he'll I guess you got screen share. You should be able to see it. But um, yeah, yeah, it would have been great to have buzzers or something. But I think whoever just yells it out first, and we'll just have to make a judgment call. Okay. Uh, so there will be a visual puzzle, and then there will be two trivia questions that follow that. So whoever just answers first gets it, and whoever has the highest score by the end, each thing's worth one point. Yep. So. Okay. Perfect. Cool. Um, yeah, and then it'll go back to the next round of ten. So sweet. Wonderful. All right, so we'll start with film number one hundred. Now, this was only on two. Let the rage ensue. Yeah, this is only on two people's lists. However, one person put it really high on their list. Mm-hmm. So by placing it this high, made up the disparity of fifty nine places that the other person put it on their list. Okay. And our number one hundred film is this cinematic classic. There it is. The Neon Demon <laughs> is number one hundred. So, Brad, now you're going to have to justify why yours was 21, and James had it on his list, too, but he didn't have it as high. So why is this on your list? Uh, it was so high because, I, like, I enjoy the movie, um, mostly. Um, it's so weird, and when James revealed that it's a vampire movie, like, that made it even better. Uh, but, like, I like Nick Nicholas Wedding Reference style and... Uh, you know, it's a, it's a slow burn. Visually, it's interesting. Uh, the atmosphere of it's compelling. Um, I just, I just, I just wanted to like, uh, you know, when I first saw it, I was turned off. I was like, that was weird. But then as I saw it again and again, and then like they had a drive Neon Demon double feature, uh, I think at the Sea Film Center or something. Um, that was a really cool double feature. Like just the the slow mood of each of those, which um, was great. And then 
I was surprised it made it on because I thought I was the one who's going to have it. Like I thought James might have it. So I'm glad that he helped propel it up there for me. But um, yeah. It came close to mine because I do admire it in some ways. That's a piece of shit. Um, so number 99 is also on only two people's lists. Um, and this is Henry and I. So oh, Henry hell yeah. and I were able to sneak uncut Shut gems it. onto our top 100 films. Um, Henry, I don't know about you, but uh, I was always uncomfortable through this film. And Adam Sandler's performance just propels it to the next level. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's great. I can't watch it again, but I desperately want to. <laughs> well, you will get the opportunity to because I already pre-ordered the Criterion that's coming out oh, in October. So I'm really excited oh, I'm so about excited. that. Again, I just I know I touched on, touched on this two weeks ago, but Adam Sandler has two titles in the Criterion Collection. That is like the most amazing thing ever. I love it. Yep. Still waiting for uh, the Merowitz stories. Yeah. Please. One day. Uh, that's a fun one. So... Henry, thank you for pushing Uncut Gems up there. and Thank I th- you for pushing it in as well. I think you and I are, again, the only ones who put the next film on this list. Oh, hell uh, yeah. Keep this train going. Number 98 is the action film Snowpiercer. Ooh. Yeah. So um, I love this film. I love moving from like each... Um, each tr- train car is like a different thing and a little bizarre I'm, I'm surprised it didn't end up on anybody else's list am i the only is henry and i the only ones who enjoyed this film i've never seen it so oh you should see it it's awesome oh it's great i liked it but it, it just didn't it's been so long since i've seen it i only saw that one time in the theater but it just it was it was cool but it was just mostly fighting on a train for me <laughs> and, and and wealth inequality <laughs> i guess it's like parasite but like has I guess Parasite has blood and guts too so I don't know I guess I've evolved since (laughs) when this came out and like learned (laughs) Parasite made me appreciate Snowpiercer more um so I think uh I might might maybe three people on the next film but I think this also is a Henry and I collaboration I'm not even joking um oh hell yeah it's the Ryan Henry train let's go number 97 is 8th grade um which is a really fun film. Um, the the leads in it are great. Mm-hmm. It, it's just a, it's a cool film. It, it's a wonderful film. It's also the most tense and horrifying thing you can watch if you ever went through middle school. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's everybody here. Yep. Um, so then there you go. It was the best horror movie that year. <laughs> Were you traumatized by eighth grade, Corinne? I mean, the movie or the actual? Both. Oh. <laughs> uh, actual eighth grade, yes, that movie I haven't seen. So really, you remember none of these. Grade? I haven't seen any of these movies yet. Wow, um, I the, and you wonder why I only sent you a list of fifty. Yeah, you could have sent more. Uh, <laughs> never let you let that down. She's like twenty years younger than us, dude. So. She's not. I'm ten years, years younger than yeah. you. Yeah, she's not that much. I'm younger. only three and a half seconds old. <laughs> our next film is the first film the real nerds have ever reviewed on our web or on our podcast, and that is. X-Men First Class. That's which, a classy choice. Which is a reboot of the X-Men franchise. Yeah. With younger, hotter people like James McAvoy and Michael Fassbender oh, and so Jennifer sexy. Lawrence before she really took off with uh, Hunger Games. Yeah. And they stopped the Cuban Missile Crisis, guys. They did. That's a great film. And Kevin Bacon kills a dude with a quarter. 
He does. It's really fucking cool. It's a really good X-Men movie. I love it. I Hell have seen yes. this one, and it is good. Mm-hmm. That's right. Um, that's number 96. Number 95, I remember when this trailer dropped. It got a lot of uh, crap for the music choice in the trailer. Um, because they decided to use the Beastie Boys. So number 95 is Star Trek Beyond. Awesome. I watched this a couple months ago, and I actually pretty, I, I thought it was fun. Yes. Oh, I think it's a hell of a movie. Oh, it's so much fun. Yeah, I, th- I think uh, this is the only um, modern Star Trek movie that made it on the list. Um, really? But I think it's the best of the three that uh, came out. I think it's the best one that... Uh, well, Star sh- Trek 2009 was before the podcast started, yeah. so it wasn't eligible. So, so there's one other one that was eligible. But still, like of the three, I think this one is the one that emulates the original cast's chemistry the best. Mm-hmm. Um, because it's it's so much about their relationships with each other in yeah. the movie, um, and the villain plotline is almost like an afterthought. Yeah, and it and it does have that like sense of it's its own adventure. It's not tied to anything supremely heavy like a con or anything like that. Or even the first plot, the fr- plot of the first one is literally like has time travel ramifications that extend beyond TNG. So. You know, like, it's a fucking wonderful film. And it's really fun. I remember seeing it in the theater, and they actually played Sabotage in the film, Mm -hmm. and people were cheering. I I remember that vividly in the theater. It's a fun sequence. It's the best possible music choice you can make for that fucking moment. I don't remember if... um, So, remember how we are saying number 95 is fun? Let's bring that to a screeching halt with uh, three billboards outside of Ebbing's Missouri, mm. um, great actors throughout it. This film is really great, uh, but it's a little more heavy <laughs> than yeah. uh, Star Trek Beyond. Yep, tackling some tough issues with some wonderful performances. McDormand's very rocking in it. Um, Harrelson has a surprising character arc, and Rockwell won his Oscar for this, and he is very good in the movie. Um, and the guy who wrote it did uh, Seven Psychopaths and um, In Bruges, so yep. he's got a good. good Not quite set. as great as his Justin Hammer dance. But no, 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 that's that's but that's an unfair metric. <laughs> True. Uh, number 93 is on this list because I put it so high and it's only on one other person's list. Henry, um, Hell yeah. I'm pretty sure I remember that correctly. Number 93 is Spider-Man Far From Home in this the web slinger destroys Mysterio and his devious plan to do what he wants to do. (laughs) But uh, there are several sequences in this that I love. Uh, I love the nightmare sequence where Spider-Man's fighting all the Mysterios, and uh, there's some really great character moments in it. And it's Spider-Man. So um, uh, a spoiler alert for anybody who doesn't know this podcast, um, all my top films have Spider-Man in it in some capacity. Yeah. Uh, except for one of them. Um, but because Henry had Spider-Man far from home, spoilers, every Spider-Man film, except for amazing Spider-Man two is on this list. Yeah. That, so unfortunately I don't think that one was ever going to make it. <laughs> um, it is the best film from 2014, according to Ryan Frost, real nurse podcast. Oh, okay. so that means there's three Spider-Man movie on here. Is there? Or is there more? There's four, Corinne. Think hard. <laughs> yeah. um, um, the next film is actually the first film 
that is exclusively available streaming. And number 92, somewhere, is El Camino. Wow. The Breaking Bad uh, prequel that I've never seen. Who else had this on their list? I don't believe it was me. Probably Maybe me, it was James? I imagine. Henry. Henry? Henry? Yeah, oh, probably wow. me. I probably had it. Oh, thanks, uh, man. Uh, yeah, good. Yeah. It's great. It was at the theater. That's where I saw it. Was it? Yeah. 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 yeah Maybe was, it was the, our first Netflix movie was, of the it, list. Netflix did a dual release, but the Alamo had it for like a weekend and a half. Uh, uh, yeah, El Camino is the Breaking Bad prequel. Tril- sequel? Prequel? I have no idea. It's, I've never seen the show. I've never seen the film. It's a sequel that flashes back to previous events that kind of bridge Jesse's story. Yeah. You should watch Breaking Bad. I'm, su- I'm surprised you haven't seen it. I've been trying, man. He just, he just won't do it. It's uh, <laughs> Robert. It also is Robert Forster's second to last feature film uh, before his passing. Yeah, he's great in it, too. Yeah, he is wonderful. Um, I just saw Rush, which James has been begging me to watch for eight years. This year. Is that the so, one that's about a rivalry? It is about a rivalry. Oh, okay. <laughs> Just wanted to make sure. If it's Ron Howard's best movie. Fun fact. Well, <laughs> well, well, in his top five. His it's top a great five. film, though. Yes. Um, number 91 is a most excellent choice. Number 91 is Bill and Ted Face the Music. Hell yeah, it is. They fulfilled their destiny. And not in the way you expected, motherfuckers. God damn it. I love this movie. Um, I... I was a little worried when I saw the trailers. I thought the trailers were really sloppily edited mm-hmm. and put together. Yeah. But when they opened and they were performing at his the wedding of his ex-wife, I'm like, okay, I'm on board with this. I'm on board to watch this film. It, that, and they kind of eased back into it. Yeah. It's a, it's a lovely film that gives you – like I love that they incorporate their daughters and that they are a key to the end of that movie. Like I, fuck, I just enjoyed the shit out of it. And it's still, it's still funny, and they still have that chemistry together. And it was one of the first movies back during the first time they reopened during the pandemic, mm-hmm. and it was like the this like n- great little nugget of optimism um, that just made you so happy to be alive um, for just a short amount of time, I guess, yeah. before they closed again. Yeah, it's got it, it's got. I think it had the most one of some of the most heart in a film from that from last year. So. No heart, no heart. I'm all heart, motherfucker. That's Jerry Maguire. Yes, I know. Um, so are you guys ready for your first word puzzle? Yeah. Hit me. Um, I feel bad for Henry. There's probably going to be a delay, um, Henry. But if you happen to win, um, I'll have your movie waiting for you. Okay? okay. All right. This is our number 90 film. It's not like Atomic Blonde. I think I have it. Go. Is it Mission Impossible Fallout? Oh, Whoa. nice. Bingo. There's a, there's a mission, like a, a religious <laughs> mission, and then a um, impossible bowl from Qdoba. <laughs> oh, okay. I was thinking like meatless taco. Um, this is one that I'm actually surprised it's so low because I thought it was one of the coolest action films in a really long time. Yeah. But do the other Mission Impossible films make this list? Okay, remind me which one's Fallout? Is that the one with the opera scene at the beginning? No, no, no that's the. This is the one with Henry Cavill and why he had the mustache debacle of Justice and he's like, League. <laughs> but, but, but guess loading what? up his guns. But guess what, guys? Mission Impossible Fallout was better. But anyway, um, so yeah, so Mission Impossible Fallout's an awesome movie. Yep. I love the uh, Blu-ray. It has really cool making of, and it basically goes through each of Tom Cruise's stunts throughout it, and about how crazy he is. So it's. Cool. 
He's enthusiastic. We don't need to say crazy. He's enthusiastic. He wants to <laughs> This get is out the one there. when he broke his uh, ankle or something, right? No, that's the. I thought that was the new one. No, it's this one. He jumps across the building. When he's in London, right. he's running and he, around. And he continues London. the take. What was the? Was there an injury on the one that got shut down because of the pandemic? Or? I don't think so. Not the pandemic. Him. That was the injury, Zach. <laughs> the injury was the disease. <laughs> <laughs> well, all right. So, are you guys ready for some trivia? And a lot of this is hell yeah. A lot of this is based on real nerds. Okay. Okay. So let's see how well you actually know the show you are on. Alrighty. Not very well, apparently. All right. So. Zach, you're again on the honor system. Okay. So if you can stare at this black void over here. Yes, I can. And um, so this is going to be like Jeopardy. I'm going to read you the question, and then the first person to give me the answer. Uh, yeah. So wait till I finish reading the question, and then you can chime in with your answer. Okay. We've all seen Jeopardy, right? Yes. All right. Do we have to do the what is no. thing? No, okay. no, no, no. I always thought that was pretentious. What is? You're full of shit. All right. Are you ready? <laughs> In episode six of the pod show, Denver Comic-Con, which three guests did the real nerds bother? Oh. Is it, is it anybody from Wolfman's Got Nards? No. No. Because that was way too later. Um, was one of them George Ashanti's? That's one. <sighs> Joe Kelly. That's two. Yes, Joe Kelly. Yeah, and then the third one was... Timothy Quill? Close. Should we give Zach half a point? Henry? Henry? I only, I only know uh, Jaunty. That's all I know. All right. We'll give... You're right there next to the internet. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, please, but please don't. Um, we'll give half a point to Zach. Yeah. Uh, the answer is George's Jaunty, Joe Kelly, and Zach oh. Howard. Of course. I know him from the Council of Zacks. I should have remembered yes. his fucking name. <laughs> he's great. We ran into him at Dink uh, in 2019, and he still remembered us, and he like hooked me up on one of his graphic novels. So. Nice guy. All right. Lovely. Second question. How many weeks of official Nerdemic episodes did we record? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to guess 15. Corinne? 37. In a row? Um, <laughs> I actually want to say like 14. So. Are oh, you son of a bitch? Uh, Zach just uh, prices righted. <laughs> Henry, 13. Yeah, but because he, he, I, I figured he's in range, but I'm also just like, yeah, it doesn't seem like it was that long. Well, I'm sorry. Nobody's going to get a point on that one. The correct answer is 18. I mean, Henry got closer than me. I'm, I feel like I'm closest. <laughs> Wait, he said 13? He said 15. Oh, 15. And I oh, said 14. 15, oh, yeah. yeah. I think we should yeah. do because Price is Right scum- rules. Because I'm like a scumbag, like on, those, like on that TV show. Yeah, the Price is Right, <laughs> motherfucker. Yeah, I thought, I thought actually Price is Right. Yeah, yeah. It'd have to be the opposite. Yeah. Um, that is a great family guy, Gad. 780, 781. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 18. Yeah, 18 straight. Yeah. Nerdemic episodes. Yes. Yeah, it's brutal. Um, get your vaccinations. Um, so we're going to go back into our countdown. Uh, so this is going to be the 89th film as voted on by the real nerds. Mm-hmm. Um, this one's somebody their first Oscar. Oh. 
Some say it was deserved. Some people say this movie is not as good as people say it is. Mm. But in the eyes of Real Nerds podcast, The Revenant is number 89. Leo! I mean, he deserved it. He worked hard. Sure. If that had been a trivia question, I would have got it right. Is it his best performance? No. but (laughs) Uh, The movie is pretty harrowing. Um, I mean, it's shot wonderfully. Yeah, it's, uh, I, I get why it won. It, That's the kind of uh, cock that Oscars love to suck is like brutal dramas. It's uh, Inuratu is a really good filmmaker. I just oh, yeah. I liked his film from the year before Birdman. So it's I, a really good one. Oh yeah, one of those projects where the making of is more fascinating than the actual movie. Sure. Yeah. I'd yeah, I'd agree with that. Agreed. Um, so we're gonna keep this moving along. You know. Journalism sometimes breaks some of the biggest stories, and movies sometimes do a great job capturing that. Number 88 is The Post. Oh, God, yes. One of the best prequels ever made. Because <laughs> all the presidents met. Yes. It's a James pick, but yeah, it makes more sense that it's a Corinne pick. I was going to say, this is the first movie on here that's been on my list. I know. You have a lot left off. Hmm, maybe you should have picked 100 of them. I feel like that was on my list, but I can't remember uh, if it was. It, I think it was on a few people's lists. I, I should have brought my freaking spreadsheet. but It's my own fault for not remembering to bring mine either. So. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's what happens when... I work as much as I do, and I'm like, oh, fuck. You're just like, I, I remember to bring the movies. <laughs> Thank God, right? Yes. Well, it's a very well-made movie. Yes. It is. Oh, it's awesome. It's very captivating, even though it's mostly just people talking. You know, I think that's always a hallmark of a great filmmaker and actors, because the pace in movies like this is so important. When it's just people talking, Yeah, you have to be able to edit and keep the beats going properly. He keeps a good pace, and also um, we th- we're not doing real news this week. But Bob Odenkirk just had a a horrible um, heart scare there this week. But his performance in the post is fucking amazing. Oh, yeah. He is amazing in that movie. It's what one of those th- movies that it's you know Tom Hanks, Meryl Streep. You go, wow. Yeah. Just everybody is, and it's also probably because the script is so good that they go, hey, you want this little part? And I was like, yeah, sure, I'll do that. Yeah. Um, and Odenkirk, by the way, his scene outside the phone when he's in the phone booth outside, like he's, it's just he's just capturing a lot of like really yeah. good anxiety. Oh, yeah. He's just like, oh, fuck, 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 fuck. He's just great. And that's why journalism is very important. Yep, absolutely. Man, if there could be back-to-back movies with Tom Hanks, that would make this list really great. And if it dealt with one of my most favorite Disney movies, uh, number eighty-seven is Saving Mr. Banks, which uh, Walt Disney goes and visits the author of Mary Poppins to convince her that he's the one to make this film. Yep. And Tom Hanks is wonderful in this. There's a, there's a scene in that movie where it's Tom Hanks as Walt Disney walking through Disneyland. And I don't think there's any other magical image that tops something like that. It's pretty damn magical. Maybe Tom Hanks is Mr. Rogers. That's that is magical, but in yeah. different different respects, I guess I should say. Yeah, uh, you know, th- this is on my list. Um, it made it this high because it's kind of high on my list. But I I've loved this film. I love Mary Poppins. I love mm-hmm. the Walt Disney aspect of it. I mean, yeah, it's dramatized and it really didn't happen this way. But I don't care. If the story's compelling, I don't care. Yeah, it's it's if it. it, it, it it's one of those instances where like the his it's kind of like mank for me where like the history doesn't really matter you are kind of watching somebody dramatize a certain era and a certain time and a certain nugget of truth so. and i guess it's the right time to tell him sorry zach mank is not on this list that's fine i really didn't want to have any frustrating <laughs> statements to make today about how it gets orson wells wrong <laughs> <laughs> um the next film is a film that also only henry and i had on our lists uh, i i rem- we we're like 
kind of eye to eye on this. Uh, number 86 is Bad Times at the El Royale. Oh, hell yeah. Uh, I'm surprised only you and Henry had this on yeah. your list because I know Zach and Brad really enjoyed it too. And um, James, I, I think. was a little indifferent to it. I still haven't revisited it yet, but it's probably not as meh for me as I remember it. So, this is just a movie that gets into your uh, like inner side. Like you feel kind of dirty watching it, but the performances are so great and it's so well made that I I love this movie. It's a really good pulpy movie. Like yeah. it's a really good pulpy movie. Oh man, we finally made it to animation. <laughs> Number Utopia. 85 is How to Train Your Dragon 2. Excellent movie. Mm, it's all right. <laughs> let me let me take a wild guess who put this on the list. I was going to say this is definitely James got this on here. And me. I yeah, had it I on my it, list too. Uh, Henry, you had it on your list too, I think. Yeah, I'm pretty right? sure I had it on my list as well. So yeah. it's I like James James, Henry, and Corinne. And the only reason, it's weird that I remember this stuff, probably because I lived with these lists for like three weeks and like, you know, doing the spreadsheet. But that's why it's high because uh, you all had it like in the middle, basically, mm-hmm. of it. So it gave it uh, quite a bit of points. Yeah. Yeah, it was 31 on my list. It's a good series of movies. Very solid. And it doesn't have like annoying rock songs for the most part that I remember. I mean, How to Train Your Dragon, the first one, wasn't eligible because it came out before the real nerds did. So. Yeah, that is true. So that means the oh, that means the third one. Oh, wait, and I don't think were... How to Train Your Dragon three was a featured no, film. No, it wasn't for us. No. So, so this was the only How to Train Your Dragon movie on the list. Wow. Uh, yeah. I mean, they're they're fun movies. Uh, I was never the biggest fan of them, but they're re- they're really well made, and the animation in them is incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, my my kid loves them, yeah, and that's all that matters sometimes. Yep. Hey, so, so from we- from training dragons to a total mind fuck. Uh-oh. Uh oh. <laughs> I'm just trying to keep the energy going. Number eighty four is Interstellar. Murph. <gasps> Murph. Uh, yeah, it's uh, a cool film. Really cool shots in it. Um, Christopher Nolan makes good films. I don't know if anybody knows that. Yeah, he, he does. does. He does. Um, I, this is a movie that I. This is the only Nolan movie after The Dark Knight Rises, or not? No, after The Dark Knight, because that's when I started seeing his movies in theaters. This is the only one that I've missed in that interim. And James loaned it to me, and I sat out in my backyard and watched it under the stars, and it was like actually kind of a magical watch. <laughs> and if only I had just watched it on a bigger screen, because. It actually does have a good heart to it. Henry, were you trying to say something? Oh, no, I'm fine. Thank you. Oh. Yeah, I, I wish James was here because I, I know this is probably this high on this list because of him. So It works off pure emotion, which is kind of its brilliance. Like There is a lot of pure emotion that's sure. just stringing through. It, it's, it, the, act, the acting elevates it, mm-hmm. and there's some really cool scenes in it. I mean, visually, it's spectacular. Yeah. I, 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 I got the 4K. I haven't had a chance to watch it yet in 4K, though. Yeah. I kind of could care less about the him getting the physics a- absolutely accurate. It's like I, I don't care. Are you, are you telling the story? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's a film um, about like space travel and also time travel and also love. I don't think you can really <laughs> get those physics right. <laughs> so, yeah, I agree. Uh, can you tell a fun story and make it compelling? I think is the most important thing in any film. And and we all know time travel is only compelling if it has has a bunch of gigawatts going through it. You know, like that's 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 how Doc Brown sells it. <laughs> totally. Mm-hmm. Um. This is, uh, is this, uh, so we go from one sequel 
that's animated to another animated sequel. Aww. Number 83 is the Lego movie, The Second Part. Or two, The Second Part. A movie that didn't get enough credit. It's a fun movie. I have some people tell me that that's the best version of Batman. I disagree because I mean Batman's a little too silly in it, but he's fun. I I love the Lego Batman movie. He is too. a very unique version of Batman yeah. in that movie for sure. It's just a fun movie. It's got good energy. It's got a good story to it. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I think this is on two people's list. That'd be Corinne and James. Yep. So uh, yeah, it's fun. Like I, I I love the uniqueness of the animation too, and uh, Chris Pratt playing dual roles. I think is really fun. Yeah. And I kind of like the take that they have on this like 80s movie machismo that's in a lot of, or at least like, you know, with the Rex character. I can't remember anybody's names, but the one that's like the Chris Pratt character from the future. Yeah. Good stuff. Hey. Oh, Rex, danger vest, galaxy defending archaeologist, cowboy, and raptor trainer. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, you want another sequel? I got another sequel for you, but this time let's go on top of a skyscraper this is the only one of these movies i have not seen yet (laughs) mission impossible rogue nation is another film that has some incredible action pieces and the story is really compelling it's uh it it propels this one doesn't have a skyscraper in it which one ghost protocol does oh fuck i got it mixed up (laughs) oh this is the one with the opera house yeah there we go thanks yeah i was thinking this was i literally just watched all these uh, maybe a month ago my brain's so fried that you said that and I looked at the screen and I was like, yeah, that screen says Ghost Protocol on it and then I sat here for a couple of seconds like, no, it says Rogue Nation. That's the one with the Yeah, and scene. I can even see the dress that Ilsa's wearing where she like shoots the sniper. Yeah, yeah that's guys, great. Ghost is spelled with an R and Protocol is spelled <laughs> see, with an N. Th- that's why you, you work on things together because you keep you know yourself in check. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, this isn't the only time Tom Cruise will be on here. Um, the Mission Impossible movies are great. It's It's fascinating too how they... Um, the first one is really, you know, a spy thriller. It's a Hitchcock movie. <laughs> yeah, it really is. And then it, they kind of move into this James Bond kind of yeah, territory. I feel like three is the one They're that started that, right? They're more action Oh, yeah. Yeah, because two is its own beast. Yeah, two's all right. Yeah. Two is definitely 2001. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so we go from a few sequels to one of the most original horror films in a long time number 81 is it follows which is a very interesting premise for a film and it has this really great sense of dread throughout it Mm -hmm. that i adore Um, have you seen this film corinne obviously not i feel you might like this one it's got a good it's 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 not what you're thinking for a horror movie like the ones that are going to gross you out like it's it's got gross moments but it's got gross moments, but like the theme of it is really strong. So it's it's an anthrop- anthropomorphized STD. Yeah. <laughs> oh well, thanks. Spoilers. Yeah. No, it's they they the trailer spoils. That. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it's it the premise is really interesting. It's it's always a sense of dread throughout the whole film. Mm-hmm. Um, they, it's called it follows because it's some sort of demon or something that uh, this, the premise is once you sleep with this person, they pass that along to you and it sticks with you until it kills you, mm-hmm. until you sleep with somebody. To make them have it, yeah, and so you never know who it is, and it, it's it's shot really well. It's a really great sense of dread. If you haven't seen it, I always recommend people seeing that film because 
it's um it's a good one and it makes you wonder what the sequel would be if they did another one like how is like how can it get anywhere from the going from there you know so i already have the title and i've said this before it's called it still follows Mm -hmm. um just like i'm pretty good at picking titles for films so if you're listening whoever put this out a24 maybe um is that right Uh, is this an a24 film i think this is actually a miramax dle is it yeah whatever uh remember it still follows it's radius twc so it is part of that that company so number 80 is going to be oh is this more trivia no it's going to be a puzzle oh puzzle um get your thinking caps on oh snap (laughs) yep (laughs) there you go Halloween. Hey, all right, good job, Zach. It's hard because the the, the yeah. people block. I just wanted to make sure there wasn't any more letters, but so yes, number eighty is Halloween twenty eighteen. Yeah, that's right. And I think Freaking Zach right. and I are the only ones who have this on our list because we're correct. Um, I, I still stand by that. I think one of the most terrifying scenes in a long time is a Steadicam shot of uh, Michael Myers just going from house to house randomly killing people for no reason mm-hmm. um uh, and uh, of course i think the uh the backyard thing where the f- floodlights keep on coming off and on is oh, really well shot. yeah that's like that's one that gordon green had been like one like that was one of the yeah. key things he wanted to do with this film was that particular kill um i love that they brought carpenter back for that music um and brought him on creatively this is jamie lee curtis's best performance in the franchise beyond the first one because they they correct some stuff from H2O and give her these wonderful moments of dealing with the trauma of Michael Myers. That scene where she sees him being uh, sees Michael being let off on the bus and she's drinking those shots and then she comes to her granddaughter's graduation party smashed. Like it is the most tragic and heartbreaking thing you will ever see in a movie, and it's in a slasher movie. It's yep. nuts. Love that movie. Good stuff. And guess what? Halloween Kills is going to be fucking great. <laughs> Yes. Um, so here's some more trivia for you, trivia folks. This is a tough one. This next one's really tough. I don't know if anyone's even going to get this because I didn't even know the answer to this. Which is the first episode Ryan has missed? Oh, my God. Again, I thought James would be here. Can we just guess the year? Uh. Sure. Was it 20? 2013? Yeah, I was going to say 2013. Because was it that when, was that when I came on to guest host for Fast and Furious? It's way earlier than that. Oh, okay. So then 2011. I'm guessing 2012. 2012. So the answer is episode 35, The Nerd Chronicles, the film <gasps> Chronicle. Oh. I don't know why I missed that one. Do you remember? Probably working or some shit. You were off trying to solve a burrito mystery. Yes. <laughs> there's no three cheeses in this case, so there's only two. You just threw it across the room and like, I've had it. Yeah, I think you might have just been working that week or something. It's definitely like in the middle of, you did a bunch and then you just missed that one. Yeah. Yeah, I'm usually pretty good for a long run of them. Yeah, this is, uh, you know, this is a multiple choice. So anybody can guess this one. We recorded episode 156, Nerd Street, at what restaurant? Which one was it? A, Johnny Rockets, B, Macaroni Grill, or C, Payway? I'm going to go with A. I'm going to go with B. 
I'll take C. And Corinne, you win. It's Payway. Oh, yay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, Payway doesn't exist anymore. Really? They bankrupt oh. now? What the heck? Uh, n- oh, uh, the one we had it at in Denver West is no longer there. Uh, oh, I know that Payway, or used to. I feel like that would have been news. Time just <laughs> takes away everything related to us. <laughs> my high school's gone. My college is gone. My Block- payway's gone. Blockbuster's gone. <laughs> Blockbuster's gone. Oh, wait, no. It's hey, on there's still shirt. one. There's still one in Bend, Oregon. Oh, that's right. The last Blockbuster. Wink. But yeah, I guess uh, after we saw 22 Jump Street, we probably went across the street from Denver Mills to have lunch and record the show. Although I'm not sure why we recorded recorded the show <laughs> like live for that one like i know when we did nebcast it was like oh we, we want to be in weird spaces to do the show but i'm not sure why we were in such a rush that day so i don't remember which one it was it may have been for um uh a flashback episode of sorts but we did record in a um a village in when they were still around you and i did yeah that was the i think samurai samurai cup two, cup two yeah. yeah that's right samurai cup two yeah yeah, we have to get back to doing that. I love recording in um, Glass Half Full and stuff at Alamo, which I'm hoping opens pretty soon, the one in Littleton. as reading. Mm-hmm. Um, let's continue this countdown. Uh, number 79 is a twisty drama, a oh, simple favor. Good, good. Uh, killer costumes, wonderfully shot. Um, it's a good time. Henry, I'm pretty sure this was on your list. It was on it my was? list, too. It didn't make what a twist. I don't think it made mine, but I loved the this movie took me off guard. Like it's so fucking well directed. Like I was the only one who had it on their film explosion list that year, and I had it at number ten. Mm, yeah, it's a it's a fun movie. I like yeah. it a lot. Yeah, it took the apparently it took, I have to put it on a list. It took, yes, <laughs> it took the Gillian Flynn model and kind of upped it on its head a little bit. Agreed. Also, a movie about mommy blogging. That is, yeah, that's right. <laughs> From one twist-filled movie to the next, Looper is number 78 with uh, the last time Bruce Willis was effective in a film. Because like a lot of times now you see him, he's just, you know, I'm going to coast through it. The Bruno's too cool to memorize lines and stuff is what I heard. Yeah, I mean, he does seem pretty bored with acting. Yeah, he'd rather hang out on a boat or something, whatnot. This is also the same year he does Moonrise Kingdom, so he 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 went out strong on two movies where he actually gave a shit. <laughs> yeah, it's a good one. Yeah, I like it. It's uh, and Emily Blunt's in it. She plays uh, the mom of the little boy. Yep, who ends up having superpowers and scary Jeff Daniels and Ryan Daniels. Johnson directed this, I believe. Ryan Johnson, we've had conversations with him before he got all big. Yep. Well, yeah, James and I were at the uh, at the Alamo Draft House to watch. Um, I believe it was Brick. No, we it was either Brick or Looper, one of the two. But um, that same weekend, he did uh, a screening of the Treasure of the Sierra Madre that we didn't go to. But we went and talked to him, and we told him, "You make the best Star Wars movie ever." And he did that, guys. And there's no other debates about that, right? Right. Okay. Good. <laughs> Um, yeah, because the Mandalorian isn't a movie. Also, he got um, he signed James's brick ticket and his copy of the Canadian version of Brick. <laughs> um, yeah, lovely memory with James. So, hey, you guys brought up Star Wars. <gasps> which one? Number seventy seven is Rogue One, a Star Wars story, which I recently rewatched on um, Ultra HD, and nah, that movie is still pretty awesome. 
it's one of those movies that whenever I have discussions with people about it, I'm like, oh, yeah, Rogue One. I'm like, it's okay. But then you actually watch it, and you're like, oh, this is actually pretty fun. Yeah, no, it's a great movie. James hates it. I, um, the more I think about it, the more I think Ben Mendelsohn is perfect in that movie. As um, He's perfect in Krennic. every movie, Zach. Yes, he is. <clears throat> but I, didn't, I was nonplussed by him when I first saw it. But when I, when I really think about it, Krennic is a really good Star Wars villain because he's basically middle management. <laughs> um, this movie should have been titled Director Krennic and the Horrible, Terrible, Horrible, horrible No Good, Very, good very day. Bad <laughs> Day. I'll stick with Rogue One. Yep. And, that Darth, <laughs> and the Darth Vader sequence is oh, yeah. cool. Yeah. Uh, that's um, one of the loudest reactions I've ever had in a theater. Um, we'll talk about a film that just like made the theater shake when I saw it. Mm-hmm. But this one, I'll I'll never forget. I forget where I was. I had have been um, Alamo Littleton. Did we go together? I don't know. Yeah, we did. That was the night that they had the big snowstorm. That's right. I thought that was the last Jedi. And I was. That was the first time I went to a movie with all of you. Huh. In 2015. 2016. Yeah, 2016 is. But um, yeah, it was Alamo Littleton. But I just remember when that lightsaber lights up the hallway mm-hmm. the audience just went crazy because yeah. everybody knows there's certain colors and sounds in star wars that you instantly recognize yeah and and shapes and a red lightsaber is one of them yep also the the real star of the film is alan tudyk we're all clear on that right it's alan <laughs> tudyk <laughs> um so from star wars we go to a little smaller film from someone in new zealand and it's a horror film but not really. It's what we do in the shadows. And it's a really fun mockumentary with vampires. Um, I'm pretty sure you saw it before I did. And you told me to go see it. And it was maybe one of the most fun times I had in the theater. Uh, yeah, it's yeah, it's a fun mockumentary. Um, you know, I think after, what, seven, eight years of sparkling vampires, <laughs> it was cool to see uh, them make fun of vampires uh, in a smart and satirical way. It's also werewolves and just like the supernatural at large in some yeah. cases. Yeah. Um, and We're now it's a TV show. not swearwolves. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I just love that joke about he's going to do his dark bidding on the internet and then he's on eBay. <laughs> 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 and what is it he says? is like, I lost his scarf in like 1609. Can you find it? <laughs> they were talking about the different ages he has and they, they, call, they say, they can call me Cradle Snatcher. I don't care. <laughs> I haven't seen this movie, but I want to. But there's so many great jokes that are just have become part of like internet lexicon now. Mm-hmm. So oh, you surely see it. It's amazing. I know. I know. I'm not opposed to seeing it. I'm just saying I haven't yet. It's I feel bad about it. It's Taika motherfucking Waititi. Yeah. <laughs> Unlike some of these other movies. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. It's, it's, yeah. They have two of them now, don't we? Don't they? Henry, sorry. I mean, it's, it's it's pretty impressive that like it, this is like an indie mockumentary that has become like such a large IP at this point. Like, yeah. Something that doesn't really happen anymore. It's, it, I mean, it's the definition of a cult classic. It's was, you know, somewhat popular when it came out. I mean, in the know, but now it's, you're right. It kind of, now it's its life of its own. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's pretty great. Yep. Uh, a movie. Yeah. Well, that's probably why I got there. I think it was on a few people's lists. Um, a movie that was shelved for a couple years. And I don't know why, because this movie is pretty great. It's the original horror film, The Cabin in the Woods, coming in at number 75. Oh, I, I know why that thing got shelved, because it was owned by MGM at one point. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I'm just, uh, but it's a, it's a really fun look into uh, tropes and 
uh, cliches that are in horror films and why they're that way. Merman. Merman. <laughs> I, I haven't seen this. It, it, it wasn't on my list because uh, I haven't seen it since 2011, I think it came out, 2012. Uh, but all I need from that movie is the unicorn impaling somebody. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, a mediocre movie went to an excellent movie right there. I... I'm super happy with the final moments of that movie where they just decide to let the world end. Uh, well, it's it's definitely builds to something huge at the end, and it's just balls to the wall. Mm-hmm. If you want to see horror monsters, it's happening. If you want to see blood and guts, it's definitely happening. And um, it's very clever with the way it compels the characters to fall into their stereotypes. Yep. Now, this next... It is. Written by Joss Whedon and Drew Goddard. Drew Goddard is the director in yep. this particular case. And uh, if you watch the special features, they worked at it in a hotel, on mm. it in a hotel and wrote the script. Yeah. Um, this next film, I don't know um, if this is a blessing that this we saw this film, but it's definitely a funny one, and it brought us somebody into our Aww. life, is the incredible Burt Wonderstone. Yes, it's a blessing, because this movie is fucking fun. This movie is super fun. It's great. There's a lot of little funny jokes in it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when Steve Carell keeps putting food outside of his room because he's used to living in a hotel. Um, he's uh, uh, Steve Buscemi has been giving magic kids uh, magic kits to ch- uh, impoverished children in uh, third world countries. <laughs> yeah, that and, is he, and he goes like, turns lot. out they didn't want magic kits; so they just wanted food and water. <laughs> <laughs> Every time I remember this movie, the this subtle joke that I don't think anyone else like pays attention to that much is when they're having a conversation. Um, Jim Carrey and Steve Carell are like antagonize each other, and Jim Carrey just floats closer to him <laughs> yep. without taking a step. <laughs> um, and of course, like I mean, it's I mean for anybody who hasn't seen this movie, spoiler alert for skip ahead fifteen seconds if you want. They, their magic trick is just drugging a bunch of people and throwing them into the back of a truck to get them into another location. Yep. <laughs> It's dark. <laughs> it's good stuff. Yep. But yeah, that was a wonderful. That was a. I wasn't expecting to like that movie. Oh yeah, when no. I saw it's it. it's yeah. one of those ones, and it's maybe the last time Jim Carrey was really funny. I agree. Well, <laughs> I mean, I, I know he's fun in the Sonic the Hedgehog movie. So. Yeah, but I mean, actually, just being funny. Yeah. And Sonic, it's you know he's Doctor Robotnik, so he can just be as crazy as he wants to be. Yeah. So, but hey, if Sonic. Jim Carrey continued to make like these kinds of films, we wouldn't like Sonic the way we do. We like Sonic because Jim Carrey has not been this way in so long. Yeah. Uh, that's a fair point. I yeah. agree. That's great. Yeah. You know, if you want to talk about dark, the 73rd film is really dark. It's called Prisoners. Ooh, Dennis Middle Ice. And mm. it's wonderfully shot. Um, don't kidnap Hugh Jackman's daughter. He will go fucking crazy. Yep. This is the. Was this your guys' introduction to Villanueva? Um, maybe. I don't even know. I think he did something, some, uh, some films in his native country before, but um, French. I think this well, might be his English language debut. Yeah, uh, that sounds makes sense. So I guess yeah, this would be your exposure to him. But yeah, he ends up giving you Sicario not too long after yeah. this, Ryan, and changes your life. Yes. Um, but yeah, Prisoners. I know is on your list, Henry. It's uh, oh think, yeah, uh, maybe just yours and mine. I think so, but. Uh, it's dark and it's really uh, well made. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, it's great. It's it's one of the best like mystery thrillers in the past ten years. <laughs> so, if I remember correctly, it's also cautionary a tale on false accusations. <laughs> yeah, and it would really signal the arrival of this director. Hey, hey, <laughs> hey! 
Uh, there's a great running joke in the Jungle Cruise about dad jokes. And yeah. That was one of them. Look, don't make me run your blades 240 So this is really times. funny. Every time I see this stuff, I, I, I just keep on being reminded that Henry and I are the only ones that are putting some of these films on our list. But we kept on putting them in a spot that they show up. And we're going from a dark fictional film to a dark actual film. And that's the uh, Navy SEALs taking out Bin Laden in Zero Dark Thirty, which is a really awesome movie. And it's tense. Yeah. And it's just really well made. It was a very, yeah. very um, uh, interesting watch in a theater with, with the finale. Because it just it it kind of makes you a little claustrophobic and whatnot because you're you're moving along with them through the compound. It's like it's tense. No, so that's great, Henry. Because uh, it must have been pretty high. I think we had about in the same spot. That's why it's where it's at here. Yeah. Um And uh, I mean, I I really enjoyed it. Yeah, I mean, like Zero Dark Thirty was like my first time. If I remember correctly, it was my first time really seeing Jessica Chastain, and she's just so great in this movie. Uh, that it's, I mean, the, she's great. The I think the story's great. I think the atmosphere, uh, I think it's wonderfully directed. I, I love this movie. I think it's great. Yeah, if you want to watch the character she's based on, I think it's on Disney, no, not on Disney Plus. It'd have to be on, like, Amazon. It's a National Geographic documentary, but it's called The Hunt for Bin Laden. And they have the real lady who Jessica Chastain's character is based off of talk about how they tracked him down. It's pretty awesome. Yeah. And it sticks pretty close to the movie where they followed a courier and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, so this next film is a sequel, and I still have no idea why a particular person on this podcast has not seen it. Um, 71 is Toy Story 4, which is a delightful film and beautifully animated, and it brought the focus back on Woody, who is one of my most favorite characters in Disney. It gives him a reason to move on, guys. It's really lovely. Yeah, they could have ended the franchise at three and been perfectly fine. So it was it was pretty risky to go for another turn of the Toy Story. But um, you know, I get, there is uh, a certain there is a, a, some appeal for a story about like what is like retirement like. Like, how do you move on from you know a lifetime of dedicating yourself to one thing? You know, because you're not one person your whole life. So uh, you know, see a lot of movies that focus on the you know the sunset years. Um, you know, that isn't just the elderly, you know, it means elderly in spirit technically. Like, well, yeah, but yeah. it's, it, it's, it's a great film of moving on and that the, you do have a purpose. You don't have to just be Andy's toy. Yep. You can be something else. And the main villain has two henchmen that are ventriloquist dummies. So you yes. knew I was going to like it. <laughs> it's time for another puzzle guys. Woo! Let's go. <laughs> Um, they ready? Yep. Ooh, interesting. <laughs> Mary Poppins returns. I got it. Number seventy is the wonderfully delightful Mary Poppins returns. <laughs> yes. Oh, sorry. I'm sorry. I should have waited. My bad. No, you're fine. No, I was up. Um, yeah, I, uh, this is how much of a nerd I am about Mary Poppins. One, two Mary Poppins films have made it on the, this list. Um, but I remember seeing this in theaters and, uh, when Emily Blunt comes down as Mary Poppins, I like a tear welled up in my eye mm -hmm. because how it's shot, how I, much the, the Mary Poppins, the film means to me. 
mm-hmm. uh, growing up, and that it was Emily Blunt is just the feather in the cap, governor. Yep. And it also has like a lot of neat character actors from the 70s onwards stuck in, in supporting roles like to fill the blanks of who was in the original. And, of course, you have Dick Van Dyke dancing on a fucking tabletop. Yep. God, it's wonderful. Anytime you have DVD in a movie, I'm down. All right. Here's, here's some more trivia for you guys. I've been a little disappointed with you. I'll be honest. Yeah, you guys don't really show up. Yeah. yeah, you fucking because assholes. Because you're, like, asking questions from before our era. So you, you, you didn't go back and study all 500 episodes yeah. before you came here? <laughs> <What a laughs> yeah, Brad wants to know why they didn't study all 500 Henry, episodes. You knew this was going to happen. You knew it. Henry, it... Henry, it doesn't matter that you moved Fuck. to New York. I made you the I made you the real nerds archivist when I had to retire. I mean, how are we not? So oh, no. y'all I didn't know. even remember that we saw Rogue One together. So that's on I you. I still don't think we saw it together. Yes, we did. <laughs> I was there. Were you? Um, <laughs> <laughs> yes, and then we've actually used this as a cover photo on Facebook. So. For the premiere of the Avengers in 2012, which three Avengers did the real nerds dress up as, and who was who? Oh, Ryan was Iron Man, James was Thor, and Brad was Cap. And he knew that really well. He probably jerks off to that picture at night. Oh my god, it's the people I podcast with every week. I mean, it has been a long year. <laughs> hey, sometimes a guy gets lonely. <laughs> wow, this is going deep. Mm. Our episodes used to have commercials. Name the edible one and the auditory one. Our episodes used to have commercials. Name the edible one and the auditory one. I think we made like $27 off of the auditory one. That's all the money we've made in 10 years. Divide that over. We've made 27 cents a year. Is the, 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 $2.70 a year. The edible one is that Birdman barbecue sauce. And the audible one is... Uh, shit. Pass. But... It's not It's not the stuff from Dan Van... From, uh, Dan Van, from the Dan Van, right? Like it's not the, not those like fake ads, or is that the same one? Sorry, in the early episodes we had fake advertisements that led to the show. So it's sometimes it's a uh, like we did co- coins, cards, and comics. I can say that because not. Yeah, yeah, you're answers. right. Um, shit. God, I, I can't. There was, was like one for, audible. Uh, is one for Sferk's domain? Well, one's a food, and one's auditory like an auditory product oh. an audio product no i'm just remembering the barbecue sauce audio comic books i, I got nothing we'll give it to zach because he got half of it i should remember birdman barbecue the second is tweaked earbuds oh tweaked earbuds. right, right. yeah Fuck. oh yep. god yeah yeah, very early on, uh, we got a request. Uh, hey, we've got these. It felt like a mom and pop like earbud factory situation. They they pro- uh, we sponsored them on the podcast, and uh, we've had a couple offers for other things since then, but we've really dropped the ball in <laughs> following up. Yeah, it's always hard because it's <laughs> I don't know. Like, I, I obviously I do this for fun, not to make money. Um, and I'm not a celebrity, so no one really wants to pay us for sponsorship. 
you know, like all the other ads were just pro bono, like coins cards. We just said like, Hey, we like going there. So we're gonna make a fake ad for them. Um, you know, Swix's domain was one cause you know, something I did. So I'm, of course I'm gonna advertise it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think that's uh yeah. And then Joe who's done, who does the interstitials for each of our episodes. Um, he was part of the company for Birdman barbecue. So we sponsored him. Yeah, I know. I've known a couple of sponsors that like where talks were being done, but I never knew what came of them. So just, it's fine. I like talking to you guys regardless of a sponsor or not. Hey, 69 is the next episode. Uh, the next, uh, <laughs> That's a sex number. If you guys yeah. are really us, what number are we thinking of? <laughs> um, so that's going to be the horror film Don't Breathe makes its way onto the list. Awkward number for one of those scenes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that is unfortunate. <laughs> Zach Bynes told us when, when our plan was to rank these, like the show was going to be us talking about them and ranking them. Uh, he was like, you need to put Bill and Ted's uh, Face the Music at 69. And we're like, absolutely. Like, we'll just do that because. But now that it's all mathematical, um, this is really unfortunate because uh, the sexual component of this movie. Yeah. Which is still weird when you see the trailer now and they try to make the blind guy the hero. I go, hmm, didn't he like kidnap and rape some girl? I don't know. It's hard to make a hero out of that person. I don't think he can be redeemed, Corinne. If- can someone who rapes and impregnates someone be redeemed? I mean, <laughs> I mean, you think someone who commits genocide can? So it's happened. How many, how many I'm sorry, does it take? <laughs> <laughs> you know, you need to send into barbershop quartet. <laughs> the um, the 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 thing that I'm wondering is if that trailer is leading us astray on something. Oh, like maybe there's probably there might be a twist. Uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, obviously we'll see it. I think it comes out in two weeks. Um, hey, it's time for a sequel with a killer soundtrack. Number sixty-eight is Guardians of the Galaxy. Volume two. Mary Poppins, um, y'all. I, I remember seeing this in the theater and people really getting into it right away with Baby Groot dancing while they're fighting the, mm-hmm. the big monster. Oh, that nice um, 180. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's James Gunn. Brad, tease us for next week's, or I guess it's next week's episode, The Suicide Squad. I, I heard it's pretty great. I saw it already and it I, I don't want to spoil it. But I can say that it is very much a big budget trauma movie. Oh, and God, um, yeah, yeah. You don't. It's it's a weird situation of it's a sequel, but also its own thing. Okay. And once you watch, you'll you'll understand. But yeah, you don't need to watch the other one to go in and um, and the way it start like the way it kicks off, like it's it disarms you so well, uh, like really puts you like on edge of like what how. How can this be its own thing? Yeah, I, I just can't wait for everyone to see it. It's so much fun. Does it follow up on Birds of Prey at all? Uh, kind of, because... Uh, well, I mean, Harley Quinn's in it. Yeah, Harley Quinn's kind of in the same place as she was in Birds of Prey, rather than still kind of pining after the Joker, so... Okay. Wonderful. Yeah, fuck the Joker. I love hearing that. Uh, a film that is really great and pretty recent... Um, Maybe only on Henry and I's list is Promising Young Woman. Nope, that was on my list. Was that on yours too? I believe so because this movie is great. Um, yeah, it's it goes where you don't expect it to go. Um, yeah, and it's really all about her getting revenge on a single person. That's her goal. Yeah, it's the the marketing sells it as a traditional revenge movie, and then it becomes its own. I, I mean, it it's a very unique take on revenge the yeah. way it plays out up until that third act. 
I at first didn't like the third act, and then I had to sit with it. I either either right after the movie or right after a review, but like that third act works for me better the more I think about it. Like it is a very solid third act, and the transition point in that movie is Night of the Hunter Q music. So that's fucking dope, man. The 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 trailer gave me vibes back to high school where my friend Roger and I saw the trailer for American Psycho, mm-hmm. and we're like, "Oh, cool! This is gonna be a fun slasher movie." And then we went and saw the movie, and we're like, "This is not like the Friday Thirteenth we've watched. What is going on here? Like, what is this movie?" And then you know, our brains developed over the next few years, and we finally understood you know what it was actually going for. And um, you know, it, it's not the same premise, but it, it had the same vibe, uh, "Promising Young Woman," where it's like you think it's gonna be this one thing, and uh, it has a, a far deeper uh, implication than uh, I thought. Yeah. Because even the, I don't think the twist of Bo Burnham's character being a bad guy is the twist, but how he uh, fully embraces that um, yeah. at the bachelor party and then when the police question him. Mm-hmm. like He's, a, he's a, you know, a pediatrician. There's no way he could be a bad guy. Mm-hmm. And how they play on that... Um, they play on that, that for the they last play, like they're playing on an expectation yeah. one not of just what that character has been set up as but two you cast bro burnham in that role yeah. so it's like it, you are not expecting it um yeah it's it's a wonderful movie henry why do you like this movie <laughs> i mean i just find it to be a really interesting thriller i think like you kind of said it's, it's a really interesting film kind of about revenge and kind of what revenge can mean to someone and what revenge can can, can manifest itself as mm-hmm. uh and i think it's a very interesting yeah i think i think it's a great kind of I think it's a great anti-hero. I think it's a great kind of unreliable narrator. I think it's, I think it, how it's structured is really interesting with the numbers and that kind of thing. Uh, yeah. Or the tally marks. And uh, yeah, and I, I really, I've always really liked the ending. I thought it's a very effective uh, kind of gut punch in a way at the end. Yeah. It's a movie that stays with you. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're going to go from really heavy film to a totally fun one. 66 is birds of prey and the fantabulous emancipation of one Harley Quinn. That's the right. That's the right title. I know. I'm not going to ever change that. Yeah, uh, I think Brad and I were the only ones who had it on the list, but we had it high enough where it ended up being at 66. And it was one of those movies I just really enjoyed because um, I, I obviously I love um, uh, Harley Harley Quinn and Margot Robbie, but it's just really fun. It had a nice like poppiness to it. And I think the scene where she's chasing them down uh, on her roller skates is well shot and really, really freaking cool. Yeah. Like, not only is it great, because obviously superhero or comic book movies are so mas- like masculine, like disproportionately male uh, catered to. Um, it was cool that, you know, they got a female director for this. And, it, you know, it's so much fun. And you've got an unreliable narrator that, uh, you know, makes the movie kind of jump all over the place that's keeps it really kinetic and um yeah it was it's in a year of <laughs> a lot of dour depressing stuff uh you know this was before the pandemic but um you know it was so vibrant that it lasted you know for the whole year for me yeah so from a fake superhero to real female superheroes number 65 tells a true story of the women at NASA and hidden figures and how important they were. And this is one of those films that you go, wow, these African-American women aren't talked about very much. And they are so important in the uh, history of NASA. Yeah. 
that this movie really shines a light on them. And this movie is 50 years too late. This should yeah. not have taken this long for people to recognize um, these women's contribution. And it just proves every time I see a film like this and then you read about these wonderful women, um, no matter how far people think we've come, we're still not that far because this is, you know, 50 years ago and you still have people fighting for equal rights. Yeah. And it's uh, fighting for equal rights, for equal respect, equal civility. Like, yeah. So it's awesome that a film like this can shine a light on it and it gives these women their proper due. Yeah, it does. And I, I will tell you that this is a movie that when I saw it in the theater, I walked out incredibly impressed by the way it was directed by Theodore Melfi. Like it, it's not a movie that I expected to have such brilliant direction behind it with not just the performances, but the way they're handling a space movie that is, it's one of those space movies that doesn't go to space physically. It's, it's like and, a mathematic movie. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's really awesome. And Kevin Costner. Kevin yes. Costner is brilliant in this movie. Uh, you know, Kevin Costner is pretty great in a lot of things. Yeah, but this one in particular, because yeah. he's a side character. He's not yeah. really the fa- main focus, but he yeah. gives like every moment that he's in there the right touch. Agreed. You know, we're going to keep this women in power train rolling. Hell yeah. Remember when I told you there is a film that every single nerd had on their list, but didn't have it that high. Number 64 is Captain Marvel. That's fucking right. Um, I don't know why, but when you said that earlier, I got the idea that it might be Captain Marvel for some reason. Maybe I just yeah. felt energy coming off yet. Maybe. It's, it's a movie that is really fun. Um, I, I love Brie Larson. She's one of my most favorite actresses. And it's just, uh, it, is, it was really interesting when I was putting the list together. I said, wow, everybody has this on their list. Mm-hmm. And everybody has it like in the 70s and 80s, except for Corinne. And it just, because everybody had it on their list, just elevated it really high in our, our countdown. I'm glad. This movie, this movie is incredibly fun to watch. It has... I love Larson in it. I like seeing Sam Jackson running around doing what he's doing. I the the and the face the the face um, de aging looks fantastic. Um, from the moment that she like screams in the face of one of the scroll enemies that at the beginning, I'm just like I'm on board with this character. This is a lot of fun. Uh, this movie got my mom like into the MCU. <laughs> Um, I think she liked some of the movies before that, but when she talks to the MCU, she's just like, I wish I could be Captain Marvel. And she's like 71. <laughs> awesome. Good for your mom. I, I you know, to, to me, everything is encapsulated in the film when she's fighting Jude Law and she kicks his ass and he's like, you know, finish me. And she's like, I have nothing to prove to you. Mm-hmm. I'm like, fuck yes. Yep. Um, I I agree with that. She also, she completely wrecks an entire space cruiser. Yes, I mean it's it's, it's really awesome. f- it's a really fun movie. Also, and the, the the twist, sorry, oh, yeah. the twist with the scrolls not being the bad guys is pretty fascinating. And I like how they play on that trope of like Ben Mendelsohn is always the bad guy, and mm-hmm. here you think he is, and then it's like oh, it's like he's his, actually it, the good guy. His reveal of being a good guy is him sipping on a soda. <laughs> yep. <laughs> It's it's so awesome. It's so well done, and we get a little Col- we get a return to Coulson. We get some yeah. more Coulson. Which I actually nice. like the f- well. I I mean I love the whole movie, but I appreciate the fact that of the MCU, this one ha- gives Nick Fury the most screen time because mm-hmm. he's always just kind of like in the background, just like doing stuff. But here he gets to have like a prime role in the plot. He has an actual arc because I- even in uh, Winter Soldier, he has like a C arc, but he's not like a main arc really. Yeah. yeah. Um. 
man, th- I guess this is too another like woman power movie. Uh, number sixty three is Prometheus, and uh, I- I'm guessing did anybody else? James and I know had it on our lists. I did not, but I I have been told to go back to this because I wasn't a fan when it came out in the theater. But did he put this as his number one? That's why it's on here. <laughs> um, no. I might have had this on my list at some point. So I yeah, there might have exactly, been, but it might have been on mine. No, there might be three of us on it because I can't remember. I know it's really high on James's list. Um, but yeah, it's a really cool movie. It's beautifully shot. Mm-hmm. Um, it's been like eight years. Why don't you tell the listeners what it is? Uh, Prometheus is a prequel to Alien which they really didn't say it was a prequel, and it kind of gives an origin to the Xenomorphs. It was trying to be its own thing, but the Xenomorphs were kind of like an, ad- like an attachment to the end. Yeah, they have a different name in it, too. They're not called the Xenomorphs or Protomorphs. I don't know. <laughs> That's my bullshit makeup. The I don't Power know. Power Ranger Morphs. Is it right? Maybe. Um, but yeah, it's it's one of those movies I just think is wonderfully shot, and um, yeah. Yeah, I, I, um, Michael Fassbender is really oh, good. Oh, yeah, in, Michael Fassbender is great as a villain. He's great in that and Alien Covenant. I just wish I could appreciate those movies the way others do. Yeah, it's all right. That's why movies are an art form. I know. And they're open for interpretation. It's okay. I know. My, uh, You remember um, Andrew Bueno, who was on um, your Pain and Gain episode? Yeah. He had a great joke about this movie, which is it's as if, though, somebody in the writer's room Asked, got stoned and asked the question, could God make a pizza so hot that he himself couldn't eat it? <laughs> <laughs> hey, time for some slick action, guys. With James Bond and Skyfall. <laughs> the Skyfall! <laughs> yes. The, the, the song. Made <laughs> <Let> it crumble! <laughs> uh, but in this, it kind of... Uh, Casino Royale is badass. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, Quantum of Solace is, meh, it's all right. It's and, watchable. And then Skyfall, you're seeing it, you go, whoa, man, this movie's awesome. And Corinne's sitting with her arms crossed. I don't think she likes this film either. Why, Why not? Why don't you like I, Skyfall? I don't know. I just don't. Okay, that's fair. I mean, I saw it once in the theater probably and then haven't had a single coherent thought about it since then. <laughs> <laughs> but, but. But look how cool Daniel Craig is. He's holding the gun while he's lying down. I'm 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 gonna make a poster for Skyfall with Corinne's exact quote. <laughs> I'm actually kind of surprised, given how much the rest of us like it, that it's that low on the list. Like, out of all the James Bonds that have, I guess there's only been two since we started the podcast. It's possible that I neglected to put this on the list, but yeah, hey, way to screw it. <laughs> no, <I'm kidding>. <laughs> <laughs> James okay, Bond's Zach. gonna track you down. Yeah, that, that, that's why I was like shocked because I, like I, yeah. I know the rest of us I love it. And, it's only on three of our, I don't think it's on Henry's list either. Like um, another than so Casino Royale, like it's the best one yeah. since then. So it's um it's a it's a film that cl- I think cleverly introduces the elements of traditional '60s Bond character wise that you end up getting down the line here. But um, the, the finale's fucking awesome. Javier Bardem crushes mm-hmm. it. Um, I'm not even a big Bond fan. Like, I've still never seen a Roger Moore era Bond movie. Yeah, I'm missing anything. That's what I've heard. (laughs) But, um, or actually, I've heard either yay or nay, depending on who I talk to. But um, one thing's for sure: it was a fun watch in the theater. It's 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 a solid time, and it's a long movie, but it doesn't feel that way at all whatsoever. Um, This next film is only on Zach and Henry's list, but they put it pretty high up there. So, Judas and the Black Messiah is number sixty-one, and um. Yeah, it's great. Yes, it is great. 
I think um, I was contemplating putting it on my list, but it's just so depressing. Like, it's like a good depressing, but it's very depressing. The thing that um, Chaka King did that I appreciated was he made a Warner Brothers gangster movie in the middle of this biopic about a revolutionary leader. Um, and to watch it unfold as this gangster cop thriller, kind of like in the vein of... It, there's a, there's elements of Scorsese, but there's also elements of other directors of this vein, like a Friedkin and whatnot, where it really does shine. And Daniel Kaluuya is amazing in it. Lakeith Stanfield is wonderful. And I think this is the scariest I've seen um, Jesse Plemons in a movie. Um because he is he's playing an actively very terrifying idea in in the movie. Um so yeah, uh, Henry, why did you put it on the list? I mean for similar reasons. I think it's a very thrilling film. Uh it's one of those films that the more I I've, I've seen this film around tw- twice, maybe three times now. And every time I've seen it, I enjoy it more. I think it's structured really well. I think the soundtrack to the film is really good. Uh how mm-hmm. it's kind of like that jazzy kind of influence to it. Uh, and I think the I mean the the Lakeith Stanfield character is such a great character study. Of just yeah. kind of watching this, and kind of like the, the role he plays in this kind of revolutionary time, yeah, uh, and the his his remorse for it, like everything with him. I mean, the third act of this film is expertly crafted. It's it's one of the best third acts I've seen in a very long time. Yeah, uh, I I mean, I just love this movie. I think it's great. Yeah, it is, and also it's um, I, I do think that it is one of those things that shows that Ryan Coogler has been doing really well with his post Black Panther success of, of really getting prod unique projects out there. Cause like, I mean, even space jam too, like who, who else was going to spearhead that if he wasn't involved? And even if not all of us like the movie, people do like it and have enjoyed it. So it's an interesting, I mean, if you look at like the fucking, the production history for space jam too, that movie was in production. It was in development hell until Coogler really stepped in. Yeah. And so, Someone pointed out to me, uh, Space Jam. Um, it's it's just the plot for Hook. Kind of. Yeah. Did we say that and on the they, episode? They said that in the Honest no, we, trailer we that came out about it. We didn't. Oh. We didn't say it on our episode, but that's yeah, that's about right. It blew my mind that like it's pretty much the, the other whole plot like for Hook. workaholic dad who teams up with like fictional characters to do <laughs> something. All right, this next puzzle is pretty tricky. Yeah. Um. So. This is our 60th film. I'm going to turn it over to Brad so he can describe it to you in case, uh, you know, for our listeners. I'm going to describe it backwards this time, too, so that it doesn't... Because I feel like when I said Mary Tyler Moore, like the Mary part, it's like, maybe they don't recognize that person and they just gave it away. (laughs) Who do you you think you're talking to? (laughs) All right. So um, I'm going to describe this backwards. All right, so we got a picture of a bunch of animals, and then a logo, and then Dame Judi Dench. So Dame Judi Dench plus this logo, plus these animals. Uh, uh, what character is Judi Dench in these in this picture, Brad? Uh, I, I think it's a a one letter character name in a spy thriller in a spy thriller and then um the logo is for the college uh, university of something that starts with h university of houston houston yeah um so if you take m plus uh i mean what sound does that make you know what sound does that make and then there's a bunch of animals below oh mcgruber oh hotel for dogs 
McGruber. Ah. No. Uh, you got to add all of them together. So because none of you got it, our number 60 film is... Is it Muppets? Yeah, Henry's got it. Oh, Muppets. Muppets. Oh. Yeah, because I was like, oh, wait, MacGruber was before the podcast. Whoops. Yeah. That's all right. Uh, number 60 is The Muppets, a lovable jaunt with Jason Siegel. That was such a hard puzzle to put together. Like, I was going to say, if you'd put my pet on there, maybe I'd have got it. Yeah. Try Judas in the Black Messiah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when this Actually, up. I think that would have been pretty easy. <laughs> Just get a picture of Judas. <laughs> I think after this one, everyone that lined up with a visual puzzle, I was just like, how the hell do you even make this into a puzzle? Because all the titles just didn't work out in a convenient way. Well, it's funny because when I sent it to you, you sent it to me, I'm like, yeah, I guess. I mean, I don't know. (laughs) I mean, obviously, we didn't pre-plan how the 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 titles were going to be. So trying to figure out. And I was like, yeah, sure. I mean, it's close as you can get. Or you could have done M up pets. I don't know. Yeah. Something. Something. You do M and then a picture of Carl from Up, <laughs> and then pets. Yeah. Anyway, oh. Henry got it. Anyway, Good job, yeah, Henry. The, the Muppets. The Muppets. From 2011. It's fun. I love it. Can I tell you guys a fun story about seeing this film? It was the third time I'd seen it in the theater, and I was my stomach was in pain, and so I watched it from the aisles while I, my stomach was still in pain. An hour later, I'm flat on my bed. I get taken to the hospital. I have an appendicitis, and I have to get my appendix <laughs> taken out. So the last movie I saw with my appendix was The Muppets. And when you were under the the gas, you saw Rizzo the Rat. And you're like, hey, hey don't cut me open. <laughs> don't cut me open. Don't cut me open. Did you lose your appendix or the hand that controls you? Ooh. Ooh. You just gave me something to think about in the middle of the goddamn night. (laughs) I'm just confused by Zach saying it was going to be a fun story, and then he's telling us about how he was in excruciating pain and (laughs) lost an organ. Isn't that fun for everybody? (laughs) Um, No, uh, this movie is brilliant. Yeah, it's fun. Yeah. Who had it on their list? I feel like I would have it on my list, um, but... Henry is on yours, right? Yeah, it's on my list. Listen, anything that involves puppets, I'm into, so... Of all the puppets and all but, the But, you know, for Happy Time, Murders didn't make it on it. <laughs> well, that was like a 101. So. Ryan, you and I were the only one on an episode, and we don't need to talk about that movie anymore, do <laughs> no, we? No, it's good. <laughs> all right, guys, here's some more trivia for you. Oh, boy. This year, 2021, we'll revise our very first film, Splosion, 2011. Which other year did we already revise? 1999. That is correct. That is correct. Yep. 1999, first film explosion. First retro film explosion. Retro film explosion, yeah. Sometimes we feature more than one movie in an episode. What is the most number of movies where that happened in one episode? Four. Ooh. I was going to say four, too. Is that what the stream team episode? No. So this was an early one, and this happened over Christmas. Uh, that makes sense um, of all the Oscar bait movies so, coming out. Uh, episode 31 had Sherlock Holmes, The War Horse, <laughs> The Artist, and Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy. I do not remember this episode that well, but I do need to go back and see how you guys jung- juggled four reviews. But so, I yeah, so I didn't have a kid at that time. Yeah. Um, and yeah, <laughs> that's why. Right. Also, I love the title of that because <laughs> it's Tinker Tailor Soldier, Soldier Spy related. <laughs> All right, number 59, we bring the beautiful Brad Pitt into the proceedings for the baseball drama Moneyball. 
did you expect that movie to be as good as it was when you saw a trailer for it? Uh, no. And then I was really disappointed when I saw Draft Day, and I go, oh, not quite yeah. as good. Yep, exactly. But yeah, Moneyball's great. Moneyball's wonderful. Got a really good director behind it. Yeah, and Billy Bean must be really happy that Brad Pitt's playing him because Brad Pitt looks nothing like Billy Bean. <laughs> it's, uh, I mean, you know, you can you can cast that way and whatnot. I mean, it's just got a lot. It's got a good heart to it. Like, Benet Miller's really good at giving you a heart amidst a, a story that may not seem to have as much of it. You know, this is like the first uh, in Jonah Hill's run of chasing Oscar because. It was this and then Wolf of Wall Street next. Yeah. And this movie got pushed a bunch, too. So that's why it was like it wasn't. I don't I don't remember everybody being sure that it was going to be all that good. So at number 58, sometimes there's movies that take the Internet by storm before they're a film. And Ryan Reynolds led his lent his voice and talents to this Internet sensation short film, which led to the actual film Deadpool, mm-hmm. which is a lot of fun. Um, it's really interesting because obviously this, he appeared as Deadpool in X-Men origins, Wolverine, and it wasn't good. So then he shot that little, um, I guess, yeah, short film that ended up kind of being in the film where it's just him cussing and shooting and killing people. Yeah. It's like that, that test reel ends up being like the first, like what, five minutes. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, that's someone who's born to play a certain role and Ryan Reynolds does it very well. And it's a very fun film. It's a good movie. Its sequel, though, is pretty perfect. And you want to know why? Because it uses Jack Benny in it. <laughs> uh, um, sure, Zach. Actually, also yeah, actually, Thanos. actually yeah. is that, I believe I put Deadpool 2 on my list. Is that in the... Uh, I don't know. We're going to have to see, huh? Oh, okay. I guess we'll have to Yeah. Play. So, No spoilers here, guys. Oh, I'm not Reddit hey, or Ryan, Tumblr. what's number one? What? What's number, what's number one, one? Can you just let me know? Oh, there's this great film. It's black and white on Netflix called Mank. So I'm going to go ahead and oh, okay. spoil the number one film that was on everybody's list so high that it made it to number one. That's unfair. That would be unfair to all of us, and I'm the only one who likes it. I know you had it like number five or something. I know I did, yeah. I had it pretty high because I'm still still kind of in love with the imagery, but I've got issues with it. It's all right. Hey, <laughs> I can't tell you what to love. Nope. Speaking of love, sometimes we have people that are tethered to us. <gasps> yes. Number 57 is Jordan Peele's Us. Yep. Which is um, very violent. I was actually surprised how violent this film is. Yep. That, that, the scene in uh, Tim Heidecker's house, uh, or Heidecker and Moss's house, is brutal as all, as all get out. Um, this, movie's, this movie's great. Um, I understand that people don't particularly love the ending at points, but I love this on a thematic level. I know this is on my list, so that's why I'm speaking on it. Yeah. Um, and it's on, I think three people's list. You had it really high. Yeah. Cause I love it. <laughs> and, uh, I think I probably had it pretty high as well. Yeah. Yeah. As well. And so it made it to, I don't know. Yeah. You may need to speak louder, Henry. I don't know. Um, Oh, sorry. Yeah. But yeah. Um, yeah, no, the end, I love the ending shot of this movie because it is both the most hilarious and terrifying thing to think about at the end of this movie, especially given when it came out and where we were as a culture and as a, political landscape like it it's something uh, it gives you one of those nervous laughs going like oh we're fucked (laughs) like um so yeah it's it's a wonderful film and um i think lupita nyong'o was robbed of a nomination because it is a tough job doing what she did agreed she did well yeah 
Um, I really love horror films that end in, like, the end of the world, where, like, the horror encompasses the entire planet. And yeah. so the ending of this film I love. So. Yeah, it's fantastic. Um, going from depressing and violent stuff to a coming-of-age tale, it's a very Spil- Spil- Spilbergian. Um, J.J. Abrams' Super 8 comes in at number 56. That's good. Which is a really fun film. I, I recently revisited it, and I love uh, the kids' film that they're making throughout it. Mm-hmm. This one was when I was checking your math, and I was like, really? No one put Super 8 on your list? And you're like, oh, no, it's on there. I just screwed up. Yeah. And it made me go back and redo the whole thing because then I like skipped it. So then I had to go back and put everybody else's uh, sucked. This is the kind of movie I want J.J. Abrams to make going forward. I don't want franchises out of him anymore. This was our second or third episode, I think. And um, it was the first one where we did it at like, James's house uh, after the movie. Some trivia for you. <laughs> I remember that. Yep. Um, hey, an actor is making his third appearance on our list. At number 55 is Bridge of Spies with Tom Hanks. Yes. Which is a really uh, great film as well. Very as a, uh, so we got Spielberg following a Spielbergian movie, Spiel- Spielbergian. Thank you, um, film. Yeah. Yes, Spielbergian. Get me, Senor Spielbergo. Uh, it just proves Tom Hanks can pretty much play anything, and actually, it's his fourth one because Toy Story four. So he's, he, he makes a quite an appearance on our list. He can act through a cold, Ryan. Yeah, I actually just watched his uh, Saturday Night Live where he's on Jeopardy and he's playing himself as stupid. It's awesome. <laughs> and he says, uh, that is a pin, Mr. Hanks. <laughs> um, and they ask him where, uh, what state is Hampshire? And he says Canada. That's funny. Um, also, this uh, film is co-written by two brothers who have never made a bad movie in their life ever. <laughs> Maybe they'll show up on this list. I don't know. Hopefully. Um, number 54 Finally, The Rock is on our list. Yeah. Pain and Gain oh, hell uh, yeah. makes it is uh, Michael Bay's best movie. I don't know. Yeah, that's absolutely correct. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Yep. This is a movie that um, it's funny. I just mentioned two brothers who have never made a bad movie. Michael Bay seems to be in love with those guys. And as a result, Pain and Gain ends up being his version of a Coen Brothers movie in several respects. Like it's a crime with stupidity intermixed. And there is a undercurrent of the American dream used as his thematic premise. And I love the rock in this movie because it's a role I have not seen him play since where he's like extremely like he's kind of allowed to be a little bit more flexibly guilty of something like he's, he's not a good guy in this movie essentially, but he has like a side of him that's allowed to be redeemed. Um, and I do think this is among Mark Wahlberg's best post departed performances. Probably the first of many Mark Wahlberg films that are going to be on the rest of the list. Yeah, probably a Transformer film, too. Um, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, I think why this film works so well, though, is because it's a Michael Bay movie because he can do the hero shots. He can do the sweeping stuff, but then it's grounded in a reality mm-hmm. that helps elevate the material. Yeah. You know? He uses those hero shots for criminals, essentially. That's yes. like the kicker of it. It's so beautifully constructed. and uh, number 53 is a film, you see it and it's not what you expect it to be. Not at all. Uh, Colossal is number 53 with Anne Hathaway, and it's really dealing with addictions and having toxic relationships. Yeah. Yeah. This was a, was this a, this is a film that was 
tangentially connected to um, I Kill Giants yeah. in certain respects. Yeah, so. we, we actually met uh, Joe Kelly again after this, after we razzed him in our episode, mm-hmm. where he's like, who the fuck are you guys? Um, and we actually had a great interview with him from Comic-Con that was lost to the ethers. Yeah. <sighs> um, and I wish we could find it. But he remembered us and he remembered me again when I went back and saw I Kill Giants and he was signing posters. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a very nice guy, very talented comic book writer and producer of TV shows and movies. Um, but yeah, Colossal is something you don't expect. And it's a it's a great film. Yep, I agree. It wasn't on my list, but I liked it. Who else had it? I think I had it on I there. Henry, did you have Colossal on I, your list? I probably—I mean, I love this movie, so I probably did. Mm-hmm. So, it's not a film that necessarily would jump out as one of our main reviews necessarily, but I think it was during a dead week. No, uh, no. Well, maybe I—I I, I just know we went and saw Joe Kelly. Oh uh, yeah, do that. So, oh, then it was probably already pre-planned. You know, space is the final frontier. Unless you're Neil Armstrong, then you've made it to the moon. Gotcha. First man is number fifty-two. Guys, remember when there was the controversy about the flag in that movie? Oh, my God. <laughs> Such a James pick. <laughs> Actually, he did not have this on his uh, film explosion list, if I recall correctly. I don't think so, but it definitely was on his list that he sent us for this. And, I mean, it's on my list. I love this film. It's really good. It's very well constructed. It's a Damien Chazelle movie that you're not expecting, especially post-La La Land. So. Um, yeah, and there are flags in it. I don't know who started that rumor. Yeah. Probably some bitter, angry people who are still bitter and angry. You know, when you're a kid, all you want is a superpower. And it'd be so sweet if you just yell a word and become a superhero and be Shazam. You don't like this movie, Karen? I mean, it's great expectations, just a superhero movie. Too low! (laughs) When we flipped over, she stuck her tongue out, so I I didn't know if she was a fan or not. This is a movie that Brad and I got to see at a preview screening, and he was so pumped by this movie that after he dropped me off at home he went right back to the theater to see the other preview screening <laughs> yeah that was my story I was about to say. Oh, sorry. <laughs> so that was like uh inspired by a true story written by zach about your story awesome <laughs> yeah um yeah no this movie's awesome it's fun and um I've, i haven't seen the picture yet but i know you have one of me and cooper andrews after my panel and he was such a nice guy um i had a really fun panel with him and in fact, he liked me so much. I, I'll never forget this. I was walking off stage with him. Um, he plays the uh, foster father in this film. Mm-hmm. I was walking off stage with him and he says, Ryan, that was lots of fun, man. You're going to be my moderator this whole weekend, right? And I said, sorry, I'm not. He says, oh, man, we need to get a picture then. And then I said, yeah, let me get my friend. He has a great camera. And Brad's like, <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> he was fumbling. and um, But it, there's a great picture of this. And I, I haven't seen it yet. But I know it exists. Right, Brad? Where the fuck is it, Brad? Now people don't believe I was... It's on a hard drive somewhere. I, people won't believe that. I did a panel with him. But he's a really wonderful dude, and his story's really cool. Because um, I always do a lot of softball questions when I do moderations, because no one wants to talk to me. So I do softball questions, open it up to the floor. Mm-hmm. But one question I asked him is because I looked at his IMDb page, and I noticed he was in Cruise a lot. And that's actually how he got to start being an actor, is he would learn stunts, be a boom operator. Yeah. And then when he was on the walking dead, they said, Hey, do you want to be in this scene? Because you're like a big guy, you know how to use a, a bow staff. And he said, yeah, sure. And he's still on the walking dead to this day. I think after season four, so seven years on the walking dead and now he's doing Shazam and uh, he's a really fun guy and he's super nice. Yeah. Um, so this next number 50 is a puzzle again. 
And this is only one picture. So I expect everybody to shout this out when it happens. All right. All right. Coco. Coco. Coffee. <laughs> and Henry's got it. Coffee. That came out in the I've 70s. I've been waiting for this movie. <laughs> I've been waiting for Coco. Um, yeah, number um, 50 is the wonderful Pixar animated film Coco. Wonderful is correct. Um, a movie that is about family and also about murder. <laughs> And you're, when I was watching that. It's not that, about murder. It just happens to have murder the, in it. Yeah, but you watch it and you go, holy shit. It's about, it's a movie about a kid connecting with his dead grandfather so that he can also later on connect with his, his living grandmother. And I love it. Yeah, it, it's, it's, a, it's a movie you watch. And it, it, when Pixar's at their best, is it takes something everybody relates to mm -hmm. and makes it a Pixar film. Whether it's Soul, whether it's Coco, Toy Story, everybody growing up has toys and made believe and Monsters Incorporated. Yeah, there's so many layers to it. And Coco, I, uh, one of the films I got in 4K that just blew my mind mm -hmm. because you know those computer animated films in 4K, some of them don't have a huge like upgrade. But when you s add higher definition and more colors, it, it is stunning. When they, uh, I forget what's the world they call it when they go to. Um, oh, the, the land, land of the, the dead. dead. I think it's, it's the, the land, land of the land dead. Yeah, but it's like it's actually like these individual lights. Yeah, yeah. It's just it's stunning. Um, wonderful film, and it's one of those things where you start crying. Like I'm not crying. Fuck you guys. <laughs> Dude, um, that's fun. If you want to be machismo about it, I was just like, I miss my grandfather. <laughs> <laughs> Great stuff. Yep. I just love the fact that the song "Remember Me" they use in the. In the beginning, with the villain whose name I can't remember, um, but he, you know, he sings it as this kind of like, you know, triumph of like, oh yes, remember me, and he's like this icon. And then you, when you find out later what the song is really about, it's like, no, it was about a dad wanting his little girl to remember him while he's traveling. Mm -hmm. And it's like, oh my gosh, it's so yep. it's so well put together, and just the idea that. Um, they were able to capture a real life phenomenon with like dementia patients where they hear music and they start to like remember their lives yeah. before they had like dementia and stuff. And they were able to do that in this movie just makes that moment even more impactful yeah. and the movie more impactful. And fun fact, I actually kind of know the author of the junior novelization of this movie, family friend. So very cool. Oh. Very nice. Yeah. And I think she's supposed to be doing the junior novelization or something for Encanto, the next movie. Ooh. Which is a really fun trailer. Yeah. Um, all right, guys. What is the date? Oh, sorry. I, I thought it was What is the date the first Real Nerds podcast episode premiered? July... July 6th, 2011? May 12th, 2011. June 5th, 2011. We're going to give it we're going to give it to Corinne because it's June 4th, 2011. Ooh. Which we just had the anniversary a month ago. <laughs> yep. Which we all forgot. Yeah, it's all right. No, cuz we're doing this show. It's the 500th episode. It's been a year of celebration. We've changed our logo. I forgot to say this last night. Um, I was looking at the the lineup of all the episodes and everything, and um, 
this recording, this 500th episode, is 10 weeks after the the anniversary episode, June 4th. Um, and that was significant because I forgot. What was I going to say? What? Is it because you hit a landmark because of how many years? appearances? Oh, yeah. 10 years. Yeah. Yeah. 10 years. Yeah. So we're celebrating our 10th anniversary this year. It's like 10 and years and 10 weeks. Even though June 4th, whatever episode that was, mm-hmm. that was the 10-year anniversary one. This one is 10 weeks after that. So it's just a weird cosmic yes, thing. It it's all connected. Hashtag that marble thing. And uh, by the way, um, score-wise, Henry now uh, has three, Corinne has four, and Zach has six That's points. right, I do. You want to so. win this. I'm telling you right now. Because we're kind of reaching the halfway point here. Yeah, yeah we are. In Real Nerds Pacho Episode 1, which airline does Ryan fly to L.A. on? Oh, nope. Southwest. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Southwest. He, he flew on Southwest. <laughs> I amend my earlier <laughs> answer. <laughs> For those listening at home, make up a, make up a question for us to and answer. Henry had a chance to answer. Uh, what two uh, things does Ryan carry with him when he goes to break into Robert Downey Jr.'s house? Yeah, in Pod Show. A crowbar and a movie, like a Robert Downey Jr. movie. Wasn't it a rope and tape? They are, yet so far away. Rope and a crowbar? Oh, no, I'm, I'm just trying to think. Um, okay. No, Zach just got it. It's rope and crowbar. Oh, Zach. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's keep this train a rolling. Mm-hmm. Number 49 is another horror film. We're making come out a few appearances on this episode. It's Jordan Peele again, and it's Get Out Now, Zach. Get the fuck out of here. Never. Never. Not no, not until I talk about this movie and how brilliant it is. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, if you had told me that the the writer of the wonderful movie from 2016 called Keanu would go on to kind of change the That's not on this list. It should fucking be. <laughs> <laughs> um I love that movie. Um no, like but it, yeah, seriously no, Key and Peele like it was really cool not just seeing this movie but also getting to learn that there was this side of Jordan Peele that was pretty like unknown to people like on the mainstream side of like his love for horror films and to watch him kind of cram all those influences into this one movie that handles microaggressions and racism and also just tells a really good mad scientist story like this is a mad scientist story at its core and um I really appreciate what he does with the horror genre because there are moments in this film that still genuinely terrify the shit out of me. Um, especially like when the, the grandfather who's, who's, whose thing is that he's running because he's trying to beat Jesse Owens, record when he co- just pops out of the middle of the woods and he's just chasing at Daniel Kaluuya. Like it's still like, it still unnerves me, even though it's a fake out, I still get tensed up by yeah. it. And Henry, was this on your list? Uh, I don't remember. I mean, I like this one a lot. I li- I personally like us a little more. But mm-hmm. I do love this film. I mean, like like you said, it's such an interesting cultural turn point for like just not only just like the horror industry, but the film industry to like because it's I mean, 
this film really shaped the future of the genre for the next couple of years. Yeah. Uh, it, and it's just, it's, I mean, it's a, you don't do that without making a very superb product. Uh, yeah. I think it's a, I think it's a super effective film. Uh, yeah. I love telling the story of, uh, when I first saw it in theaters, I went and saw it at the Alamo in Brooklyn and, uh, the scene in which he's tied to the chair and the TV turns on and the guy's like, I bet you're wondering why this is all happening. The theater cut out <laughs> and like the theater lost power. <laughs> Um, because it was like a 10 o'clock showing and midnight struck or something. And like the power to the building went down accidentally and the theater owner was like, y'all just gotta leave now. I'm sorry. And so I didn't see the ending or the reveal as to why anything was happening until like months later. So So he literally told you to get out. (laughs) Yeah. Um, yeah. And what you said about it, that is correct. Like the horror genre has not been the same since Get Out came out. And I think it is for the better. But there's also this element of because that movie exists, it's it's allowed horror films to take their rightful place as something that can be regarded as something important and significant and not a, as a genre that's lesser. Because it frankly has always been this powerful. I mean, shit, Friday the 13th movie is just as important as any more boring drama, you know? Uh, so, yeah. Um, from some horrors to real life horrors, number 48 is the war film 1917, which is a wonderful technical achievement and a wonderful film as well. Yeah, I had this on my list and I said it when we were talked about it on the show, but I was really thankful that the trailer saved one of the bigger things that happens in the movie just through like the editing. Like you don't realize spoilers for the movie halfway through the supposed main character dies and you're like oh well shit so then the other guy has to complete the mission alone and it is a very a very well put together movie on a technical level and it's obviously got a bunch of awesome british people in it i think it has all the british people in it all of the british (laughs) people at least all of the men anyway but 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 there wasn't any tea in it was there Twas not it was wartime they didn't have time for tea that's Zach. Tr- okay yeah that's true that I know. I, seems like benedict cumberbatch in his bunker had time for tea yeah that's <laughs> but he's an asshole so that's what i mean probably, <laughs> probably left his home in downton abbey you know what because the movie is set up to look like it's all in one shot he was drinking tea we just didn't see it because deacons exactly. didn't move the camera there yeah exactly that's what i'm saying <laughs> yeah technically an amazing film photographed incredibly and the performances, and it's uh, one of those things where it's one shot, but it's so tense that it keeps moving. It, it goes by really quickly. Um, wonderful film. It's amazing that this movie was the front runner for the Oscar that year <laughs> in so many respects. Um, the next film, number 47, has a killer soundtrack by a killer director, and it's a really fun film. It's Baby Driver is number 47, Edgar Wright's Baby Driver. Um, he knows how to direct the hell out of stuff. I gotta say, I didn't see this until after the whole Kevin Spacey drama mm. came to light, so that kind of ruined or colored the film for me, at least. At least he's the bad guy in it. <laughs> and he does get killed. Doesn't he get hit by a car at some yeah. point? Um, I, I still love this movie, even despite that baggage, because he's not the main character, number one. And number two, I I love what Edgar, Edgar did making a gangster movie that has the same consequences as a, a gangster movie from the 30s and 40s like it it looks it looks beautiful the soundtrack is fucking amazing yeah i know the movie's cool it, it does suck when there's always that baggage associated with it mm-hmm. um 
But I mean, there are um, other a lot of other great people who worked on this film. Yeah. So and he's not in it that much. So yeah, no. and it I do like the tequila sequence. Yeah, Very uh, nice. yeah, everything and it's it's a really fun film. Tequila and it's Edgar Wright. How can you not love Edgar Wright? He may pop up on this list again. So this is a really cute film, and I think it's only on uh, Henry and my list again. Uh, Minari is number forty-six. Oh yeah, and I. It's a movie that is just about a family, and it's really cute, and I love the little boy in it. Um, you know, at the end where he runs after his grandma um, is really sad and uplifting and heartbreaking at the same it's time. It's a beautiful movie. Um, I, I adore this film. Yeah. I, I love, I mean, I think it's it's such a, I don't know. Like, it's just, just a be- beautiful movie. I think just, like, the idea of family, how it explores family and kind of the importance of it uh, from, like, uh, I mean, just the the final shot of them all sleeping on the ground yeah. uh, together I think is great. Uh, and, it kind of shows, like, the full circle of everything. And, and it's ob- cool to see Obviously, us. the little boy is adorable throughout the entire movie. Yeah. Uh, I'm really glad that Grandma won the Oscar for it. I think she was great in it. Uh, yeah. I th- you know me. I love sappy uh, Korean movies. And yeah. so... Uh, <laughs> Well, that's, I was just going to point out that, you know, it's an immigration story from Koreans, and I don't even know of another film that tackles that subject. Oh, yeah. So it's interesting, and it's just about them going to, you know, the South and building a farm and not only staying together as a family, but overcoming prejudice and racism. Um, but it's not like thick racism where it's cartoony. It's just, you know, the underlining. Realistic racism? Yeah, exactly. Um, but I always tell people, if you want to pick this up, I think it's like six bucks right now on Amazon mm-hmm. and you should totally oh, really? pick up this movie. I'll pick it up then. <laughs> um, it's, it's fantastic. I love this movie. That's the second Will Patton movie we've had on this list. Will Patton making a bit of a real Is this nerd. our first like non-English language film? Uh, well, it's so like far? half English, half Korean. Yeah, um, but I think it was technically classified as like foreign language. It film. was by the Golden Globes. Mm, yeah. <laughs> Whatever. They're not yeah. an actual organization because their voting system is rigged. Anyway. Um, hey. A Quiet Place is number 45, which is an incredible film that deals with um, monsters coming to Earth and they hunt by sound. I love horror films that get you going right away. And this opening to this movie is pretty spot on. Uh, sound is a theme in horror movies so far because Don't Breathe was on there earlier. Mm-hmm. I can't talk about this movie unless somebody turns the camera at me and I give a look to it. You know? <laughs> um, yeah, no. Who who the thunk John, John Krasinski had a horror movie in him and had the beautiful chops that this movie does? It's fantastic. You know, if you look at his IMD, he directed a lot before this, mm-hmm. um, TV and things like that. So technically, he's pretty proficient. Um, okay. Just he's built up a resume. And I found out that he worked on Conan O'Brien as an intern. You should listen to Conan well, O'Brien. That's really needs... interesting, actually. What's up? That's really interesting. I didn't know that. Yeah, you should listen to his episode on Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend. It is amazing because um, they make fun of each other on it. And he tells this really funny story about how he wrote a monologue joke for Conan and he didn't like it. So he went up to Conan and says, hey, maybe you should do it this way. And Conan grabbed him and threw him against the wall. He's like, you'll never work in this town again, you see? And uh, they talk about how you can never do that nowadays um, because of, you know, workplace violence. Being but respectful. I, I, mean, I mean, Conan's obviously joking, but, you know, yeah. it's, it's a really funny story. They're both from Boston, so they break out their Boston accents. It's great. So I haven't seen this movie, but I put the sequel, A Quiet Place Part 2, on my list. Yep. 
Yeah. So you, maybe it will make an appearance. Nope. Okay. <laughs> nope. <laughs> Fine. If you, you need to watch the you need to watch the first one. It's the first really one's good. great. Hey, third Emily Blunt film. Man, she's just racking up the awards and real nerds. I have a feeling she's coming back. Oh, she's coming back. I wonder why this list is filled with Emily Blunt and Tom Cruise movies. <laughs> I know. It's like who was in charge of it. <laughs> Um, what the heck? No Jack Benny movie? Yeah, so Shit. now we know why there were so many Ryan and Tim- Henry team-ups. That's right. Henry knows what's up. Listen, um, Ryan and I have excellent taste. Thank you. Henry, what have I told you about sucking up to the boss? Do it. Uh, you told me it works. That's why I'm doing it. <laughs> oh, that's right. Yeah, I forgot about it that. It totally works. Thank you for listening to my advice, Henry. Speaking of which, I can't. Rem- I know this is on my list, and I know this is on Henry's. It has to be on somebody else's list. I'm guessing James. Um Number 44 is Steve Jobs, oh. which is a, a great film. Um, he was awesome. I, I love that it's a biography that only really takes place like on one day. And uh, Fassbender is incredible in this movie. Feels like a James movie. I'm sure he had it on his yeah. list. I think it's me, James, and Henry. I don't think you yeah. did. And I'm pretty sure you no, did. No, I didn't. I should probably go fix that list. Fix it. <laughs> fix it, Steve. <laughs> Uh, Aaron Sorkin, so it's definitely on James's list. Yeah, uh, Sorkin's the writer. Danny Boyle directing too. Yeah, so it's and a, toned down yeah. Danny Boyle. He didn't have his normal drug hallucination flashback he, scenes. He has the montages to show the separation of time. They're a little chaotic in yeah. his style. Yeah, um, but yeah, it's just wonderfully done, wonderfully acted, wonderfully shot. It is a cool film. Speaking of cool films, number forty-three is a science fiction film that's really unique and has a great performance. Ex Machina is number 43. Um, it's it's one of those films that you're really uneasy as you're watching because it's really voyeuristic. Yeah. When you have Poe Dameron and General Hux hanging out in a <laughs> weird house in the middle of nowhere talking about building robots that, that are Alicia Vikander, like, you know, you're just in for a ride. No, seriously, this movie is... She's, she's fantastic in this movie. She's fantastic in this. And you were, the, the, the scene where Oscar Isaac is dancing drunk with the other robot... Ugh. Gives me chills. I love how lean this movie is. Like, there's only four people in the whole movie, mm-hmm. and they all just shine. And yep. it's, yeah, it's got a lot going on, even though, like I said, there's not a ton of people in it. It, uh, well, it's, like said, it it's, asks it's a lot of good questions. It's doesn't have lines. And so, like, <laughs> yeah. Um, the director of it um, did the Natalie Portman movie that got shafted around in release. I can't remember the name of it, but I remember liking it. Liking it a lot. Also, most of it is on like the one location, so yeah. it's almost like a battle episode of a TV show. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, number forty-two, Pixar makes another appearance. Inside Out is number forty-two, which is uh, it is the answer to life, the universe, and everything. Ryan. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's a wonderful movie. Um, you know, every time I see a Pixar trailer, I'm like, these their their trailers are so underwhelming. And then you see the movie, and I know Brad and I have talked about this. You go, you're like, okay, well, I mean, it's Pixar, so I'm going to go see it. And then you watch it, and you, <laughs> fuck you, Pixar, you're so great. <laughs> if you had if you had told me, gone back in time and told me in 2007, hey, guess what? Louis Black is going to become such an institution that he's going to be in a Disney movie. I'm going to be like, you're fucking out of your mind. <laughs> but Amy Poehler is perfectly casted in this movie. I don't know who else they would have gotten to play Joy. Uh, like early on in like CJ animated films, I felt like there was an emphasis on like they have like the the CJ has to look real. And I feel like with Pixar, they managed to make it look good, but also being in a way that you can incorporate like 
bizarre character designs like that that still feel believable mm-hmm. without um you know they're very simple like in that movie they're very simple yeah like almost the most simplest uh character designs for a cgi character i've ever seen and um i guess soul now they they can even make squiggly lines look like yeah. fleshed out characters but you know there's there's a uh, you know, grew up in the 90s, there was tons of simple CGI that just didn't have the weight to it that Pixar is able to add to it. I wonder if it's because they designed them in 2D first and then they just like take that and use it as a jumping off point. Uh, yeah, you know, I think Pixar doesn't limit themselves and they say, you know what, why can't we do this? And I, I mean, because Inside Out, they have those little like fuzzy things around them constantly. Um and it's it, it looks spectacular. Everything in it is just beautiful. I love all the different little explanations for like things that happen just in your regular day. Like all mm. of a sudden, like you'll remember the jingle from like that commercial five years ago, or you know the dreams yeah. are like a movie set. It, it's the what was it the thing they go through where it's like oh no now we're like two dimensional and oh no now we're an interstitial concept or something. Yeah, it's 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 a brilliant film. Really brilliant. Um, you know what was cool before the multiverse was cool? Was X-Men Days of Future Past. Uh, this was the first film that really brought together two separate franchises and made them one in a really cool story that on paper should not make any sense at all. It's funny. They went through the, the trouble of starting a new franchise with X-Men First Class and then the next movie right after that. Like, oh, no, we got to bring back the other guys. Yeah. I I had actually a lot of fun revisiting the uh the film via the road cut which mm-hmm. i hadn't watched before yet mm-hmm. and like in any iteration it's one of those wonderful x-men movies that manages to give every single one of their core members a good moment yeah um but from both franchises um obviously the director is <laughs> right now but um you know that doesn't take away these wonderful performances or this you know stellar script and you have ideally you have the the brilliant i think peter dinklage is actually pretty brilliant in this mm-hmm. movie because like he's the way he throws out the concept of what the sentinels are going to do and his motivations for it i just like it's just a performance i wasn't expecting and i'm not a game of thrones guy so this is like one of my primary exposures to peter dinklage outside of the station agent and death at a funeral so it's I'm good. a big elf fan so i brought my elf knowledge into this movie so. <laughs> nice yeah. i just love the firepower that it has in terms oh, of yeah. just like you know, the stars, the action, it's a great ride. Yeah, and I mean, obviously the anchor is Hugh Jackman as Wolverine, but it's, yeah, it's awesome. Uh, well, the next one is going to be another puzzle. Um, so uh, I'm going to hand it over to Brad, and he's going to uh, take the lead on this one. I'm not going to describe it, because I think as soon as I say it, you'll get it. So, um, yeah, go ahead and take the mic back, and I'll remove the... Twelve Cloverfield Lane. Ooh. Oh, nice. Ten oh. Cloverfield Lane. Whatever. Why was, why was my answer going to be Lucky Logan? <laughs> yeah. So you watching home? There's a uh, ten clovers plus a field plus a six lane highway. That's a highway, not a lane, Brad. Oh yeah, we got we you got it though really quick. Um, uh, ten Cloverfield Lane is the fortieth film, and. Yes, it's a very great film, and taking the Cloverfield universe and making a claustrophobic episode with an amazing John Goodman in it. Hey, oh, wait, you, you, you said that wrong. That's um, Oscar-robbed John Goodman. 
Uh, yes. Movie, yeah. Yeah, this movie's wonderful. Has Trachtenberg done a follow-up movie yet? Or? Oh, yeah. He's making Skulls, uh, the Predator origin story. Ooh, snap. Where it takes place with a Native American like woman warrior it's like from the 1700s or something. And, you know, at the end of Predator 2 where they threw him the the little revolver and it yeah. says 1753 on it. <gasps> Ooh. Yeah, it's, and it's called Skulls. That's pretty awesome. Okay, Ooh. I would actually see that movie. Yeah, it should because it's going to be awesome. I'm fucking bored, yeah. That's an awesome all right. Um, trivia time. What is the name of the guest character featured in the cold open of Real Nerds Pacho, episode three? No, no, don't do that. And that man, I feel bad because I the, the questions I gave you had like three of them on it, too. So I guess no one watched the Pacho. No, I I have the Blu-ray at home. No, don't. He's a musician. <laughs> yep. It's like we know him. Sparks Mandrill? No. Uh, oh, I, I said I got nothing. Man. Elvis? Dead or alive? Can we do 20 questions? <laughs> so it's going to be mayonnaise with dollar signs. Oh, yeah. Is that a real person? No. <laughs> well, the actor, uh, that is one of his musical personas. Yeah. So it is a real person, but yeah. But not really. The last time kind I remember a, an association with a music act in the Real Nerds was Total Ghost <laughs> uh, at the open screen night in 2013 or 2014. Um, yeah. well, they weren't in an episode. No, I know, but. Um, how many episode titles have Nerd worked into it, including Nerdemics? 78, Shit. 107, or 212? B. I'm going with C. I'll stick with A. It's going to be B. 107. 107 episodes have nerd. Yes, because we are nerdtastic. Yeah, but also one should not uh, think that Brad isn't clever enough to come with titles that don't need the word nerd in it. Like a Family Guy, when they did their first season, they had to have the word they had the word death or dead in the title. Yeah, death has a shadow. I never met the dead man. <laughs> yeah. So when we started doing our episodes, that was my inspiration. But then after a while, I was like, I don't know if I want 500 of these like this. So I started getting more clever. You were already planning for 500 episodes. That's awesome. Oh yeah, we're not gonna stop. It's fucking a. Number 39 sees the return of the Dark Knight. Number 39 on here is The Dark Knight Rises. Oh, the real nerd. Uh, yeah, I actually thought this would be higher because um, part of how I structured my list, it wasn't so much just um, movies that I liked. It was also experiences on the podcast that were important. And I can't think of one that <laughs> is probably more influential in our history of this show than this one because mm-hmm. uh, it has such a dark passed to it um so I, I thought this would actually end up higher um but uh yeah obviously our friend alex sullivan was killed in the uh aurora shootings and zach was there at the same time too which was yeah. horrifying um glad you made it out okay and um yeah I, i've actually um the anniversary was two weeks ago and one of the it was it was not a fun week for me but um one of those things that got me through it was reminding myself of the place that i'm at and a lot of that has to do with you guys so despite the tragedy that 
has had from it, I have looked at some of the positive things that have happened since then, while also remembering things about that night that that we can still do to assist people. Like AuroraRise.org still does does wonderful work with supporting people with victims comp and developing scholarships and different programs for people who are affected by it. Um, our friend Tom Sullivan, who we all worked together on with a live event at Castleman's Bar and Venue, and that was still around, which I guess was your guys' first live show, technically, if I'm correct. Yeah, and he went on to be a – he's a state senator, right? Yeah, he's our state senator. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah I was going to share the episode uh, soon. Um, I'm, I've, if you've been following us on Twitter and Facebook, I've been posting some of my favorite episodes uh, our episode with Tom is going to be up soon. I just didn't want to exploit the uh, anniversary. Yeah. So um, you should listen to it. It's a great episode um, and really powerful. Um, yeah. Uh, the move, the film is uh, a pretty grand ending to the Christopher Nolan trilogy. Um, I rewatched it recently with my friends, Jerry and Brett, and we went into it expecting we were just going to tear the movie apart. And we ended up, being like you know what it's you know got flaws but it's pretty fun yeah I, I think it was just like it had such high expectations like coming off the dark night and you know with everything that happened I think once people ended up seeing it it was just kind of like disappointing and dark I, I mean I don't know I, I was really disappointed in the film I, I actually really kind Maybe of not dug you it specifically, but just yeah I know what general. you mean yeah um, it, it's a more cerebral film than I think maybe people were expecting um, okay. Yeah, I saw it three times that day, despite everything that yeah. <laughs> happened. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, you know, it, Nolan, like Bane is, to put him on film based on the comics is a very, you know, it, I'm sure like Disney now <laughs> could, yeah, like Dis, Disney with their CGI capabilities could make a guy who like gets injected with venom like roids out um, pretty easily. Like you're obviously making the Hulk. But uh, I was really impressed with like how more human um, Nolan makes Bane um, and like plausible because um, in the comic yeah, he just breaks a bunch of people out of Arkham and uh, just wears Batman down but uh, the fact that he works in like class inequality into the movie and everything and uh, turns it to his inspiration was the um, uh, A Tale of Two Cities mm-hmm. um, yeah so yeah it, turning into like this huge epic and then also like we got to meet um what's his name shoot Michael Uslin off of this with the mile high party. Um, so we got to, t- you know, g- get a little early insight from him about how great the movie's going to be. And, um, yeah. Um, so I did not put this on my list for the aforementioned reasons because I haven't gone back to this movie since I stopped drinking. Um, but it was two days after the, um, the night, of everything going on. I went to the theater, the Greenwood village theater to see it in the morning. Uh, very loaded. Um, what I remember about watching that film in theaters was that in spite of what had happened, the theme of the movie itself was very poignant to how to, how to carry on because it is about, you know, ascending out of that darkness. Mm -hmm. So, um, and I will say I love Michael Caine's scene in the graveyard when he's talking about how he failed Tom and Martha. Um, I think it's one of the best acting moments Michael Caine got out of the franchise, to be honest. Um, and, uh, and Tom Hardy's great in it. He actually oh, yeah. is really good in it. You know? Well, I mean, and you, you know, you 
Bane was previously represented in Batman and Robin as a roided out guy and to to actually embrace because in the comics Bane is really smart um, to embrace that helped elevate the character. Um, All right. Do you want to say something else? Um, I forgot one of the things I was going to say, but because this is like a historical episode, I like I'll never forget. uh, I think it was your wife, me and James um, when they did the Aurora vigil we put on black trash bags and we put the Nightwing symbol on them and just stood out there as they, they did the vigil is burned in my brain forever. Like it was like a special, like I wish it wasn't needed <laughs> obviously, but um, you know, that's something you're not. Part- oh, the other thing I was talking, I was going to remember like when uh, Zach brought it up, like I haven't really thought about it in a long time, just how I haven't been to a midnight movie for an opening for a movie. Yeah. I think there's been one or two relatively shortly after that. I'd say for like five or six years now, other than like Esquire at the Midnight's, like I haven't gone to a movie and like remembering just like what a party it was when like the Avengers would come out at midnight or or Batman. And now that's just not a thing anymore. Yeah. The, the, a lot of what happened that night afterwards, because I worked in a movie theater at the time, uh, they started taking away the midnight screening slowly but surely. So. Yeah. And now it's, you know, Thursdays starting yeah, at I was seven. Say, it's yeah. earlier in, in the evening now. So, yeah. the But, but um, I mean, I guess Star Wars The Force Awakens had technically midnight screenings, but they were also starting early screenings at like five o'clock in the afternoon yeah. and whatnot. So. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. So, uh, Nightwing was Alex's favorite character. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was a fan of our podcast. And so it's, um, it's always an interesting thing because I, um, I, I do really enjoy that film and there is always that cloud over it, but, um, you know, that we're still here, we have to be able to compartmentalize all of that yeah. and, uh, move forward and, you know, that's all we can do and just be a good person and, um, keep going forward. The way one of the ways I've been able to help compartmentalize my issues with that night is being here in this room with you guys. So glad to have you, Zach. Um, Let's uh, let's bring. Yeah, let's for some whimsy. Let's uh, get Wes Anderson involved. Number 38 is the Grand Budapest Hotel. Thank God this made the list. Is this his best movie? (sighs) Wow, that's a loaded question. Mr. Fox. Well, that is good. I don't know. know. Yeah. Man, it's really hard for me. Like his movies are so quirky that I love things in each one of them. I don't know. I that's a tough question for me to answer. I love the Darjeeling Limited, but the ending of this one just goes in this unexpected direction I've never seen him go down. Yeah. Where I'm just like, dang, this might be his best movie because he's swinging for a fence here. There's still a lot of love for Rushmore out there. Oh yeah, yeah, Rushmore is great. As far as I like, for me, yeah, I think of the ones that we've watched, obviously this is the one that topped my list. Yeah. And obviously on a lot of people's list cuz it's number 38. So just so you know too, this is now when it's on a lot of people's list or people have them ranked really high. Mm-hmm. Um if you haven't seen a movie, you know like Frozen 2, you're like where is it? It's not going to make it. Um things like that. Pride Prejudice and Zombies. Um uh, Mank. <laughs> Mank. <laughs> uh Hell Caesar will not make it as well. Um, but yeah, this is an interesting time on list where people are going to be kind of heartbroken. You know, um, I just realized Hail Caesar is the only Coen Brothers movie that you guys have reviewed in the history of this show. Hmm. They've made, they've never made a bad movie. How is it that they haven't made this list? I've, you know, I don't know. Um, but <laughs> we also reviewed True Grit, so not really. Right? True Grit's 2010, my friend. Is it? Oh. Yeah. 
2008. Yeah, yeah. No, we don't know. We just talked about him a lot on the show because James yeah. and I exist. <laughs> um, number 37, you're welcome. It's Moana. Um, another wonderfully animated film with great music. Uh, it's just, I love movies that are just joyous. And this is one of those movies that's just really fun and happy. Dwayne The Rock Johnson has a wonderful Disney song in his repertoire. He sure does. You're welcome. And uh, Dwayne The Rock Johnson is uh, a corporation unto himself. He is uh, quite the entrepreneur. And what's cool about him is he does all types of movies. Yeah. Uh, I mean, in a while, he's doing like The Game Plan, The Tooth Fairy. Then he went back to kind of action films. And now he's, he's doing animated. But it's a good thing he had Vin Diesel to... Give him some tough love on how to be a good actor. Well, you know, here's what you got to do, Dwayne. You just got to have family in your life. <laughs> and what you've got to do is just run that that phrase into the ground for 20 fucking years. <laughs> Beautifully animated. Oh, I yeah. just love the, how the opening scene where Moana as a baby saves a little baby turtle just kind of encapsulates the whole movie in a nutshell. Oh yeah, it's it, the movie is stunning. This is uh, one of the first films me and my sister showed my nephew, um, and it's actually one of the first Blu-rays I ever gave my nephew because I got two copies, and I was like, "Here, this is start your movie collection." So he's, his first one is Moana. Uh, from happy musicals to sports drama, number thirty-six is Creed, which uh, to me makes the, what makes this movie so great is the scene where Stallone is talking to Adonis and he's telling him, you know. Uh, what's that he has cancer and all that stuff and he's you're not gonna amount to anything or when he's at the grave of his wife Mm -hmm. i think is pretty powerful because the whole first movie is all about you know adrian so i when when i i did not realize ryan coogler was the director but i had seen his film fruitvale station before this is a film you guys are specifically responsible for me seeing because i didn't want to see it until you guys were like praising it to the stars and i'm like all right fine i gotta i guess i gotta check out creed it's fucking great. Hell yeah. Creed. Yeah, Creed's one of those films that I, like, I run into people a lot who, like, have not seen it. It's specifically because they have, did not see or did not like the Rocky films. Mm-hmm. And I tell them, no matter what your opinion is of the Rocky films, everyone should see Creed. Because Creed is fantastic, and it stands alone very, very well. Uh, Absolutely. One of the best sports films made in the past decade, definitely. I, I don't disagree. But the next film is a sports film as well. And it's about oh, a rivalry. Yeah. It's Ford v. Ferrari. Um, dad the movie. <laughs> no, this My film, dad actually loves this movie. Uh, <laughs> well, yeah, because it's intense and seeing it in the theater is I incredible. I got him the Blu-ray for Christmas, birthday, something. And he d- ha- had to wait till I came home to watch it. My biggest surprise is like, I'm not a car guy, but I love this movie. And I'm surprised that it's this high because I didn't think anyone but me loved this movie. It's on my list. No, I love this movie. I no, put it on there because the, the, the second time I saw it in the theater with you at the Westminster Alamo, just, uh, I, I, my, my, my mind shifted. And I think being in a theater with the sound in, that, in the big show was a big selling point as to why I made it that high. It's so hard for me to watch it at home now because I don't have that sound design in my room i I haven't done it again either and that's partially why (laughs) uh this is another film i think was on everybody's list too i don't think it was on yours actually i don't remember but i know it was on all of ours yeah um so um yeah i'm talking about ford v ferrari oh no it was on my list that's what i was saying i was saying i'm pretty sure it's on everybody's list um, so yeah, it's another one that everybody had on their list and was ranked kind of high. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's a good time. 
Hey, from one band of misfits to another, Guardians of the Galaxy makes the list at number 34. All right. How much money did James Gunn pay you to make this <laughs> list? Too low. <laughs> <laughs> Brad's uh, like, if only this had come out a few weeks later, we could have included the Suicide Squad on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's... Yeah, it'll, it'll make it. Um, yeah, Guardians of the Galaxy is one of those films that when you see it, say, what the fuck is Marvel doing? And this is the film, too, that when Marvel made it, I said, they know what they're doing. I don't know what they could do would possibly be wrong. Um, I look at Eternals, and I'm just like, I, how is this going to be good? Then I think about, oh, well, they made Guardians of the Galaxy, so I, I'm pretty sure they know what they're doing. Yeah. Yeah, and Eternals definitely has a different feel to it. Um, you can tell that it's... Yeah, it's a different filmmaker. It feels more ethereal. Yeah. It's, it's <laughs> gonna, I was thinking the same thing. It's going to be interesting. You but get that, get that feeling like there's an aura around it that's only so, um, attainable by meditation. It's it almost like the same vibe that the Dune trailer's thrown off. Yeah. yeah. It's kind of like space. So do you think there's going to be um, fantasy. like a family sitting down at dinner scene for the Spider-Man trailer too? Because Black Widow had it. Eternals <laughs> has it. It'd be sweet if it was uh, Tom Holland, Tobey Maguire, and Andrew Garfield. Like, okay, that will be. Like, I would want to see that. going to a bodega and getting a sandwich or something. This is Kevin Feige's O'Selznick way of commenting on family dinners, which is his theme throughout the entirety of the MCU. I think in Shang Chi, he's eating dinner with his dad. <laughs> in that, yeah, that comes out in a couple of weeks too. Good time to be a Marvel fan. Yeah, Guardians of the Galaxy is awesome. Chris Pratt, superstar. I love in Parks and Rec how they explained how he got ripped. In Parks and Rec, they like he in the middle of the season. He just stopped drinking yeah, soda. He just stopped drinking beer. And uh, so because they were filming in London at the end of one season, and then they came back to London for the second part mm-hmm. for the season like premiere. Season six premiere. Yeah, and London, then yeah. but from then to then, he was in Guardians and lost tons of weight and got ripped. And he explained it by drink, stopping drinking beer. But it was literally the next day in the show. It's, it's really funny. Uh, the next film, number 33, is awesome. It's the Lego movie. Um, Same year. Yeah. Uh, a film that you didn't know if you would like, but it is awesome. This is one of my early episodes with you guys, too. This is also, You know why I remember this episode the most, Ryan? Because this was the day that a certain person who isn't here to defend himself made the bold proclamation that Martin Scorsese is not talking to him. <laughs> yeah, I think going into this, you heard a Lego movie like, oh, here's a bunch of a, a commercial cash grab just to like sell toys. But it is that. But also it's a really good. It's a good movie. <laughs> Anybody who grew up with Lego knows that the spaceman always breaks his little like helmet and is cute little things like that that everybody loved and related to. The craftsmanship in this these movies is pretty great. Oh, yeah. My favorite thing is Morgan Freeman's character when he dies, when he comes back as an apparition, he's just a ghost hanging on a piece of wire. Like the small details of like how if you look closely, you can see like fingerprints on like, <laughs> yes. all the Legos too. Like it's like it, the amount of detail they go to is, excru- I can't even imagine like how they made this movie. It's crazy. It's super impressive. Liam Neeson playing good cop and bad cop. Yep. Oh, yeah. Oh, hey, buddy. Um, I'm going to fucking quit. I cannot believe this is the next film on here. This thing is a piece of fucking shit. It's Magnificent Seven. Oh. It's too low. It's too low, guys. Uh, number 32 is Brad's magnum opus. 
Jean-Claude Van Damme's damn van. I believe I put this on my list. I had it on my list. Everybody had it on our, their list. It's number 21. And I, and I was going to, I thought I was really clever when I put it on my list because you put it really high. So I put, I don't remember I put it on my list. And that's why I was telling us, oh, there's a movie on there. We're going to totally fucking get these guys on. And then everybody put it on their list. I'm like, oh, this isn't as fun now. Well, <laughs> this is unique because we actually have the filmmaker in the room. I know. Brad, what was your inspiration for uh, Jean-Claude Van Damme's damn van? Nobody cares. Uh, my friend Adam uh, sent me a link to a contest, and I did it. <laughs> <laughs> Except uh, I was like, I can't make this in a week, so let's just do it in eight months and not do the contest. Okay, so Henry, you need to stretch out that statement into an entire visual essay for the Criterion edition of this movie. <laughs> you got it. I'm on it. <laughs> New video essay by film critic Ryan Frost. <laughs> I want to see the commentary track for that. You have a pair of it. you have a pair of fake glasses on, just going like, "What is it about John Claude's Van Damme that has still struck the American public to this day?" Well, I'll tell you what it is. It's very simple. That justice is gross. <laughs> I maintain that the DVD is coming out and it will have a commentary track. So don't give up on it. A DVD. A Blu-ray. Okay. Yeah. I was gonna say Ryan's getting triggered over yeah, there. Gross. I'm gonna DVDs. wait. I'm gonna wait for the Betamax version if you don't mind. <laughs> done so yeah congrats brad i know you spent a lot of time on that um i mean he kind of also didn't say that the contest was um, supposed to be a minute long with random clips of van damme and brad took every single clip and incorporated them into this film and wrote a film around van damme shooting a gun and looking around and stuff so i i'm frankly also, so, he has a damn van in it you know i frankly like i've been around the colorado film scene for a while but i kind of i don't I don't participate in this as actively as Brad. And frankly, the fact that you're not being asked 500 ways to Sunday to, you know, create these awesome things or even get a feature is beyond me because this is like a shining example of what you can do with all the determination in your head. Like, sir, it's one of the reasons why you're a filmmaker I look up to. So also, do we have some of the actors in the room? I am technically in a commercial. Yeah. yeah. I'm in a commercial. In the background. For it, yeah. yeah. I put on a tinfoil hat. <laughs> that was... Uh, but I think uh, I think it's just a matter of like people locally are obsessed with making money off of films, and rightfully so. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, you got to make money. Just making movies with friends is a bit of a luxury these days to be able to do. So, um, a privilege. Making so, movies is expensive. Yeah. So. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I learned that. And like. And time consuming. I'm forever grateful for everyone that gave me their free time to do it. Um, but I, I still kind of resent myself for not being able to have the funds to pay people to do these things. So um, hopefully that'll change. Wait, you never told me you were grateful for me. You just hit me over the head with a pan and told me to go to work. Well, hopefully they get the merch for free and then it all evens out, right? You, you, you know what, Ryan? It just means he loves you more than the rest of That's us. That's true. Uh, <laughs> the hitting means love. <laughs> uh, number 31 is a sci-fi horror film called Annihilation. That's the other one that X Mach. <laughs> Brad fucking left. Brad, come back. Done with this show. <laughs> so this Go is. <laughs> this was one of the movies that when Film Explosion came around, I think this was what 2019. Mm -hmm. I know Henry had it on his list, and it, maybe somebody else. Yeah, it was number one. So I obviously listened to the episode, and I was like, if I ever get the chance, I'm watching this movie based on Henry and the other nerds' recommendations. So then I did. 
and it's really good. Mm-hmm. So that's why when this list came around, I was like, I'm putting Annihilation on the list. It's really good. It's, this is the same guy who did Ex Machina, and this yeah. the release of this film was fucking botched because Paramount doesn't know what to fucking do. Yeah, I mean, I, the only thing I could say is the movie is very bizarre, mm-hmm. but it's really well done. Um, it definitely needs more love, and we gave it the love it needs. It's number 31 out of 100 films. The ending, That's pretty high. I'm going to tell you, the, what, the ending reminds me of a Kubrick movie, but in a way that doesn't frustrate the shit out of me. Yeah, <laughs> no, I, that's a good point. Um, another puzzle, and this is also just one picture. So um, when Brad reveals this, it's going to be quick. Lean in, because you're going to have to pay close attention to figure out this one. Hmm. Lincoln lawyer. Hmm. Oh, Lincoln. There it is. So, uh, number 30 is Lincoln. And I got really bad news for James. This was his number one film. Um, but I think only him and I had it on our list. (laughs) So, um, yeah, that's why it ended up here, but this is a fantastic film with a fantastic actor getting to play the role of Lincoln in his last few months of his presidency and his life. Um, I like this more than JCVD. <laughs> uh, no, it's just we like it different. <laughs> but more people liked JCVD than this movie. True. Yeah. See? So you got, you got quality more versus quantity, pick um, your poison. No, um, I, I guess I didn't see that this was on the listing then because it would have been on my list because I love this movie. It's one of those episodes I think there's more than one um, film that, for it, correct? Yeah, okay. Then because it's Christmas as well. Gotcha. But yeah, gotcha. it's a fantastic film, wonderfully made. Um, I wish James was here to wax poetically about it. Yep. Okay. Um, then I just just wasn't paying attention. But everybody talks about Daniel Day Lewis and he's genius in this. Tommy Lee Jones. Yeah. Tommy Lee Jones. In oh, this yeah. movie is fucking amazing. Yeah, the whole film is great. Yep. Um, all right, guys, more trivia, and this mm. is how much you pay attention to me. All right. I try not to. Carrie Grant. That's fine. <laughs> Close. <laughs> Who is the best smelling celebrity ever? Carrie Grant. <laughs> James Marston. Oh, James Marston. James Marston. Mmm. No. That's a different person. James Marsters. Oh, there you go. James Marsters. The guy from Buffy oh. or something. Spike. So, guys, have I ever told you this story? So, there I was, oh Denver Comic Con. No! no! <laughs> and I call him out on stage. Brad, no, I don't want to see that make that pencil disappear. You know what? You know what, Ryan? I don't, I don't remember how, but I remember this guy came up in context of something recently, and I remember seeing the name and thinking, "That's the best smelling celebrity." <laughs> yes, <laughs> according to Ryan, anyway. I know. I, I tell that story all the time, and I actually, because um, I've been watching Buffy, and I posted about it, and my former chief, his wife, said, "Oh, I love Buffy," and I said, "I tell the story that's been ten years old." And everybody hates it, but I love it because he smells. <laughs> Only because you tell it so, so much. We it's actually not a bad we, story. Ryan, we don't hate it because you know I tell stories multiple times no. too. We just this is a particular situation where we have to go. We know. <laughs> yeah, no, no, like, it's, it's just a long running joke. I'm pretty sure you told me this story the first time I was ever like officially on an episode, probably, and that was five years ago. So I don't. I feel bad for these totally. guys. They've had five more years of it. Corinne, we you need to you need to eliminate him to break the spell. <laughs> okay, uh, the next question guys is two parts this one's worth two points we'll do two points on this one brad okay um which rock and roll icon does ryan do a spot-on impression of which action star 
Oh, you do Stallone for the action star. Bruce Springsteen and Sylvester Stallone. Wow. Um, let me tell you a story about uh, <laughs> Springsteen, the boss. You know, when I was growing up in Philadelphia, I had to. You grew up in why, New Jersey, but whatever. What? Considering how much you love Rod Stewart, why wouldn't it be him? Because uh, I can't do an English guy very well. And you can't. You need to work on that, Ryan. Yeah. That'll be the. Yeah. <laughs> oh, look, sing about rock and roll. That's more like Paul McCartney. <laughs> work no, on this it is for the like episodes. Yeah, totally. Well, and I don't know. I don't know, but Bruce Springsteen's really easy because if you've seen his storytellers or watch him do a performance, yeah. it's always like really gravelly and just, you know, when I wrote this song is about being born in the USA. <laughs> can I, can I, I, I won't beat your impression, but can I try to match it for yes. a second? Okay. And you see me, I can stand by every no. All right. Yeah. No, this is Tom Waits. <laughs> Here we go. I'll, I'll do both of them so okay. you guys can see the difference. Okay. Come on, Come on, where you hear me? Um, and here, let me do Tom Waits for you. That's early. Now, now I can do Latter Day for you. God, so wait, oh business! I freaking shredded my vocal cords. (laughs) I know how Bruce does it. Uh, Scoring update: Uh, Henry has fallen far behind with three. Uh Oh. I'm coming for you, Rhea. <laughs> uh, Corinne has shot ahead with a six total, and Zach is just running away with it with 11. Zach's I'm seriously 11. like, I like shredded my vocals doing that. Did I ever tell you that story about how I shredded my vocals? on? <laughs> it, this doesn't happen when you do Young Springsteen because you go, like, I get up in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm more like Dirty Harry. Um, all right, rolling along to a side of a building now. Uh, Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol is number 29 and the highest ranked Mission Impossible on our list, which is really shocking because I think Fallout's the best movie out of this series. But I disagree. I would agree. Thank I'm... you, Henry. You and me, only ones who had it on our list in the Listen, right spot. Again, I Ryan and I have Ghost the best taste. It was just so much fun. I, I thought the the setup and the structure of the the set piece of scaling that building, it, it goes into such detail and uh, complexity of how that whole sequence plays off. I thought it was one of the most inventive things up to that point of like act for action movies in a long time. Um, but I don't think the other two, while also entertaining, haven't matched that. Um, like, yeah, uh, Tom Cruise is hanging out the side of an airplane, but that's not as complicated as like, you know, he's got to scale this with this magnetic suction cup and then it drops and he's only got one and he has to swing down. And just when you think he's going to go into the broken window, he f- hits his head on it and flips and falls even farther. Um, yeah, it was just a great work from Brad Bird there. Uh, will you tell it to Tom Cruise who actually hung on the side of an airplane? Okay. <laughs> I mean, I haven't seen ghost protocol all the way through, but I think the opera house scene, while it doesn't have the same like s- just cinematic level, uh, is good. I love the opening title sequence of the movie after they do the cold open because Brad Bird clearly knew how to have fun with the whole TV element of it and kind of give you like a opening credit with that with the with the fuse going up to the dynamite and whatnot with the theme. I just, uh, I just I just dig it. It's so much fun. 
Also, I'm pretty sure Sawyer from Lost is at the very beginning of the movie. He, he gets is. killed very quickly. Very quickly. Sad. Uh, he, he pops up, I think, later on, too, as like some flashbacks. But yeah, he does die very fast. I think it's purposely set up that way where you expect him to be in there longer. And then he's assassinated. Hey, from one Tom Cruise movie to the next, Emily Blunt also makes another appearance in Edge of Tomorrow or Live, Die, Repeat. Which or is, All You Need Is Kill. All You Need Is Kill. Um, another one where they kind of messed up the marketing of the film, um, but the movie is awesome. And it's... Uh, I mean, all you need to really market this movie is just a Groundhog Day, but an action movie with Tom Cruise and Emily Blunt. And like a billion people would have been in the theater. Yeah, because I remember the trailer. They really emphasized, too, that uh, push up that Emily Blunt does. And if they just saw her throughout the rest of the film, she's so much more than like this. I don't know. I guess it's trying to be sexy. But, um, you know, I, I always think the heart of this film is there's a part where Tom Cruise and Emily Blunt are driving and you realize that he's done this hundreds of times and she doesn't know it and how the emotional toll is on him. Right. And Um, I actually love the fact that in this universe, multiple people have gone through this kind of loop effect. So it's like, even though she doesn't know him the way he knows her because mm -hmm. of the repeated day structure, she understands what it's like to be in that situation. Yep. I love that movie. One of Emily Blunt's best. This made my list for the best films of the 2010s, which is on the Real Nerds website. So if you're listening to this at home, you should go check that out. Which rightfully should. Um, number 27 is a musical, and that is La La Land, starring Emma Stone. This is that movie that Henry's not so wild about, isn't it? <laughs> I don't know why I have this reputation. I do like this movie. I just really like Moonlight. Henry so. hates this movie. <laughs> Henry hates Joy. <laughs> I don't know. I just, I don't know. I think no. it's a fun enough movie. It's, I don't know if it's on my list, honestly, but. It is not. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it was on mine, but I have not watched this since theaters. So you, me, and I think James had it pretty really high and you had it on your list too yeah i so. did i did but the caveat is like for whatever reason i like keeping that memory of it being in the theater and i have not watched it on blu-ray since oh yeah i just watched it on ultra it's pretty great okay but i, I did the cool thing where i took it because i have the steel book that's really nice for the blu-ray so i yeah. took the ultra hd and put it in there smart boy um, that's that's what i do Yeah, I also got to see it at the Museum of Nature and Science because they presented it there. And they also did like a symphony concert. So at the Betcher Concert Hall, they did like the orchestra mm-hmm. accompanying the movie. So that's why it's high on my list. Very cool. Hey, anyone ask for Spider-Man? Because here he comes. Captain America Civil War is number 26 on the list. I mean, he's in it, but it's not a Spider-Man movie. Um, He's pretty important in it. Yeah, but we're going to get to better Spider-Man movie later on. Uh, let's be debatable. Let's be honest, guys. Spider-Man's great in this movie, but you know what the best part of this movie, right, is? Fucking T'Challa, baby. War machine. Oh, you know what? Yes. <laughs> uh, no, T'Challa is a great element of this. Giant Man. It's fun. It's awesome. It's a great It's a great bit, but T'Challa it's- is the best character in this movie and he's like I the, agree. like, fifth build person. Ah, see, I, don't know. I think actually the best moment in this film, and this is why I love this stuff, is when Tony and uh, Steve are arguing about who's right. Oh, yeah. And there's a great uh, moment where they're at each other's throats, 
and then you know at the end spoilers oh wait this is winter soldier um but no it's still work i can't fuck is it the I'm, one with the I'm fdr tired. pen no it's uh that son of a bitch killed my mom is fucking awesome. Oh, oh yeah, when they're it's it's yeah. at the it's in the climax. It's yeah, when he breaks the shield. Yeah. So I just love those moments and um, yeah, and so yeah, Spider Man makes an appearance, which makes it instantly incredible, and he steals his uh, you know Captain America shield. I I'm such a nerd that when I saw that trailer and he you know he's like Underoos, I'm like oh oh here he comes, and then he grabbed the tr- oh fuck I love it and the eyes like did the thing. I love when Hawkeye and Black Panther are facing off against each other. He says, we haven't met. I'm Clint. And he goes, I don't care. (laughs) (laughs) But yes, Black Panther had a great introduction to the Marvel Universe as well. I mean, he goes through like a complete arc in the 20 minutes of screen time that he has. Yeah, it's, I mean, the way they changed it, the the way they changed it from the comic book is pretty interesting. Um, In the comic book, uh, a guy who a villain who can set off a nuclear blast mm-hmm. set it off in a neighborhood in this one they actually put the avengers per, uh directly responsible in that i think it was the young avengers i can't remember it's from 2006 so. it's funny because since he gets this arc in here and because of the way black panther solo movie is set up you can watch black panther in some respects without needing a lot of mcu setup oh yeah i agree yeah. like the black panther is a standalone film that yeah, doesn't it doesn't have the. It has elements of the MCU around yeah, it, but it's yeah. not required. Like I can no. show this to my folks, you know. Yeah, no, and they it's... do give a lot of important moments that set up stuff later in the MCU, like Wanda and Vision starting to connect. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, true. And you know, Paul Bettany's really good. War in this Machine. Movie too. Oh yeah. yeah. Now that I think about it, there's not really a weak link in that movie whatsoever. Yep. No, it's great film. That's why it's number twenty six on our list, guys. Speaking of another great looking film, number twenty five is. Blade Runner 2049, which uh, our favorite French director makes another appearance, and he's the right guy to direct this film, in my opinion. Is he French or Canadian? Yeah. It's French Canadian. French Canadian, so Whatever. half and half. <laughs> 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 yeah, free universal health care, and they make great food. I um, love how this movie subverts the kind of, ch- ch- not chosen one necessarily, but it's just kind of like, you know, the protagonist thinks that he's like super special, but then you realize that the quote special person was somebody else the entire time. Yeah. yeah. And the reason that he thinks he's so special is because of who this other person is. Yeah, no, it's a awesome movie. It's good. I mean, this was the year that I had finally watched the first Blade Runner mm. for the first time. So I was already kind of in a fever pitch mode sure. and, Dave Bautista is really good in his little scene there too. Yeah, the Evangelist score from the original is so iconic, and I think the the score for this one is equally like impressive. Like, I can't wait to get to the credits and it, like kicks into that like electronic, bassy, dreadful sound. It's great. It's slow, but it moves. Yeah, and it looks good. It lets it lets itself breathe a lot. And I like how they uh, is it Joy that's like the AI that he kind of falls yeah. in love with. And how like that meshes into the world with the prostitute or yeah, whatever. It's, it's a it's I it's a sci fi film like the original that really makes you think, mixed in with these huge action pieces and um it's yeah, it's an awesome movie. And that's how I And am... actually the action pieces aren't the parts of it I remember. Oh no, no. I remember the kind of quiet character moments and the visuals. 
And that's how I imagine you going up to Harrison Ford at his house. Um, it's just he's disheveled and he just shoots you because he wants you off his property. Yeah. <laughs> also, Jared Leto plays the bad guy, as he should. Yeah, we don't need to talk about that. <laughs> Man, if one actress could make another appearance right now, it'd be awesome. Number 24 is Sicario. Hey, yeah, back guy, to back. Guys, by the way, I just got a dinner invitation from Benicio Del Toro. Do you guys want to come? <laughs> uh, no. <laughs> I heard he kills kids. Um, this movie is maybe one of the most uncomfortable I've ever been in a th- movie theater because it does a great job of putting you in the shoes of Emily Blunt's character mm-hmm. where you don't know really what's going on and you're just along for the ride and you know the people that you're on the ride with are horrible people. Yeah. You, whether it's the United States government, whether it's the drug cartel, it's and even Emily Blunt isn't the best person. There's and, no, there's no like there's no uh, there's no like glory glorious savior here. No, like it's it's an it's a tale of like amorality kind of like yeah, that. and it's yeah, and gray yeah, gray morality because you know you when Benicio del Toro at the end gets to the villa of the cartel and the only reason it's pure revenge because after that they've already got the drugs they've already you know done whatever and he walks up and he's having dinner with his kids. Uh, the drug cartel guy who's responsible for his kid's death and stuff. And he's just telling, you know, tell them to eat. And then they're just talking and talking. Then really quick, it's boom, boom, boom. He shoots all of them except for the, you know, the drug cartel. Yeah. So he can see his whole family die. You're like, fuck. And then it has an epilogue where he goes to Emily Blunt's apartment and tells her that you're going to sign this. And we did everything right. And then puts a gun to her mouth and says, do it or I'm going to kill you. That's <laughs> I'm just getting tense thinking about it. Yeah. So one of the reasons why I didn't see this movie right away, despite your recommendation was because I, I got the feeling that I was just in for a dread mood. And when I did watch it, I'm like, yeah, I got into a dread mood, but goddamn, that was good. Yeah. It's a movie. I, I watch quite a bit just cause I love how it's constructed mm-hmm. and I love this. Um, it has a great message about the cycle of violence and yeah. revenge yeah. with like that. I think it's, like the last shot is like the kid playing soccer yep. whose dad got killed earlier in the movie. Yep. And you just get the sense of like, he is now going to, you know, or he could one day go on this journey of revenge yeah, and, against and Benicio Del Toro's character, the way Benicio Del Toro's character went on a quest of revenge. against. And it's, yeah, it's just a, a continuous cycle because even then the little boy's playing soccer and his dad's dead, but he, life goes on and you still have to do it. And it's, it's a really fascinating film. Villain the way they lets you sit in an uncomfortable reality. Yeah. Um, and Dale the Soldado is actually a really good follow-up. I think so, too. I would love to see a third outing from, from this. That's not a franchise. <laughs> I don't think we're going to get a third one. I don't think so, either. Um, number 23 is an Academy Award winner. Parasite is number 23. You guys like this more than JCVD? <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's, uh, it's a film that I... Uh, well, it's Parasite. It's coming eventually. Um, I wasn't in love with it as much as a lot of people were, but it's a really uh, interesting film. It's uh, it's so well made. Like I, it's like I said, it's one of those movies that it's depressing, but I can't really find like a flaw with it. Like the acting's great, the set, the the way it's shot, and just the tension throughout, and it's. I mean, it is violent, but it's not, like, so violent that it just, you know... That's really reserved for the end. It uses violence appropriately, if that makes sense. I think it... um, 
I think it manages to pull off twists in a way that is conceivable and satisfying. And it's so beautifully constructed that you can't not recognize it in the time frame that we've been doing this show. It's a movie that just watching it as a filmmaker, you're like, this is something that's so meticulously plotted out. This is Hitchcockian. Um, you, you just can't imagine ever achieving that kind of detail. Yeah. Henry, we know you really like this movie. What do you oh, think? I, I've seen this movie a ton of times. I recently watched this one again uh, last week. Uh, I watched the black and white cut. Uh, and it, this movie is incredible. I, th- I mean, every time I watch it, I know something else that's in the film. Uh, and I, and I re- we were re- my girlfriend and I were looking at the, I, uh, the new series that they're making. And how they're basically expanding on all of these unanswered questions that I didn't know were unanswered questions. And like, there's just so much small detail that they're going to expand on in that that I'm just very excited about. Uh, and I think it's one of those films that just, uh, I don't know, it's so layered, it's so complex, but so perfectly intertwined with itself. And it's also uh, very it's so timely. Small, small, so many small details that develop all the characters so well. Uh, like, the, the metal is never really talked about, but, like, that the mom used to be, like, this big athlete. Uh, and how, like, how she's kind of dealing with that is such a small detail that adds so much to her character, but is never talked about. Uh, and I don't know, there's there's so much to this film that I think is perfectly crafted. Uh, and, yeah, I mean, I don't know, I think this one's fucking perfect. Uh, it's on Letterboxd, it's currently considered the greatest film ever made, which might be hyperbole. But uh, I do think that, looking back on it, we will look back on this film as one of the greatest films ever made. Did you watch the uh, VFX breakdown for this movie, Henry? Not yet. Oh, well, I, I watched some of it like a long time ago, but I'm not sure if it's the same one that you're talking about. Uh, the thing that stuck, stood out to me was how much of the movie and a lot of it is CGI. Oh, yeah. And you would never notice. Like, it's, yeah. it's like everything that Christopher Nolan does CGI in a movie times 10. Like, yeah. it just blows your mind that you you look at it and like not believe that this, the simplest things are computer generated in that movie was well, like, i remember i saw that like a lot of the out any shot that's at the house but it's in the yard is like green screen which is shocking to me and so yeah it's a very timely film and it's a universal film despite being set in korea and filmed in korean you know it's a message and a theme that transcends culture and time i think class and justice uh this is another heavy hitter film. I mean, we just had seriously, it just keeps rolling. Uh, number 22 is 21 Jump Street, um, which is, uh, I recently rewatched it and it is really, really funny. Um, just everything is just pitch perfect in this film. This was hard to rank just because 22 Jump Street is also really great. And so let's, you know, it's tough to be like, do I want to put both those on the list because they deserve to? Or, you know, do you want to free up some space for something else that should be on there that's different? Because in my mind, like in my, in my eyes, they're equally as funny. But this one came first and, uh, you know, I, I didn't grow up watching the TV show, but I've since seen, since seen some of the TV show. And it's a tough watch because <laughs> it's so melodramatic. Um, and the movies are not like that. Sh- like in weird ways that they do honor the show like there are a lot of inside jokes um while also being like not directly related uh so it's really clever how they update that show for this 
Um, and I think this is the best version of that. If only it had been at number 21. I know. I, we, is we, we 21 going to be that. 22 Jump Street? <laughs> that would have been awesome. Look at you, uh, your, your tongue sticking. I don't like that. Put it back in your mouth. <laughs> I, I, one of my favorite jokes that is just kind of like glazed over is when um, Jonah Hill's character Doug is comes out as Peter Pan in the play. And Rob Riggle, who's a teacher there, says, boo, fuck you, Doug. <laughs> and thinks it's funny. It's totally stupid, but it's awesome. Um, yeah, it's a great film. Um, yeah, this is a terrifying film, truly. Number 21 is Evil Dead, which is yeah. a remake of The Evil Dead. But is it? No, it's actually a... I don't even want to say it's a reboot. I think it's just a different take on it. Um, it's one of those films that I saw that I didn't know if a remake would be a good idea, but man, it's brutal and it's a hell of a watch. Yeah. It's a film that I, I was unsure of too, especially I'm not as, I was not as versed at the time on the franchise as I would end up being thanks to knowing you, but I loved the idea of them throwing in the idea of addiction as the catalyst yeah, and how it ends up playing a big part in the puzzle of the film itself. Um, and it was the scene with the tongue. Um, I had to get out of the theater and throw up in a trash can because <laughs> it just it just got to me. I don't know why, but I, I saw this as a sneak preview. Mm-hmm. I was really lucky. I just got this a- email and I went with my friends. It says, "Hey, come to the University of Colorado. We're going to show a, a film, and we're not going to tell you what it is." But my like, spider sense was telling me it's probably Evil Dead. Cause it was, and when you got there, they gave you like those bags you had to put your cell phone in yeah. that, uh, you know, these give you at comedy clubs and seeing it in a room of a thousand college kids and people just being grossed out and it was pretty awesome. Um, I had to do that, uh, cell phone in the bag for Bruno. No, <laughs> good, good, good for Bruno. Yeah. So evil dead 21. Um, so, you know, guys, 20 is another puzzle and this one is, um, yeah, it was a little tough. Yep. All right. Everybody ready? Star Wars The Force Awakens. Nailed it. Ooh. Holy shit, Corinne. That's impressive. (laughs) (laughs) Well, F equals MA kind of gave it away. (laughs) Yes. So listening at home, there's a picture of the sun, which is a star. And then there's a picture of war. Um, Star Wars, and then there's uh, a physics equation: force equals mass times acceleration. And uh, dude, waking up. <laughs> uh, so yeah, number twenty is Star Wars: The Force Awakens. I was waiting for a Star Wars movie to be on here. Well, I guess Besides we had Rogue, Rogue One. One, but I mean, you know, one of the trilogy movies, and that. I mean, I still think we're gonna get the Last Jedi at some point, but hmm, Force maybe. Awakens is. I mean, it better be on there. Uh, Force Awakens is great. Oh, it's it's one of those films that I saw that rekindled my love of Star Wars because I mean I, I'm okay with the prequel trilogy. I mean I I'm one of the few here that I actually really adore Revenge of the Sith. You're um, you're correct. And shut but, up, Brad. <laughs> but but seeing Star Wars: The Force Awakens is just a happy trip. You know, it's seeing the things you want to see, and then I love the character Ray. Um, Han Solo is amazing. Um, Kylo Ren is a worthy adversary and how the, how 
the empire evolves, I think, is really fascinating as well. It's not only fascinating, it also ended up being timely in many respects. And it's really the excitement around this film was so much fucking fun. I did the did any of you guys do the Star Wars uh did any of you guys do the Star Wars marathon where they did all six before this one? I did it at the AMC in Westminster. One of the most fun days of my life, even though I was still in the dark zone of my life. Mm-hmm. Like I sat there for the entire day watching Star Wars and then got to Force Awakens and it was magical. Yeah, for years, I think when we started the podcast, they short like shortly after we started, they announced the Disney Disney had bought Star Wars. And so for a good three or four years, you know, we waited to find out what they were going to produce and uh yeah it's it's kind of just the original star wars uh but updated um soft reboot yeah, yeah. um uh, but yeah it was a lot of fun like going to the alamo and seeing this like three times in a row uh with everybody so i mean there's just something magical about seeing that just bombast of you know like the opening crawls and the big star wars and the john williams score coming up and it's kind of unparalleled what are you going to do? Same thing I always do. Talk my way out of it. Yes, I do. Every time. <laughs> and bringing back the filmmaking to, like, it's on film again instead of shot digitally. And, uh, like, in the prequels, everything feels plasticky and, like, everyone's standing in a green screen room and uh, Abrams and his crew, uh, you know, make everything feel like the original trilogy yeah. uh, visually and uh, aesthetically. And uh, it's a... It's really just a shame they didn't plan out all three of them all at once. It's not a perfect film, but it has a lot of great elements that end up kind of being perfect for this new era of Star Wars. Yep. Yep. All right. Trivia time. What awful hyphenated phrase does Ryan occasionally say that should probably put out to pasture? Holy shnikes. Horse dicks. <gasps> oh. So close. A horse cock. Eat a dick. Horse cock. It's Um, horse fucking. (laughs) It's horse fucking. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, uh, at least once a year, I mention uh, horse fucking for some unknown reason. Put out to pasture. Why didn't we? Oh my god. That's that. uh, Brad changed the the question to make it more creative. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I was super Um, close with the. I don't know why I started doing that and. <laughs> so does this count as it? For yeah, it's my year? once okay. a year horse fucking. Yeah, um, it's a reference to like something you should be saying to James's mom. <laughs> oh yeah, it's definitely. Sorry, Carol. I say that a lot. Um, what was the name of the character Brad was originally going to play on the podcast? Bradbot. <laughs> Is Bradbot? Well, you know, Bradbot made somebody happy. <laughs> no, we haven't. Really you, can't, met- you can't see it, but I was dancing. <laughs> We haven't mentioned on the show yet, but uh, Real Nerds wasn't the original incarnation of this idea. Uh, Originally, James and Ryan wanted to do their own movie podcast, and they were going to call it uh, Ryan and the Wookiee. But, you know, the Wookiee might run into some copyright issues later on. And so, uh, magically, I don't know why Real Nerds was available as an internet address. Uh, There was a Twitter presence and, like, a Tumblr. Yeah. And uh, we are like, well, that's just one other person. I think we can do our own and... We're a podcast. We're not just like a review website. Yeah, exactly. We're better than a review website. Yeah. Speaking of which, we should all hang out. We should go to pubs. 
but be careful because it could be the world's end. Um, the world's end comes in at number 19. Edgar Wright makes another appearance on here. The so one of his pick. movies I still haven't seen. Ooh, that's a shame because so this good. is his best movie. Yeah. Uh, sure. It is. Um, I love the shit out of this movie. It is. Grow- yes. It has grown more important to me. The older I get, the more years go by. Um, I think that out of all the Cornetto films, this one has a moment that absolutely cements it as one of the most emotionally resonant films Edgar Wright's ever made, and it comes in the form of Simon Pegg, I would argue, giving his best performance in these this trilogy of films. Um, it's Is it the most fun? No, I think Sean and Hot Fuzz are much more fun, but this one has a lot of solid character work and solid storytelling going on that it's like it's a perfect sci-fi movie it's a perfect comedy in a lot of respects and it just it it hits all the cylinders it it, it's a fucking wonderful movie yeah there's just a lot of like just structure stuff too like just from a screenwriting standpoint it's Mm -hmm. very impressive how like how much foreshadowing there is how many hints there are to like kind of what's to come uh, I think it's great. Uh, it's, it, I, I'll repeat basically anything that Zach has said. I, I think this is also like Roy's best film. It's mo- his most personal and most heartfelt. I think as well. Yeah, it is a good one. We're going from a heartfelt film to one that will live forever. Number eighteen is Black Panther, um, which is an incredible film. It's, I mean, yeah, it's. I don't know what else to say about it. It's just a great film. It seems so surface level at first, but then every time you go back to it, you appreciate more details and more of the complexity of the characters and the dynamics among them. And it's just so personal. And it's just like a great movie. I don't know if I would put Killmonger as the top MCU villain, but he is definitely in the top five. He's one of the most understanding because yeah. I think for it to be a great villain is you have to understand their motivation. Yeah. And you understand his motivation very clearly. There's in like film. that scene with his dad in the afterlife mm-hmm. that just gives such a great la- layer of complexity to him that he wouldn't have otherwise. And I think um, Bozeman himself with the conflicts with his father in the afterworld um, are some of the most wonderful acting moments Bozeman had in his career and to carry all this on your shoulders the way he did like a champ like it's it's it obviously very fucking much sucks that we're not getting him for Black Panther 2 but um he left behind a wonderful performance and a wonderful film it's a still a master class for the MCU hands down I love buddy movies that are really funny and number 17 is The Nice Guys. Oh, that's 10 less than it should be. <laughs> Ryan Gosling and uh, Russell Crowe. Shane Black. It's it's right in Shane Black's wheelhouse, but it's elevated by the lead actors in it. And it's funny and well-constructed. I, I fucking love this movie. Yeah, it's a wonderful film. Um, you had it really high on your list this time, Zach. I was shocked. I know I did. Because <laughs> um, it has grown more in my estimation, but also, um, this is—is is this the beginning of James yelling at me for my choices? <laughs> it's not you, yeah. and it's not you. It's him. <laughs> yes, that was that was the one where he basically shut down during film explosion. Yeah, he, you know, he said like, I, "Yeah, I don't know why we let these idiots come into our club. <laughs> yeah. Get out of this house." <laughs> Um, not as funny as Saving Private Ryan because that sent all three of you into a spin. <laughs> <laughs> 
yes. The Nice Guys is awesome. Yeah. Um, I'm actually shocked how high this next film is on here, and I was shocked how great this film is. This is a Disney animated film. Zootopia comes in at number 16. Uh, it is a wonderful movie. Well, I remember seeing the trailer for this. I said, this looks stupid. And then you see the film and you go, whoa, that was not what I was expecting at all. You're like, did I just learn a lesson? <laughs> in fact, it's really funny. One of my coworkers, we call her um, Hops after uh, Aww, Judy Hops, Judy yeah. Hops in this film. Um, it's just uh, it's a it's a really great film about accepting and. Um, did you go see this this the week we were supposed to do London Has Fallen? Yeah, yeah. Because so, that movie is stupid. Yeah, right, because James and I made the stupid mistake of seeing that movie. Yep. But I saw this afterwards, and I was so elated by it. Yeah, that was a time in Real Nerds too, where they would go see a movie. I'm like, I want to see that movie, and then I'd see another one, and I'd say on the show, I'd be like, Oh yeah, I haven't seen it. I saw Zootopia instead. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and actually, that's one of the few animated films to make a film explosion list of mine because it was just that damn solid. Fuck yeah. It's funny, and it just has a really good premise, good yeah. message. And it has Jason Bateman in it. Yeah, so it's Jason hard. Bateman's winner. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Henry, I'm really sorry. But number 15 is Paddington 2. Um, I know you wanted to be number one. Come back. Henry, come back. I don't know what floor Henry, you're on, but Henry, don't go out the window. Henry, put the gun down. <laughs> uh, Paddington 2 Look, makes I can't. It. I just can't believe it. <laughs> I mean, I feel like 15 is pretty high. Here's a way to look at it, Henry. It's if not it, when it's your number one film out of 100. <laughs> Henry, here's a way to look at it. Given the fact that you introduced this to us, it's amazing that this film made it on the list at all. Because if you hadn't introduced this movie to us, I don't think we'd be standing here talking about number two, number 15, Paddington 2. I mean... There's a reason that I've been called to be a producer on Paddington 3. And so, it's because I'm the biggest promoter of Paddington across the United States. <laughs> but Henry shenanigans aside, this is an excellent movie. It's got a lot of heart, got a lot of humor, amazing special effects. Like, Paddington looks real. Like, you think yeah. he exists. He never looks, like, cartoonish or anything. He has such great personality to him. Ben Wishaw has an excellent voice performance and obviously like Peter Capaldi and a bunch of other British people are in it. So it's my number six, Henry. It was going to be on here. I knew it was, yeah. you know, what's in the same vein okay. as Ted Lasso it's in top and uh, Bill and Ted face the music. This is the positivity the world needs. Yeah. And the characters. Absolutely. And, um, you know, the first one's really wonderful. What they do with the villain plot in this film and also the subplot in the prison just adds, additional layers to it like Hugh Grant is fucking amazing in this movie and it, he has no right to be was he in prison for fucking that hooker or? he's not in the prison why do you have to bring Ryan, that up again you need to see this movie you're not allowed to talk shit about it until you've actually I'm not talking seen shit it. about the movie I'm talking shit about Hugh Grant for fucking a hooker while he's married to Elizabeth Hurley um, well but you, you've seen Paddington too though haven't you no what he seen hasn't one. seen either of the Paddington Yeah. Oh, movies. my God. I have not. <laughs> dishonor. Dishonor on you. Dishonor on your cow. Yeah, dishonor on you and dishonor Yeah, on that's cow. why it's so low is because I didn't put it on my list. Were you the only one who didn't? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Henry, blame Ryan. I mean, but you know what's funny? Listen, is Ryan. The next film I think was on everybody's list. Um, number 14 is Spider-Man Homecoming. Um do you know why I made it on my list, Ryan? Because it's Spider-Man? Well, that's part of it, I think, because I needed one Spider-Man list on, movie on there, but I think I put two on there. Uh, but um, Michael Keaton 
Um, Put four on there. Michael Keaton threatening Peter Parker in that car. Oh, yeah. No, that scene is fantastic. Yeah. Great um, movie. Not the best Spider-Man movie, though, but a great movie. Um, so, I mean, <laughs> no, it's, it's all right. I did rank one higher. It's cool. Um, the, uh, yeah, I mean, it doesn't have a bear dancing in prison, but it definitely has a vulture and a spider fighting in a car. Uh, he's a spider man, Ryan. <laughs> Does the spider man like marmalade? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sure. It's all right. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, technically. Yeah. I mean, this is a, this is actually. You want to call him spider boy? Yeah. This is a wonderful way to introduce him though into that MCU. We don't get the rehash of uncle Ben. We, oh yeah, you don't need it. Nope. Everything's already implied. Everything's in place. Holland is charming as shit. Like, it's wonderful. Yeah. It's also, I appreciate that he has a friend in Ned. Yeah. Yeah. And it's I always said different. the best scene in this film to me encapsulates who's, well, there's two of them, encapsulates who Spider Man is. It's when he goes to the homecoming dance and looks at his date and says, I'm sorry. And he goes and tries to save uh, people just because that's who he is. Yep. And then when he's trapped underneath all the, uh, the rubble and he has to fight to be Spider Man because it's awesome. Also, yep. I like that he just has friends in general. Like, he's yeah. part of the. Not trivia team. What are they? Mathletes. Uh, something. The, uh, yeah, debaters or whatever they're called. Academic decathlon. Yeah, something like something that. Like that. Smart, smart people. Yeah. You know, you know so, Ryan? Unlike the other ones where I feel like he's just kind of a loner and he maybe has like only one or two yeah. friends. Yeah. Real friends. Yeah, that's more of like the old school Spider-Man. Yeah. yeah. A little bit more of a... Like the Ditko era. I'd say like a dweeb. Kind yeah. Of, yeah. Well, I mean, the, fir- the first panel of Spider-Man of ever dweeb, is Peter got- Parker being made fun of by yeah. all the other kids at school. At least he's got like fellow dweeb friends. Yeah, yeah that's awesome. Nerd friends, whatever. Fucking and, love Pete. And Ryan, I could tell you what my favorite movie is, but whatever you do, whenever I tell you my favorite Spider-Man movie, don't tell Harry. <laughs> <laughs> oh, kidding me? It's always going to be my favorite Spider-Man movie. Ouch! Is it the I? best Spider-Man movie? No. Is it my favorite? Yes. Is it? it does it have Willem Dafoe in it? Uh, you know what? I, uh, I I read something online that toys might have spoiled Spider-Man No Way Home. Are we serious? <laughs> yes. We're talking about, oh my God. <laughs> uh, I just will say he's not out. Maybe. Wait, isn't uh-huh. the whole thing about like Willem Dafoe's that how he looks exactly like the Green Goblin in the comics? Or Harry Osborn in I'm the I'm sure comics? that was Sam Raimi's partial yeah. thinking. <laughs> I don't uh, know. I feel like y'all said that on one of the episodes. No, I don't think I said it yeah, at all. He doesn't really look like Norman Osborn in the comics. But he has the look of somebody who could be a sure. Norman Osborn. No, That's I agree. the thing, yeah. That's cool. They have Mysterio figures on the shelves. Yeah, I know. So, I mean, they're already like, they're, the toys coming out is Electro, Mysterio, Sandman, uh, Green Goblin, Octo. Dr. Octopus, and who am I missing? Um, vulture. The Vulture. So, yeah, Sinister Six. And then he has to recruit the other Spider-Men to fight him, which... <laughs> Ryan? Hey, Ryan, guess what? A Spider-Man movie's getting on my film explosion list. Oh, it's going to happen. It's, it's, it's going to happen. Willem Dafoe! Hey, if people ask me what my favorite uh, MCU movie is that isn't like a really like gigantic one, it's Captain America, The Winter Soldier. That clocks in at number 13. I love this film. I, it's like a spy thriller with super soldier serums mixed in. And, uh, you know, you have really Hollywood icons saying Hell Hydra. Robert Redford saying Hail Hydra is the biggest victory that Marvel Cinematic Universe ever had in cementing its right to be on the big screen. <laughs> This is where uh, Marvel movies like turned a corner mm-hmm. for getting more mature and more uh, respected. 
being un- they 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 did not they 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 realize they do not have to hesitate to tell a hard a harder hitting story that has intrigue beyond just the characters they are tackling. Like this, this puts Cap in a dilemma. This gives Cap a, a shocking revelation about one of his foes being there and the re- relationship with Bucky. I fucking love this. Well, movie. it's also it's interesting because you know a big controversy right now on Fox News is um, in the comics Captain America is questioning America's motivations. And they're saying how I can't believe Captain America would do that. I'm pretty sure he does that all the time, which who he is. He literally and became the nomad because he couldn't contemplate how everything was going on in the Nixon administration. God dang it. And it's, I mean, he he does it all the time. And they even prove the point in Falcon and Captain America where they put, you know, the USA agent out there and he's not the same person. Yeah, exactly. Also, airship go boom. Yes. Yes. Also, Fox News doesn't really know what he's talking about anyway, so no. why would he even mention it? Um, so from one great ensemble to another great ensemble, Knives Out is number 12. Yeah. Which is, you know, it's one of those films, too. You talk about just actors being actors, where it's people in basically one location. I mean, they go to several others, but basically in one location and just being incredible actors with really great dialogue. I can't mm-hmm. wait for the sequel. Yep. It's going to be awesome. Netflix, but also, like, the whole thing where they tell you exactly what happened in the first, like, 30 minutes. Yep. But then you realize, like, oh, there's more to the story. It uh, it corrects issues that other mystery movies of the cinema's past have made by one simple reveal by Daniel Craig's character by the very end of that movie. It's fucking perfect. It's a great film. Yep. Yeah. Henry, you still there? Piece. <laughs> I'm still here. Yeah, I haven't had much to say. I agree with everyone that's what everyone's saying. Knives Out's fantastic. Thank you. Yes, you should agree with us. Um, number 11 is a film that is a slow burn and brutal and, and fucking awesome. Number 11 is Drive. Um, I, I always think back to the shot of it's looking up at uh, Ryan Gosling and he's gripping the hammer tighter. I fucking love how that shot's composed. Mm-hmm. And I love the music in this film. It's a, a movie where I didn't know what it, I did not know what to expect. And when I was watching it, I fell in love with this film. Um, when you guys went to go see it, did you have any indication in your mind that you would see uh, Albert Brooks mercilessly slaying people who have fucked him over as a gangster. I love Albert Brooks in this movie. That's the reason that I like walked out of this movie so impressed the first time, and then I started just soaking in details upon rewatch, and then everything else just started, you know, overcoming me. But Albert Brooks in this movie is fucking perfect. I was a fan of Bronson. Uh, I think Wending Reference work before this. Mm-hmm. Um, and the trailers kind of made it seem like a generic action movie, so I wasn't yeah. super jazzed to see it. But um, actually, ended up watching it in L.A. separate from you guys, and um, it didn't hit me then. Like it was just like okay, that that was cool. Um, it wasn't as like dark as Bronson. And then I kept watching it and watching it and seeing it in the theater again and again. And um, yeah, the score and the soundtrack and all the um, the style of it is just it's. it's this great cinema. Yeah. Yep. And it's a film that made you look at Ryan Gosling a different way because he's fucking mean in this movie and awesome. Yeah. 
Well, he's got a he's got a heart. It's just, but yeah, he's merciless. Oh yeah, no, the the part where he's beating the fuck out of the dude in the hallway. Yeah, yeah it's awesome. And in the elevator with the fucking nail. Yeah, okay. it's awesome. Oh no, the nails in the strip club dressing room area. Yeah, and like Ford v Ferrari, like that opening sequence where he's doing the first uh, uh, pickup run and. Like all, a lot of it's the 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 sound design, and when they hide, like it goes low again, and then they kicks off, and the engine revs up again, and um, yeah, it's it's incredible. All right, this is the last word puzzle. Alrighty, this one's kind of a tough one, um, for the whole title. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so uh, good luck, guys. Uh, silence makes for great podcasting. Um, yes, yeah, yes. There's, there, a, there's an arrow pointing at D's knees, and then I don't know. There's Captain Marvel and Shazam, both Captain Marvels. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Knee. They form a yeah. They form a team. Yes. Um. Yes. I was thinking the marvelous Mrs. Maisel, but that's a TV <laughs> show. <laughs> I, yeah. I got nothing. Knees. It's like D's knees. D's knees Marvel. Disney's Marvel's The Avengers. <laughs> there you go. It is. Number 10 is Disney's Marvel's The Avengers. Um, uh, oh, my God. That's an inside joke. Uh, the actual name is Marvel's The Avengers because The Avengers is also a British TV show that had a movie uh, shouldn't come there out. Have been six of the birds because there are six Avengers. Rude. Yeah. Who are you not counting? Hawkeye? Black Widow? The yeah. Bird is called Avengers, so yeah. yeah. Uh, it's, it's Hawkeye. I mean, he shoots arrows at people. All right, so um, we're going to move on to the next trivia. Oh, yeah, that's right. Eh, it's all Sorry. right. <laughs> the Avengers is awesome. It's uh, It also cemented Loki as one of the biggest antagonists throughout the Marvel Cinematic Universe, which is he still one? Ooh, I don't know. Check out Marvel's Loki. And You're talking about theater experiences. So I was in my last like week of college when this came out. Saw it at the theater in Lawrence, Kansas with my friend Rob, who is my nerdy friend, but I also had a crush on him. And, uh, oh, it was a great, great time. Revelations coming out. Like, if this were an actual television show right now, that would be the big, like, plot reveal for near the series finale. Um, I talk about, we talked about um, midnight movie experiences, and in 2012 in particular, this is a positive one. Because I went to this right after um, a student show where one of my films won, so it was like I could have. <laughs> I actually did go a whole year without Twombly. I don't think I've mentioned that thing in a fucking while. Um, but no, um, afterward there was an after party that we could have gone to, and instead I was just like, nah, I'm just gonna go with these guys, get some nachos, and watch a bunch of superheroes beat the shit out of Loki. <laughs> Goodbye, <laughs> and uh, I do not regret it. Bueno, Andrew Bueno and I went to go see this like eight times in theaters because I had um, uh, the ability for free passes at uh, Regal. So this was this was this was and remains a wonderful 
uh, watch. It's 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 got everything I want out of a Marvel movie in certain respects. So yeah, it's wild to think that this movie is two months before The Dark Knight Rises, and so we're still having a ton of fun. Um, but yeah, like I said earlier in the trivia, the three of us, uh, Ryan, James, and I, dressed up uh, for it, and um, you know, this is the movie that proved that you could put a bunch of leading characters from their own movies into a single ensemble and it still works. Yep. I get that reference. Yes. Oh, that's, that's see, Golden I mean, Age Hollywood pops up in MCU. I like this movie, but just in terms of like the MCU, I don't like it as much as when it first came out just because of everything else that's happened since then. Like that, it kind of seems a little like low stakes compared to what we've gotten recently. James pointed that out on episode 300, I think. And it, it's true, but there is still a, no, I mean it's good. This, you, know? you, I mean you get a lot of big moments that are obviously great, and then they come back later. So yeah, it's a great movie. All right, super trivia time. Too. Sorry, Hitch. Henry, I can't hear you. Oh, I just said it's super re- rewatchable. I, I watch this movie at least once a year, and it's it holds up every single time. It remains to be, in my head, the most fun Avengers movie still, and so. Good to know, Henry. I don't think I've seen it in like five or six years. Uh, that's good times. So I don't think there's any way Henry can come back with two questions left. <laughs> nope. Well, he uh, could still play trying. for fun. Yes. Okay. I'm going to win this prize. <laughs> yes. Um, um, I don't think you guys are going to be able to answer this. This is a tough one. This is, this is, a, this is a buried question. Oh, boy. What is well, the, we'll just try to figure it out. What is the name of the song Jonathan Tearson created for episode five of the pod show? Oh, shit. <laughs> this isn't revealed until the credits. Yes. That he got <laughs> I haven't seen the pod show, so. It's been a while since I've watched the Tiersten one, but. I think I've seen an episode, but I don't remember which one. Jonathan Tiersten's listening to this. You're a nice person, but I'm just forgetting. <laughs> Too bad no. you can't give us like a word puzzle for that. Um. So the Sounds answer like. <laughs> is Squeal Piggy. Cool. Okay. Yeah. That is that. Yeah. <laughs> Um, how many times have we interviewed George's Genty? Seven. Six. I was going to say eight. Henry, you got it right. It is six. Wow. It would have been I'm seven, but a year he was supposed to be at Denver Comic Con, he had to miss it. So you're saying I was almost close. <laughs> yeah, there's four. Oh, yeah, because I don't want to put yeah. them after the number one. In episode 292, Beauty and the Beast Boys, who said, the cover looks like it was drawn by a 14-year-old with no eyes. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, was this the first one I was on? Or is um, this the Beauty and the Beast this episode? Sounds, this this okay. screams James to me. <laughs> yeah, I would also agree. This, this sounds a lot like James. The cover of what? Uh... James was talking about the DVD art for Teen Witch. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's right. That's right. I gave I gave Henry and Zach a point because they both. I think well, he like goes on to talk they... about like the Teen Witch rap or something. I don't know. I've listened to this episode a couple of times. All right. This is a tough. Yeah. Last question. No one can win but Zach at this point. Yes. 
Um, last question, and this is going to be whoever can guess the closest. All right. If you listen to all 499 weekly episodes of Real Nerds Podcast, how many hours would it take? Well, it takes me less time because I listen to it at a 1.5 speed. <laughs> hmm. I'm going to guess 2,000 hours. I'm going to guess 1,500 hours. 350 or 3,500. It will take you 849 hours and 11 minutes. So who picked the lowest? I don't even remember. Zach did. Yeah. Yeah, I do want to take a picture of that just to remind myself. That is insane. (laughs) All right. So Zach, you won. Henry, you won Raya and the Last Dragon. Hell yeah. Congratulations, Um, Henry. So whenever you're uh, back in town, I have that for you. Okay. Um, but Zach, I want to present to you the dopest prize anyone could ever win on Real Nerds Podcast. Oh, it's not your underwear, is it? I mean, you didn't see it? what I brought, so I don't know if you can say that. All right, fair enough. Doesn't <laughs> list like autographed or something. This film only was only on one person's list, and it came in at number one hundred. Zach, you're now the proud owner of Creature on DVD. <laughs> DVD. <laughs> yeah, they don't even have it on Blu-ray. <laughs> oh, Sid Haig's Creature. <laughs> um, which is really shocking is there's three bonus features on that DVD. Are you serious? Making of a Monster. <laughs> on the Bayou and the Filmmakers, who I have not heard from since. And it's so funny because I, I ordered that on Amazon and I opened and I said, and I started laughing and I did forgot this about this movie, but Laura walked in and she said why the fuck did you buy that isn't that the movie where it's like a mannequin head in the water and i forgot there's a part where the creature rips someone's head off and they just throw like a mannequin head in the water there is a there is there is a there is an uncomfortable amount of gator violation of women in this movie i remember this movie because when i first guest hosted Creature was brought up in conversation. I remember James specifically going like, <laughs> I don't remember the film at all. I remember that cost me $14 on DVD. And I was like, fuck, I was hoping it'd be like $2. <laughs> Ryan, that's, you know why? Who I have not heard of ARC Entertainment as a <laughs> distribution. And company. I just want to point out that we watched that instead of the help. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, well, I mean, you know what? This uh, spoilers for next week's review. This has more Sid Haig in it than Three from Hell does. So enjoy, Zach. I'm so yeah, thankful. Thank you, sir. I neither... That means a lot. Knowing the history of this show, that means mm-hmm. a lot. I'm so thankful. I neither won nor lost because I don't have to go home with anything. Really, I don't have to go home with a terrible movie or an even more terrible movie. Corinne, this movie inexplicably had a theatrical run at my theater <laughs> for four fucking weeks. <laughs> That sounds terrible. And I had to do theater checks each time. is not terrible. No, I'm talking about creatures. Oh, I thought you said terrible I'm or another terrible I'm pretty happy movie. about my constellation well, prize, to be perfectly honest. Yes. I said I'm very happy with my constellation prize. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> I mean, from a quality <laughs> standpoint, if anything, Henry won. The winner was the loser. But, but Henry, look, it's the Ultra HD version. Yeah. It's special because I forgot to cancel my Disney Club movie club order. That water will look so real. And I already got it. <laughs> I already got this. HD. I got the steel book and I go, ah, fuck. And it showed up in the mail. You'll like want to reach out and touch Raya's hair. Yay. Cool. Yeah. Thank you, guys. Top 10. Top 10. Man, these Nazis keep on showing up. Number nine is Jojo Rabbit. Yeah. Which is a great film. 
and an unexpected film with lots of heart. Second Taika Waititi. Yeah. It's a film that... Um, I feel like I had no expectations going into it. I did because doing what he did is very tough in any time you live in to handle the subject that he's handling with humor. And he does it the Mel Brooks way, which is the correct way. It's not the um, Benini way. It's the Brooks way. And I think that this film has a lot of intelligent forefronted comedy going at it that is remarkable to watch and i think there's not a single actor in this movie that isn't giving like a stellar career-worthy performance i think it was the right choice to make it about a kid because a lot of this the jokes and the subject matter that they go through would not work if it was an adult yeah it's it and you know what i mean it just wouldn't hit right they set you up really big time with the shoes of the mom and you think you don't think anything of it but then it hits you and it's really devastating yep and this is a film that sam rockwell man was extremely timely because of when it was coming out and it because it is a kid it does have that message of this indoctrination towards how somebody like a hitler would rise to power and the film the film explains that in an intelligent way through that comedy lens and it's 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 a remarkable film it's a remarkable film absolutely um hey French-Canadian time. Arrival is number eight, which is... <laughs> I, I saw the hang loose sign, Henry. Yeah. I know you approve. Yeah, um, I like this movie. I think this was like number three on my list. And yeah, I I, so. I knew like I knew James was going to have it on his. But I honestly didn't know if it would be this high because I wasn't sure if any of you would put it on oh, yours. Yeah. I, think, I don't know any... I was, did you put Arrival on your list, Brad? Yeah, so I think... And Zach didn't. No, I did. You did. So it was us five. Yeah. You well, know, I knew one person did not. Do you know why this is on my list? It's on my list for a couple of reasons. Number one, it's a perfect movie. Number two, this was the first time I met uh, the now Mrs. James Hart mm. Brooks because we Brad and I were there and then Br- James came with Brooks. And I remember turning to Brad and going like, James has a girlfriend? <laughs> <laughs> Damn. Uh, I, I don't remember if it is on my list or not, but like... Uh, it is kind of cool for me because, like, when I saw it, the screenwriter was there. Yeah, and so I got to listen to him talk about it in the glass house full. Um, do you still have your poster from? Uh, I do. You got, yeah, yeah, so do I. Yeah, I remember seeing this. It was, I think, right before I met all of you guys, and I was in some kind of like weird funk after I saw it, just because of like you know the subject matter that they deal with, and just like thinking about my life and just like going off on that. And I accidentally locked myself out of my house. <laughs> oh. So <laughs> I always remember that. So anyway, Arrival, excellent movie. So beautifully shot and beautifully told. It, it's like storytelling at its best. And actually the editing kind of saves like the middle part of the movie because I watched some like behind the scenes thing about it. And they were going to have like this whole like really long sequence of like exposition. And then they were like, nah, let's just kind of like streamline this. So... Great movie, Henry. Did you want to add anything? No, I mean I love this movie. It was, it was definitely it was either my number one or two the year it came out. Uh, and uh, I mean, what I think is fun is this is now I think the fourth Villanueva film on the top one hundred, and I think he's now the top the film director of the most films. So unless Spielberg has another film coming up, which he very well could, uh, then I th- then Spielberg will tie him for four films. But I think this is I think this is the most director we've had so far. 
Yep. Him or Christopher Nolan. Correct. Oh, yeah, that too. Forgot about that one. Um, number seven is what happens when you let a cool filmmaker take an awesome property. And Thor Ragnarok Another is number Taika seven. Another film. So, yeah, he shows up three times on here. Yep. Did uh, we all put, him on, put it on the list? Yeah. I put Good. it on mine. Good. It's uh, right away in this film. It, it's cool because they took Thor and made him more fun. I mean, I, I love the first Thor. Uh, the second one is okay. And then this one, it's, you know, hey, we're going to have, you know, Led Zeppelin and really cool electronic movie, uh, movie music. And Jeff Goldblum, Jeff Goldblum, and everything just works in this film. And even I'll—I don't think I've ever laughed as hard in a Marvel movie is when uh, Bruce Banner is going to turn into the Hulk and he jumps out of the thing <laughs> and fucking smacks on the Rainbow Bridge, right? Yeah, and just like, could you expect him to be the Hulk right away and he just fucking dies? I'm always angry. <laughs> <laughs> It's because uh, he was trying to be badass to the Valkyrie at that point. And I mean, Kate Blanchett as Hella is awesome. Yeah. Um, it's just is this the cool movie, movie. Is this the movie? This is is this the movie right before Endgame? Not Endgame. I'm sorry. Infinity War. Yep. OK. Right. So I, that yeah. End at the tease. Yeah. The tease. Yeah. So like I saw this film the day my nephew or the day after my nephew was born. And so it meant, means a lot to me for that reason. But also, like, I got feels in the back of my in the back of my skin when I saw the ship coming because I'm just like, it's here. We're finally coming to the to the yeah. conclusion point of this long journey. You know? Yeah, I think the first Thor, the problem is the hero, and not necessarily like Thor is bad, but just maybe people didn't get the vibe of Thor right away. And then the second film, I think the villain is not very good. But then with this film, it's like everything clicks. The hero is good. The humor is good. The villain's cool. The aesthetic is unique, at least in this universe. So it's like, yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, like And I the, like Valkyrie, too. The first two movies, he's very much like the himbo who's like a fish out of water. And he's constantly reacting to weird things. Whereas by Ragnarok, he's the one who's making the jokes and pointing out like his agency in it and... Yeah, that's great. I mean, I think the first movie focuses a lot more on Loki. I don't know. I just feel like Loki gets a lot more of like poignant moments, whereas Thor is just kind of like, I mean, he's doing stuff, but it's not like really cool. You know what I mean? On an emotional level. But this one, it's like there's a lot going on, so it's hard not to love it. Also, that song's awesome. Number six is another superhero film. It's the end of an era. Logan is number six, which is an awesome take on Wolverine and yeah. what it means to be one of the last and you can't die, you know, it's and everyone else around you is dying. And um, Patrick Stewart as Professor X is amazing in this film. Breaks your heart with his final scene. It's like it's 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 unquestionably one of the greatest performances of the 2010s not even a well both of these guys actually to be honest because jackman's wonderful in this film um and the and the villain thing really cool you know it makes sense that he fights himself i know that people had an issue with that and i'm like you're wrong (laughs) one of the best or most memorable moments for me is both simultaneously hilarious and heartbreaking it's like when they're in the storage bin or something and Professor X is like on his little, you know, scooter 
wheelchair and he just like is raving and he's like oh the new case of lupa from taco, taco bell. bell yeah that is <laughs> a wonderful like, moment <laughs> it's like you know patrick stewart trained shakespearean actor is over here doing a taco bell commercial basically yep. because that's where professor x is in in this world henry you were saying something and you were cut off oh i just said uh it's a great send-off it's a great ending to the x-men franchise which is i mean a over two decade long spanning franchise and it's a it's hard to end a franchise that long. I think this is a great end, even though we had two more of them afterwards. I think it's a great end to kind of like, like I, my girlfriend and I watched all of them recently, and it's a great film to be like, this is the conclusion, this is what it all leads to, and this is, I don't know. I think it's a, I think it's one of the best comic book movies ever made. I love it. Yeah, and also, uh, I don't know if it was, did it kick off the craze of re-releasing movies in black and white? Like modern movies, that or Mad Max Fury yeah, Road. Fury Road was the yeah. one that did that. So, yeah, it's it's kind of a cool thing that um, people are into now is watching modern movies in a black and white version of it. Yeah, as somebody who grew up watching X Men Evolution, seeing an original character from that show make her like you know cinematic appearance or cinematic debut, it's pretty neat. Hey, speaking of segues. Uh, number five is Mad Max Fury Road. What? <laughs> <Wrong. laughs> number one. Brad, he's throwing chairs. Um, this was this was also on my uh, best movies of the 2010s list. I can't remember what number, but it's awesome. Another movie where there is a lot of CGI, but you don't realize it because oh, yeah, no. you know they blend it into the real elements so well. That you don't even notice. And it's a movie about going from one place and going back. He has the, the audacity so to simple. turn around. <laughs> <laughs> she turned left. Yep, exactly. Dun, dun, dun. Uh, yeah, I'd, I'd seen The Road Warrior before. Uh, I think that was, and I think maybe Mad Max. And Mad Max is like, okay, and The Road Warrior is pretty sweet as an action movie. So when I got like sneak preview tickets to this, I was like, okay, I'm going to watch an ac- uh, action movie early. So what? And then... Right away, they start talking in their weird, like, pseudo-futuristic Australian accents or dialogue. I'm like, this is going to be bad. <laughs> uh, this is, uh, what, what, what do we get into? This is, uh, but by the end of it, you're just completely turned around. Uh, it's an amazing achievement in action, uh, staging and directing, and um, all done so well with a very basic story. Yeah. Got mm-hmm. a lot of character development and heart to it. Yeah. Not- and it's more of a Furiosa movie than it is a Mad Max movie. Yeah. The movie does two wonderful things. It has a great female empowerment story into it, but also you kind of mentioned how the pseudo Australian speak. The similar to Mad, similar to Road Warrior, Miller's really good at utilizing pure cinema. The, the visuals are telling the story. The dialogue means nothing. Yeah, the visuals are the, are the selling point. So maybe the most controversial pick outside of our circle of friends, Star Wars: The Last Jedi, is number four. Which not a controversy. It's a perfect movie. Shut the hell up, everybody. Which <laughs> which is uh, I mean, JCVD doesn't have Mark Hamill in it, so but it completely ruins the franchise. <laughs> um, Brad, am I gonna have to take you outside of your own office and beat you? <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. I, I don't understand the hate this film gets. I think it's because they, um, yeah, and they. I think if to make an interesting film after there's already been so many is you give people what they don't expect. Mm-hmm. To me, um, killing 
the big bad, quote unquote, had to happen because the actual big bad in these whole films is Kylo Ren. Yep. And he needs to have that happen to ascend to the level he needs to be at. And there's my favorite moment in this whole film is when he extends his hand to Ray to say, come with me and, you know, we'll rule this galaxy. And she says, no, that's not what we do. That's not who I'm about. And it sends him on a path that he's, he wasn't expecting and still obviously has feelings for Ray as they touch in uh, the rise of Skywalker. Mm -hmm. And to me, that's just a perfect encapsulation of the whole uh, sequel trilogy is sometimes what you want isn't what you're going to get. And I, 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 that's when I really, really fell in love with Ray because I would have uh, been furious if she decided to go with him. Because I don't think that needs to happen. And that's why I didn't like the kiss in uh, Rise of Skywalker. Because I thought it was unnecessary. Because she's not defined by... Yeah, she's not defined by Kylo Ren. She's defined by who she is. Right. But yeah, anyways. Um, this scene has... I'm a big fan of uh, the original... Like the first Star Wars film, Episode Four, Because it just it's a, it was the one I watched the most as a kid. This has my favorite Star Wars moment in a movie, in a Star Wars movie, period. And it's one, it's Yoda burning down the tree because I love Anarchy Yoda, who just says, fuck it to this religion that has done no good. But also the line that he says, we are what we may grow beyond. And this beautiful Yoda scene that encapsulates this portrayal of Luke Skywalker that is absolutely necessary and absolutely perfect for Luke Skywalker to be in in this movie. Um, which is a big reason why I don't understand the hate for this movie because all of this makes absolute sense and it gives Mark Hamill some of the best acting moments he's had on screen in years. And I say on screen because he's obviously had good ones in voiceover. So, yes, yeah, it's, it's no secret people are afraid of change. Um, so yeah, I'll, I'll I admit like when I first saw this and I was sitting at the air, I was like, I, I guess Leia can just survive in space and float back. I'm like that's weird. And there are a bunch of other and like modern dialogue usually usage like even the, the montage and, yeah. even the montage that he uses when uh luke is explaining to ray what the force is and how it moves through the earth it's not an editing style that has been seen before in the star wars uh structure so yeah also, I was, I was we've kinda... never seen a flashback before either yeah so we so get I... the flashbacks of uh kylo ren and luke when they were training yeah and them talking to each other like through the ether, which actually I had forgotten is something that was done uh, in the original trilogy. So yeah, I was, I was sitting there going like, this is not what I'm used to. I'm not sure I like it, but as time has gone on. And like I said before, you know, uh, empire strikes back was not as, as regarded as highly as it was when it came out. Uh, and it had since grown since then as everyone's favorite of the original. So I, I think uh, Jedi is starting to make that turn where people are appreciating it more for the fact that it does challenge star Wars, which it badly needs because as we've seen, you know, in the wrong hands, it just, uh, regresses back into being the first movie. Yeah. Yeah. I won't say a lot more than what's been already said. Cause y'all know how much I love this movie and John Williams just freaking brings it. And that sequence where you see all the storylines kind of line up and the Holdo maneuver through the, star cruiser um and the music that plays during that is just so everything is so well put together 
And I love how it explores like some of the mythology and the lore of the force. And we get that cool imagery of like Ray seeing like the copies of herself in this like mirror dimension or whatever it is. Um, and that's never really explained. Like they just kind of show you this thing and it works on an emotional level, but they don't have to explain it to you practically. They're just like, here's a thing. We just needed this for a character beat. Have fun. <laughs> it's great. I just want to say it's I do recognize that some of this movie is also Empire Strikes Back. So don't don't come at me on the Internet yeah. for saying like, oh, <laughs> the other one. Yeah, it takes a lot of like the kind of tone sh- shifts and kind of story vibes from Empire Strikes Back. But, you know, it, it does its own thing at the same time. And it has a lot of great themes that I wish people would take to heart with, like, letting go of the past. And it tries to tie back, like, the entire, you know, mythology, uh, or not mythology, but, like, the entire, you know, Skywalker saga and the history up to now of, like, the Jedi and the Sith and everything. And it's like we hadn't seen that before. So tying the prequels and the sequels and everybody together, I think that people were like, I don't want to be reminded of the prequels. I just want to live in my own little world and whatever. And well, it's too bad because the Jedi Order hasn't really been successful at keeping the peace in its entire history as this franchise has existed. So tough titty. <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh, y'all are going to hate the Clone Wars series then because <laughs> they go into the same stuff there. Yeah. And I don't mean to be aggressive about it. It's just I really do love this movie and I didn't understand the, the hatred when it came out. I just yeah. didn't get it. And after the... Force Awakens, or I don't know. It's like one of the most beautiful looking Star Wars oh, films. Yeah. Like, so down. well shot. Anyway, Ryan I could Johnson. rant about it forever. <laughs> um, It's time to go to space, guys. We were just in space. <laughs> I know, but this time the space is coming to you in the form of a Titan. Avengers Infinity War is number three on this list of our favorite hundred films. Um, this is one of those films that when I saw it in theaters and the ending was happening, you could hear people's collective. I don't know what, but even when a theater, yeah, it's, and I'll never forget uh, when some people started turning to dust, whether it was um, T'Challa or uh, other characters where you'd never expect them to die. Yeah. You know, just going away, Peter Quill and, because I'm a huge Spider-Man fan. The the moment when he's like, I don't feel so good. And, you know, he embraces Tony. And you can hear people, like, starting to cry. And you realize that these films, this is the 22nd film in this franchise or universe, means so much to people that even characters just going away like they're nothing is, is a shocking ending to a film that I don't think people were even prepared for. Could I could I offer you an even more shocking uh, image that may not be um, uh, noticeable because you because that is shocking emotionally. The shot of Thanos sitting down and realizing he's won. Yeah, it is. That was like when they cut to black on that. I was just like, "You're not allowed to do that." <laughs> There's. It, it, yeah, I'll just touch really because they also take you to the high of when Thor and Rocket and Groot show up. Yeah. And they just start, you know, weighing lace to the bad mm-hmm. guys. And you're like, oh, fuck. And then, you know, the women Avengers team up to take out <laughs> Proxima Midnight. And you go, oh, man, this might change for good. And did your heart skip a beat when you heard him say you should have went for the head? Oh, yeah. Oof. Oof. Yeah. We're so accustomed as audiences, um, American audiences, that the 
the heroes win at the end. Um, and there's a resolution after that. And to see a, a blockbuster aim to change that dynamic was, you know, it, it's not shocking, but also shocking at the same time. Like it makes sense for the story. Like why wouldn't it end like that? But you're just not used to seeing that. Even knowing like it's a two parter, you're like, Oh, of course it has to end that way. Yeah. I mean, I guess we knew going in that Endgame was going to happen and it was going to be this kind of two-part battle against Thanos. So my assumption would have been that maybe they don't win, but then maybe they don't lose. Maybe that's kind of like a stalemate or maybe it's like like he wins some some battle, but he doesn't like kill everyone. You know, he doesn't kill half of all existence or whatever. Something like that, you know. Yeah. Maybe it's like when Fry writes that fake story for the big brain people in <laughs> Futurama, <laughs> or just kind of like an Empire Strikes Back sort of ending, mm. where it's kind of bittersweet. And you lo- win yeah. some, you lose some sort of a feel. But yeah, um, I mean, I've told you guys about my experience seeing it, and well, one of my experiences seeing it in the theater. But when I went to the premiere with my friend, it was on the Saturday after it was released. And I waited to go see it um, with her at some kind of like it was a charity event or something that this organization had rented out the screening and they did this like cool like uh, giveaway and they had different like different um, prizes for each of the stones. And I don't remember exactly how if it was like a drawing or a trivia thing or something, but I won this bag this like backpack looking thing Aww. from the screening um, for the reality stone. And the prize that was in it was a set of VR goggles that I donated somewhere else. Cause <laughs> I don't need B- VR stuff. But anyway, I thought that that was pretty cool. Yeah. That's pretty fucking awesome. So I will always remember seeing that in the theater just cause you know, yeah. Also the movie is amazing. That's a wonderful positive memory out of that. Yep. So from there, Spider-Man makes another appearance on our list with some of the greatest animation ever on film. With Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse is number two on our list. Um, you need to be thankful every day of your life that there's a Spider-Ham movie. <laughs> I, I could, I'll, I'll say this as being a huge Spider-Man fan. In my wildest dreams, I never thought in the course of like six years, mm-hmm. Spider-Man would be in a movie every year. Yeah. You know, and it's whether it's Civil War, Homecoming, Infinity War. I don't know. Does he pop up later on this list, too? And then you have a movie where Spider-Man into Spider-Verse is taking a character in Miles Morales, who's relatively new when you look at the scheme of comic book. He's only 10 years old now. And he's resonated so well with people that they gave him his own movie, but they brought in Peter Parker to facilitate him becoming Spider-Man in a story about growing up. And it's, it's fantastic. Yeah. I was not expecting to love this movie as much as I did at all. Like no preconceived notions of what an animated Sony Spider-Man film was going to be. But the moment that you have Peter B. Parker, I think is Jake Johnson's mm-hmm. version of it, coming into this story and having all the different versions of Spider-Man explaining their their origin a different way, I was like, oh, I'm, this, is, this is wonderfully aware of itself. I'm so on board. Um, yeah, and I, you know, when I first was watching it, I mean, the movie's fantastic. Obviously, I put it really high on my list, too. But I'm not really down with a Peter Parker that is down. Like, uh, a Peter Parker sometimes gets down, but he always finds a way to be better. 
Yeah. So it's interesting to have a Peter Parker that lost Mary Jane yeah. that is overweight, that basically is given up. Yeah. And to me, that's a really weird Peter Parker. But it does. But his redemption throughout the film mm-hmm. is amazing. And I mean, I would argue with you, though. I don't think he's given up as Spider-Man because he's like still wearing the outfit. So presumably he's still out there like fighting crime and all that. But maybe he's just like reached a point in his life as Peter Parker where he's in like a, you know, depression no, or whatever. No, you know, he's given up being the Spider-Man we want him to be. Yeah, it's if, if, even if he's, if he's yeah. just because he's Spider Man doesn't mean he's the Spider Man that we've all loved and yeah, adored. Yeah, he has. People I mean, go he go through depression. It's and like stuff, when Ryan. you're half-assing <laughs> shit. <laughs> when people argue with me about Spider Man, no, I understand what you're saying. Are you Spider <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no shit. No people. People go through depression, but I'm saying Spider Man always finds a way to get out of it. Whether it's Spider Man No More, where he gives up being Spider Man because people around him are getting hurt. Yeah. He realizes the calling is bigger than him and that he has with great power, he has great responsibility. And for to see a Spider-Man not follow through with that is really bizarre because I'm not saying he he eventually came back around and he needed Miles to bring him back to who he was. But there is like a prolonged period of this movie where, yeah, where, where Peter B. Parker is like very much just like, oh, fuck it. I don't care. Yeah. And it, it's. I love his redemption throughout it, but he deserves redemption mm-hmm. and he earns it by helping Miles become the Spider-Man he wants to be. Yep. And I liked Spider-Gwen in this film. Spider-Gwen yeah, and the is animation awesome. is the, some of the most incredible animation you'll ever see. Mm-hmm. I, How I was they reading blend all uh, the different styles together. Oh, yeah. I was reading a thing online about it took him something like 18 hours for a single frame each frame. Jeez. To figure out how to make it look cool, and it's like reading a comic book. It's fantastic. That's why you win the Oscar for that movie right there, because yeah. that 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 shows love and commitment and care. That it's it's fucking wonderful. I knew the movie would be on the list. I did not think it was going to be this high because I figured only you and I would have it on there, Ryan. Oh, no. oh I had it. No, I think it was in my top ten. Yeah, Henry, did what you have it on yours? I'm sorry. Did you What's have Sp- Spider? Yeah, it's into the Spider Verse in yours, right? Oh, I'm. I'm- yeah, I, I'd be shocked if I didn't. Uh, it might not have been as high as everyone else, but I definitely had it. It's it, it on everybody's list. Yeah. I think every movie in the top five is on everybody's list. Yeah. Um, I think it would have to be to get this high. I believe so. But we're um, at number one here. So yes. Uh, the number one film, I don't think is going to be any surprise to anybody. The best movie of 10 years and 500 episodes is Avengers Endgame. Also Which, the highest grossing movie of all time. <laughs> and it's original run. Suck yes. it. <laughs> yeah, Titanic. Um, you hear that, James Cameron? Go fuck yourself. Yeah. <laughs> I love moments when I see theaters with a big crowd. And this is what I miss the most right now is this film. I, it starts off so shocking where they go and they just, you know what? Thor's like, fuck you, Thanos, and kills him. And then it has that... Uh, title card where it says five years later and i remember people gasping in the theater you know yeah, this we much time together passed. we watched yeah these, we watched these guys just like soaking us all in yeah you know everyone's like they, they failed and now it's five years and they've not done anything about it they've gone about their life you know tony is like, i'm not gonna be iron man anymore look what happened when i was iron man i got people killed yep and throughout it's a three-hour movie but I like to think of it as a three-part film. So the opening is them dealing with it. The second part is the plan. And then the third part is obviously the resolution. Mm-hmm. And I 
to this day, I still get chills. There's some movies I still get chills for. for them. Rogue One, when Darth Vader shows up. Um, this one, um, I'll never forget. I, I know you guys are right next to me. and uh, I think you're in a different row, actually. But you, we're you in the and theater. I were, you yeah. and I were together. Yeah. I'll never forget this lady to my right when Black Widow sacrifices herself. Yeah was sobbing uncontrollably mm-hmm. like I can't believe this just happened I can't believe this just happened and um, at the end when it works and you know Steve tightens his shield because he's bleeding out and you hear Sam come on he's like cat on your left mm-hmm. and I have never I still get chills right now thinking about it this audience starts screaming and cheering and throw. I remember popcorn flying. I'm like, what the, this is the most amazing thing I've ever seen. And, um, validation for me, because I'm a Spider-Man fan, people are cheering and, you know, you see star Lord and in the background, you see Spider-Man starting to swing up and he lands and he removes his mask. Biggest applause. And it's the loudest thing I've ever heard. And that's how much Spider-Man means to everybody. And this film just is so fantastic. Yeah. I'm such a dumb movie goer that at that moment where Cap is tightening his shield and he stands and he looks across at like what's preparing to come at him. I remember seeing there being like, how the hell is he going to get out of this situation? Like there's nothing left. Like we're going to watch Cap die right now. I thought the same thing, Brad. Well, maybe not him dying, but I I guess. Yeah, I thought he was dead. You know, they, they bring everybody back, but then you immediately get distracted by the fact that, you know, Thanos attacks the compound and everybody's like scrambling and running for their lives and stuff. You forget. You forget that everybody's been back for like 20 minutes. Yeah, it was an amazing shell game. Like I had totally forgotten that all the people that were snapped out, it came back. And so, yeah, but it was so vivid just being like, Cap's gonna die right now. You like, just, there's no play for them. You just imagine Kevin Feige up in each theatrical booth somehow going like, "Okay, I think they've waited long enough," and he just pushes yeah. a button. <laughs> well, it's interesting too because I was reading an interview with the Russo brothers, and they said, "How do we pay off all these films at once and give everybody the moment that they want?" Yeah, and whether it's, I mean, who else didn't like get goosebumps when you know Thor's getting his ass kicked by Thanos? And then, you know, the Milner comes flying and, you know, Captain America grabs it. I think I thought that's if if Spider-Man was the biggest um, applause, that was the second biggest. Oh, yeah. Or, you know, you know, Avengers assemble. You know, he never said that before then. Nope. And you just wanted this to happen. Or um, I I always liken it to a splash page in a comic book when all the female Avengers just show up and they're all like gearing up and stuff. Yeah. Like, that's just a splash page. Yep. And it's paying off everything you wanted it to pay off. They did. Yeah. And you, you watch the making of it or you read about it. And, um, you know, the original ending when he, you know, Thanos says, I am inevitable. And he snaps and nothing happens. Originally, Tony just snaps. Yeah. But they went back and Robert Downey Jr. reshot that whole scene. He says, how about I say, um, I am Iron Man. Yeah. And they're like, all right. And that is like an iconic film moment now where it's it still gives me chills. And it's just. And it's weird because you don't feel the same thing when Thanos and all his cronies start disappearing and Thanos sits down in defeat. You're like, this is how it's supposed to be. And uh, it's fantastic. Yeah, there's a lot of those like little moments from earlier in the universe, like the on your left or the I am Iron Man or things like, you know, things along those lines that, you know, they were kind of just like, oh, like fun little gags or whatever. And then they come back and they're significant. And it's like it kind of does like a little 
mini character arc within that like the on your left was like you know cap is running past sam and sam's getting frustrated and now on your left is this like kind of like um you know call of like reassurance and like encouragement like no we coming to save you fam like you're good um henry you've been a little quiet what do you think about the greatest uh real nerds film of all time oh i mean obviously it doesn't get here without me also loving it like yeah i think this is great i think it's it, i mean i remember one time like someone who did not like the film i described it as uh like marvel's uh, greatest hits album for marvel which i can kind of see where they're coming from but at the same time though that's also kind of great and so like, yeah i'm fine with that like yeah um but yeah i mean it's great i, I love obviously i love endgame obviously i love infinity war it's Listen, I, the first, like, Iron Man came out when I was, like, 10. And so, like, my entire life has been leading to this, basically. And so, yeah, it's it encapsulates, like, multiple generations. It's arguably one of the greatest feats in cinematic history. And so, yeah, yeah. it's awesome. Yeah. Dealing with that much star power? Oh, my gosh, yeah. And making sure everybody gets, like, their little moment to shine. And I appreciate the fact that... You know, we have two of the strongest members of the Marvel Universe, that being uh, Wanda and then Captain Marvel. You know, they definitely don't get sidelined, even though they're not part of, like, the original Avengers roster. And, like, yeah, like, all the six original Avengers get, like, their good moments. But, you know, these two powerful women, they get their time to wreck shit. And it's awesome to see them just, like, yeah, just go full force of, like, oh, yeah, Captain Marvel, she can stand up to Thanos because she's like one of the strongest Avengers. Yeah. You know, obviously she's she shouldn't have been the one to like end it all, but you know. Yeah. She should be the one who takes out his uh warship. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. Um, so when we went to the theater for that, um, I remember sitting down in the seat and thinking about it from the perspective of how much had changed in what, eleven years at this point? Um, with film, but also with this series. And I, it was kind of surreal to be like, Jesus, we're here already? Feels like we just got here with Iron Man 1. Um, but my favorite, um, if if not my favorite, at very least in my top two MCU films of all time, is Captain America First Avenger. And so everybody here has talked about like a moment that they got in this movie that satisfied them to fullest effect. I had to wait three hours exactly, but I got it at the end when I got to see Cap and Peggy dancing. That is, to me, that encapsulates not just the MCU, but the appreciation of Marvel history to take it all the way back into 1940, into the 1940s and give Cap something that is really just a throwaway joke as he's about to crash in this homage to a matter of life and death. And giving of emotional satisfaction and having one of the biggest blockbuster movies of all time heading on a 1940 standard, like that hit me in a way that I wasn't expecting. Um, and also John Favreau comforting Tony's daughter and saying, I'll get you a cheeseburger. That is absolutely amazing to have John Favreau emotionally bridge it. And also my favorite line in the movie is are you going to tell me about what, what you're going to tell me who she was? And he goes, no, no, I won't. It's short of just giving him the middle finger. <laughs> like it's, it's just perfect. So yeah, this does deserve to be on this list, even though there's films I 
like more for different reasons. This is unquestionably one of the greatest films to come out within the last 10 years. It's it's really appropriate because I think our fifth episode is uh, Captain America, um, the first Avenger. And at that time, you know, we'd had two Iron Man movies and a Hulk movie and a Thor movie. I guess Thor, yeah, there yeah, was a Thor, Thor movie a, couple, a month earlier, but you know, at that time, um, building a cinematic universe was kind of laughable. I, I admit like I was, you know, I'm a Batman fan. So I was like, yeah, let's see them make the cinematic universe work. Like most people can't even get a solo movie to work. Listeners can't see this, but he was just doing the jerk off motion. And so over the course of 500 episodes, we've gotten to watch this thing grow and, um, change the landscape of Hollywood and movie, uh, and filmmaking. And, um, this is the reward for all that dedication. In a lot of ways, since you guys have kind of started de facto a journey, uh, a de facto journey with the MCU as it was beginning to fully take shape, you guys have acquired three additional nerds on top of this. You've had your own little we Avengers assembled. We are the original Avengers. Yeah. I call Captain America. Oh. He just <laughs> wants to take away Golden Age glory from me. Um, fine, then I am Ant-Man, because then I can become Giant Man. And also I'm Paul Rudd, and I'm ageless. <laughs> take that. <laughs> I'll take Captain Marvel. Nice. That's more than fair. Oh, you know what? I want to be Coulson. Die, dies pretty quick, but then he gets his own TV show for a couple of years. <laughs> and one more thing I'll say about uh, Avengers Endgame is that, kind of like what Brad, Brad was saying, is that it not only is it an amazing movie in its own right, but it makes the other Marvel movies better just because you get this payoff with Tony's arc, with Cap's arc, and all these other kind of like little sequences, like when they go back to Thor, the dark world and things like that, um, that just, you know, like I said, it just kind of fulfills everything that you would ever want in a movie like that. Yeah. Agreed. Yep. 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 So that is 10 fucking years of this. Yes. Yeah. Um, yep. uh, just real quick before we end it, I had uh, a couple of stats I wanted to, uh, I did some tallying on. Yeah. Um, so out of the uh, 100, we just uh, rostered off uh, 20 of them, not surprisingly, were comic book movies. Uh, 15 of them were sci-fi fantasy movies. Uh, 27 of them were dramas, which is <coughs> mind-boggling because obviously you'd think the comic book ones be more for us. Uh, six action movies. Uh, and there's some, you know, ambiguity to which movies fall in these categories. But in my mind, um, this is how it shook out. 10 family films, obviously mostly the animated ones. Only nine comedies, which I thought there would be more uh, I think, comedies across 10 years. I think that's an indication of how the comedy genre itself has changed. Sorry, go ahead, Ryan. Henry. Uh, we notoriously hate laughter so <laughs> on this podcast. So. I was going to say, I think you just generally tend to pick more dramas and like blockbusters. So that is probably why, but also at least for like the feature film of the week yeah. and then also comedies are you know different things like you know people different people like different things yeah. is what i'm trying to say well, i think we and got so a lot of our comedy from the marvel movies so right and well, also just yeah. you know some like some humorous movies maybe aren't going to be your thing that are are my thing and vice versa so i would quantify like something like the nice guys as a comedy it's got action in it but it is a comedy like that's the core job of what it's doing so um but yeah, like, I mean, comedies are hard to review sometimes, too, because we're just repeating the jokes we like. And like, unless the story is like somehow like, a, 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 like mind changing, you know, 
um yeah so five suspense two musical not surprisingly there were a ton of musicals in the past 10 years um and then three horror movies which actually feels kind of light for us yeah i'm surprised that's not more well i guess some of that is suspense so yeah you can yeah, you know horror, horror, horror suspense horror, can is, be horror is a combined. fluid genre and is allowed to be yes some people romantic comedies might be a horror film hey oh and the other interesting stat is how our selection from each year panned out. Where um, we pretty much selected the same number of movies from each year. So hmm. 2011 had seven, 2012 had eight, 2013 had seven, and that's with when it was just the core three of us. And so it explodes a little bit more. Where 2014 gets 11, 2015 gets 11, 2016 gets 13, 2017 gets 10, 2018 gets 14, 2019 gets 12, and not surprisingly, last year only two. Um, and this year shaping up, uh, with three. So that made the list. So, which is incredible for, we've only had six months of this year to make it on the list. Still been some good solid choices thus far this year though. So thank you everybody who's been a part of real nerds for 10 years. Thank you. You three for joining us on this movie journey. Um, there'll, there'll be more episodes. In fact, we're right back at it next week with the suicide squad. Thank you for everybody for listening, and we'll see you in another 10 years. Bye. 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 Thank you for listening to this episode of Real Nerds Podcast. Real Nerds Podcast is a production of Nebulous Visions Multimedia. Thank you to Sparks Mandrill and Plan 9 Studios for our kick-ass theme song. Also, if you're in the Denver area and you're looking for a cool place to see movies, we see them at the Alamo Draft House in Littleton and now also in Sloan's Lake. Thank you to Colorado Coins, Cards, and Comics for supplying us with all our comic needs, especially you, Andrew. You know who you are. And a big shout out to James's mom. I'm giving you an electronic hug that you can feel through the airwaves. Thanks for listening and have a nice day. Hi, I'm Captain America, here to talk to you about one of the most valuable traits a soldier or student can have, patience. Sometimes patience is the key to victory. Sometimes it leads to very little, and it seems like it's not worth it. And you wonder why you waited so long for something so disappointing. How many more of these? <laughs>